I got that Namor figure, so I. I know I, I reacted twice and, and and set him up or whatever. And in anticipation of that, I did sort of pull some of those guys down, including the Transformers, and actually like dust the shelf because I was like, oh, I got to take a, a photo of this so I can try to make it look somewhat presentable, you know, because there was a bunch of dust. So I was like, oh, I'll just I'll, I'll clean some of this stuff up. And then since I was taking all the Transformers out anyway, I pulled out the Sinestro War Corps Absolute or whatever, because I could potentially get that signed at Megacon, I guess. So I was contemplating how I would transport that. And I sort of decided, I'm like, well, I don't need the slip case cover and I don't need the slip case. So I was just like, let me just pull out the book. And then I put back the slip case cover and the, the slip case. I haven't really started packing, but I, I did my usual prep time nonsense of I, I printed out a bunch of stuff that I probably won't need, but just in case I need a physical printout of like, mm -hmm. you know, things I bought or tickets or I know how you operate. Yeah. So you I, have, I, you have backups upon backups, <clears throat> but I so, mean, it's, you know, it's, it's good that you do that because you either, you either do it and you're like, Oh, well, I don't need this. Or you like half-ass something like Tony and you're like, Oh shit, I wish I printed out those directions because my phone is dead or something. Right. Right. Or, or I can't, I can't check into this thing because my, my phone is dead or, or cause my phone fell into a toilet or whatever yeah. it is. I mean, I, I pretty much prep what I'm bringing with me as far as art. Like I've got two portfolios that I stuck in my little bag. I brought one of the nice portfolios for the stuff that I'm getting signed. And then I have like, kind of like a, you know, the one I usually bring with me, like a travel one that can get beat up and I don't care too much about it, but I put some things in there. Some stuff is to give away and some stuff is, you know, maybe if I, you know, go really apeshit crazy and need a whole other portfolio, which is highly doubtful. What else did I do? Oh, I, I double checked and made because because I, I, I had all those hokey problems with my phone being able to work in my car. I had to borrow one of my dad's adapters so that that battery I have can actually charge my phone. So it's got like the right cable set up or whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I was I was sort of like silently you know, slowly prepping things in the background. I don't know that I did a great job of making, I made a reminder list of, for myself of what, what I was going to pick up at the art show and what I was bringing to sell to people and, you know, my, my cards and who they're going to and all that stuff. But I didn't really write down, like I, I brought things to get signed, per, you know, I hopefully either for free or at like some, you know, minimal cost, you know, at like the shows. So that worst case, I have an excuse to go up to somebody and not spend the shit ton of money with them, but still be like, oh, hello, artist person, you know, like that whole, you know, that's that's my whole thing is I've got this thing that doesn't it's it doesn't take up a lot of space to travel with but it, you know i can hand ken lashley a a, a a new 52 print of blackhawks and still have an excuse to say hi without you know spending a thousand dollars on a commit you know what i mean like like some, something where it's just like oh hey what's up nice to see you again or whatever and can you sign this okay great great you know and then that's you know then i I've, I've i've effectively done something meaningful you know or whatever but i didn't really write all that shit down MegaCon has like this app, so I did download that, but of course nothing's really on it at the moment. I did think about maybe like I, I, I've kind of, I mean, I don't know if this is just a waste or whatever, or I can change my mind on the fly. And they may have stuff there for you to buy, obviously, if you wanted to get something signed. But I was 
contemplating if I did see any celebrities at Megacon, maybe it would be Johnny Young Bosch. And then I thought to myself, don't I have a Trigun poster? And I was like, that might be something cool for him to sign. But I went and looked for it today and I couldn't find it. So I was mm. like, I don't know. I don't know if if I misplaced it or if it's just somewhere where I wasn't thinking, you know, like the obvious spot isn't the obvious spot where it is or something or whatever. I don't know. And I don't know that I want to like, you know, rip my hair out looking for it either. Like it's not that big of a deal, but it was just, it was just kind of like an afterthought where I was like, well, if I did go try to waste my time going after any celebrity stuff, that might be the thing that it would be. But, you know, who knows? He's probably got a bunch of fucking Power Ranger headshots there anyway. So it doesn't have to be, you know, something obscure or whatever. But I just thought maybe that would be cool if I already had it. And then there's that debate in my head of, do I really want to bring posters with me to this thing, you know, and carry around that poster tube, you know? And then the only other thing that I would bring if I did do that is that Dan Jurgens Hunter Prey poster that I got Brett Breeding design. Do you remember that one? That, I that think so, one? yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just thought, oh, well, I've got Brett Breeding's signature on it, and uh, Dan's going to be at the OA Expo thing. So I was like, that would be something to have him sign. But then I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still debating if, if I... It's probably it's probably I'm thinking about it too hard. I should probably just bring it and be done with it. But, you know, there's that part of me that's like, uh, do I want to lug around this shit? And it's not like, you know, once once you get it there and you get it signed, then you can just bring it back up to the hotel room and never worry about it. But, you know, I don't know. It's just when you're going in planes and doing all that stuff. But I guess, you know, I don't know. I, I overspent on the flight. Like this is like a first class flight. So it's oh, really I don't think, I don't think it's going to be, you know pain in the ass or anything you know what i mean i'm sure once i'm checked in i'm checked in and you know it's probably going to be one of these big comfy seats and whatever and i was like ah if i i'm like i'm getting older I'm, i at the time i rationalized it where i was like ah if i'm going to fly across the country again i might as well do it in style you know? with your powers combined we are fan holes go, go, go fan holes. I can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our impressive bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Two weeks later. Guess what I saw today? Because I, I picked up some art for, for a local friend, you know, that lives close to, to me or whatever. And I, you know, I knew he had bought some stuff. So I just reached out and was like, would it be easy if I, you know, grabbed it at the shows or whatever? And he's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I, I grabbed some of his art and brought it back with me. And then we finally had a chance to connect today. So I, I, I met him like uh, in, a, in, in a Walmart parking lot. I met him, and he he owns the he, I think he owns the first couple covers to the Marvel Transformers series, but he brought the cover to Transformers One because he knew I'd want to see it or whatever. So that was kind of mm. cool. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I, I stared at that in adoration for a little <laughs> while and gave him his art. And I kind of showed him like what I bought and stuff like over the last couple, you know, weeks or whatever and stuff like that. But that was that was pretty cool. So here we stand, leaders of the Autobots and Decepticons. We alone control the future of this planet and the universe beyond. Optimus, we can share the power and the destiny of all that lies before us. Megatron, it is not power I seek. I wish only to protect this planet. I want no harm to come to these humans. You fool! Why throw away your life so recklessly? With energon from the Earth and combining our troops, we can rebuild Cybertron. The entire universe awaits us! I will not endanger the Earth or its humans. Cybertron has shown us what devastation comes from greed and power. Then you will forever be my enemy. No one will stand in my way. Megatron, one shall stand and one shall fall. So be it. Power through tyranny. I will never give up hope that one day we will all stand as one. Until then, Till all are one. Autobots, roll out! Yeah! I guess because I was so enveloped in my trip, I was like, oh, I'll watch that six minutes of uh, the the Seed movie like when I get home. And I, I finally clicked on the link that you posted in the discord for the seed movie oh, and it's yeah, like it's, it's like now. oh it's gone and i was like oh well maybe that wasn't like totally official or whatever yeah i, I think like bandai released it on their official channel but it was like region locked so a bunch of oh oh so a bunch of region re, re, it, re, people just like, uploaded it somewhere else and then yeah. it got it got shit canned okay <laughs> i see that okay i mentioned the mic i was like i need to see this lewd kigali scene and he mm. sent it to me and i he, he said it, and I felt like Anakin in episode three. I was like, I want more, and I know I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I saw, know, on the, like... well, I saw on the Gundam Reddit, it's like, oh, someone made a gif of this. I better send this to Justin. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't even, like, try to, you know, people look at Anakin or Ewan or any of those guys while they were there. But I did, I did uh, look up some things, like, on YouTube just after the fact, like, seeing, like, oh, are there any good interviews and whatever. So I've been, like, saving them and, like, oh, maybe I'll watch those later or whatever. But there was this one quick, you know, like, one of those little YouTube shorts or whatever. It was this cute lady dressed up as, like, Padme and her... Uh, her evening gown where, you know, like when they, they have dinner and he floats the fucking oh. shit to her and stuff. So she was dressed up like that. And, and she comes to take a picture with Hayden and she, she has the, one of those force effects or what, you know, one of those souped up lightsabers. And, and you can see, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm lazy. I don't even listen to the audio, but it was all, I just watched it all visually. And she, she, she hands him the lightsaber and you can see she's explaining like, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but it'd be really cool if you did like the flip and whatever. And, and we take the picture and stuff like that. And like, without missing a beat, he grabs the lightsaber, does like 
the like like he hasn't forgotten it at all and does like the his you know what his you know how the I I know all the nerds know exactly what you know it's like lightsaber move like 4.5 or what you know whatever it is like I don't I don't know what the nerd name for it is but he remembered what it was and like flips it exactly while he turns it on and you can see the look like she's kind of like she was kind of all trying to be regal because that's the outfit she was wearing. But then the minute he does that, like she totally like creamed her pants and was like, "Ooh!" Like, <laughs> like she she smiled and like had the O face and everything. And she she was like she was doing the Michaela Culkin like her her hands were over her. You know she was like ah like oh my god like she totally geeked like she was trying to play it cool until he did that and then she geeked out and everything. And then they took like a really I mean you you saw like they cut to the the actual like you know it kind of looks shitty when you're filming it on like a, a phone cam from like the left hand side. But then they quickly like showed like, you know, the professional photo that got taken that that they paid for. And I was like, oh, damn, that looks really, you know, anyway, it looked really nice. So it, since you said Anakin, that like triggered, like I just watched that and was like, oh, that was really sweet. We have a few more, a couple more. Would you rather kiss a Wookiee or kiss a Gungan? <laughs> As a Jedi, you're sort of, um, you're not meant to kiss anyone. <laughs> Would you rather be skilled with a lightsaber or skilled with the Force? Definitely skilled with the Force. I yeah, yeah. Use, use Jedi mind tricks or like cool twirly behind your back move. I think I'm gonna go with. <laughs> what? What do you use the Force? What do you speak of now? <laughs> Would you rather kiss a Wookiee or kiss a Gungan? I gotta choose. Yeah. Um, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you may as well just go for it, and 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 I'm gonna go for. Um... Yeah. I don't know. See, Jarja had that tongue that was. Like... I'm gonna go with Wookie. I saw you tell Frank or, or somebody in the Discord that Megacon is way bigger than Heroes Con and it's almost like too much and overwhelming. Megacon is well, see, I didn't feel comfortable saying this until I heard it from people who had recently been to San Diego, because I the last time I was at San Diego Comic Con was two thousand two. So mm. that was a long ass fucking time ago. So I didn't feel I, I didn't feel justified right. or or you know feel feel like i was an authority enough to say that megacon had more people and was bigger than san diego comic-con but given that there are some friends that i know that had you know either vended or attended san diego comic-con that also were at megacon that also said this was crazy like this was bigger than than san diego comic-con this year i feel a little more comfortable sort of passing along that as as you know as fact rather than just hearsay but again i you know again i haven't really been so i can't, i'm not really saying it from my perspective i haven't been in like what what is that 2002 i haven't been in like 22 years to san diego or whatever so so i i'm not speaking for personal experience but from from the experience of someone who's who's been at both recently like there was i mean and it was a zoo i mean megacon was a fucking zoo I mean, if you want, I mean, it's weird. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead to the end of the thing. But, but if you're curious about it, like, because, look, OAX, the art expo, mm -hmm. the the reason why it's 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 a super rude awakening is like that show was so 
it was fun and and it was cool and but it was so considerate and uh, considerate of all parties involved like it was considerate of the guests it was considerate of the attendees like the the it was in a ballroom it was the entrance to the you know it was like it was like going to a hotel ballroom where the floors were all carpeted like the the space between the aisles was was so I mean you know I'm I'm not trying to exaggerate but I mean it, it, any any aisle space in any normal convention that's concrete like just double it the heroes the space between stuff at Heroes Con like that that you had to walk through like double it and it's carpeted people were mainly there to either meet people have conversations pick up commissions buy art pick up art arrange commissions get little sketches exchange you know like show off their own portfolios and collections go meet other artists that they've heard about you know like with one another and so that's it wasn't like your average con animal or whatever i have seen more collectors here that i've, I've sold artwork to and have known for years than any show i san diego's a big one i think more than san diego this has been such a great turnout for serious art buyers and there just has not been something like this in comics uh, ever. Ladies and gentlemen, OAX is officially open! Thank you for coming! It's a celebration of, of uh, original comic art, but also illustration art, but also narrative storytelling art. All those sorts of adjacent genres, subcategories, and weird stuff. It's a collective ADD fest. People who collect original art, they're really in it. For, you know, they're in they have a wonderful piece of art, but they like to share it. So when these guys get in a show like this, you know, and we're in a line to talk to an artist, it, it's part of that, just hanging out and chatting with one another. It's something that you don't get anywhere else. Even though I work in the business, I'm a super fan. So walking around here and looking up this crazy art that I've only seen in books, I mean, I'm not saying there's phenomenal pieces in here, but there's like ridiculous pieces in here that, I'm, that I am tempted to go and and, and mortgage my house to buy, you know what I mean? So, so it's just one of those things where you don't get a chance to see this stuff. This is this is this is folklore. Like the stuff is like you've only read about. So, but I mean, this has been an amazing experience. So I, I've been doing, uh, I've been drawing all my covers oversized, and this is actually the very first one uh, that I did. This is 20 by 30, and after I did this one, I, I found out that I really loved in drawing them this large. Um, so, uh, and, and I did it fairly, um, I was fairly naive when I did it. I, I, I inked over very loose pencils, um, and it just, it, it was a, a, a complicated, um, drawing to do because Omega Red is up here. He's strangling, uh, Wolverine who's underneath the ice here. Um, but I, I didn't sweat on it like I would normally do. It just, it came fairly easy and I, I, I was pretty proud of how it came out. The art auction and pizza party was one of our highlights, right? First of all, bad pizza. That's so sad. Bad pizza's a sad thing. So when I think of that auction, definitely get them better food. The art auction was something that we wanted to, again, have another social aspect to the show that you, know, you wouldn't normally get. I mean, I could see groups 
of collectors who are who are good friends. It's separate factions throughout the uh, the event, really having a good time talking with each other, encouraging each other to bid, and a lot of good art was sold. We were really pleased with the uh, with the results. But it's all about again just trying to create unique opportunities. We had that wonderful Adam Hughes and Gerhard piece, on, you know, that would never happen ever anywhere else. That art opportunity will never happen again. That was really special. And when I look at what we want to do with years two or three and beyond that, I want to create more unique opportunities like that because again, those are things you're not going to get at a regular con. Wolverine, Psylocke, Rogue, Gambit, and Jubilee, $900. Come on, somebody say 900. 510, is that 900? Nine and a quarter, nine and a quarter. Don't be shy, somebody jump to 1,000. 1,000, 541 and 1,000, come on. 1,100, bidding against his buddy. I love that. 1,100. Yeah. Come on, the Ranga's in the house. $1,200. $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1,200. We got 1,200 back there. 1,300. Come on, a little bit more, a little bit more. We got, we got 13 at 101. 13. 101 BE. Do you want to go 14? 1,400. 101 just said 14. Come on. 1,500 with 5. 1,500. All right, we're going down. Come on. 1,500 in 10. No, let's start at 5. Oh, we got 1,600. 101. 1,700. Come on, let's get Aranga's confidence up. He's so shy. He is so shy. Come on. 1,700. 17 going once. Oh, we got 1,800. 1,800. All right. 2,000. All right. We got 2,000. All right. $2,000. 2100 41. Can we get 21. to 2200? <laughs> Come on, everybody. Right. 2200. We're at 21 There's going no once. Buyer's premium here. Up 22. 22, 22 going. 22 going once. 22 going twice. 2300 going once. All right. You guys. 2400. Come on. 2500. 2500. All right. 2500 in the front. Going once. Going once. Going twice. And sold, sold for 2500. 2500. All right. All right. Stand up! Stand up! I'm Sonia Anwar. I'm an illustrator. I'm mostly a cover artist, and I had the opportunity to come to the show. Very, very excited because, you know, I largely do comic conventions, the more generic ones, and it's it's fun, but it's a, a very, like, traditional vibe, and to be able to come down to a proper art show, have everybody be here who's super passionate about the originals and about the craftsmanship, and be in that kind of environment is really nice. Um, so I've really enjoyed it so far. For, for the uh, first day of the show, we actually didn't plan any panels or things that could derail people from having an, a, an exciting time on the floor. Our idea was, you know, we didn't want to uh, give people a diversion because there were already going to be enough diversions on day one. So on day two, we planned a few panels that involved uh, artists talking with the uh, with their fans. Adam Kubert had a nice meet and greet where he was in a gallery with 50 pieces of his original art, some of his own, some from a, a, another collector. And it gave the gave him a really cool opportunity to speak to his fans. He also delivered pre-con commissions to those people as well. So it was a really unique opportunity for him to connect with his fans that you know, you're not gonna have a similar experience somewhere else. So that was a lot of fun, being able to be the gateway for that. And over the weekend we had uh, you know these guys who collect the original artwork from trading card artwork. They conducted three or four live stream panels that were videotaped and live streamed. So much fun. And these guys came to us after they heard about OEX. They're really good friends and, and uh, you know that's the thing about like all this community is that you know I would I could talk to these guys about stuff and they're the only human beings on the planet that can kind of give me the kind of feedback I need, right? You know, because we're all like doing this specific style, doing this specific kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it really is, it really is a blessing to, to have these guys to bounce ideas off of and talk to them when, wow. when I need them. So. That is wonderful. Dave, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to buy some Hawaiian shirts for Bill. Henry, come on camera with me. Come on, come on. I'll just keep talking. He won't even know what's going on. Come on, Henry. I want you to show off some of your art. Can you show? My friends are through that lens. I've never seen them before, but they're my friends. This is my friend Henry. He came to his first show with his dad, who's like a brother to me, and you got some of the first, you got, that's your first original art, right? So who's that? That's Iron That's by Tony Moy from Chicago, like your dad. And who's this? That's War Machine. War Machine, who did War Machine? Um, Veronica Fish, Andy and Veronica Fish. As he said, classic Spider-Man. And that's by Ryan Odagawa at TD Art. And? Um, Captain America. Captain America by Jim Food, AKA Food One. That's fun. Venom. Venom by Matt Allison, also from Chicago. The people that are filming this are from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Pizza from Chicago is better than New York pizza. Sorry, Simon. Hey, hey. And you got one more, right? And then finally, Godzilla. Who'd you get? Godzilla. Who'd you get Godzilla? Um, Who is that? That Filipino guy. Sorry? Harvey Tolabao. You got Harvey to do it? I got a Harvey piece, too. He drew a piece for me. I'll show it to you. It's this character here. This weirdo guy that looks like me. That's awesome. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Henry. While we're in auction house and that's our business, we both grew up on comic books. We're comic book fans, comic art collectors. So great we were here to promote the company, but also that we were able to meet some of our heroes and, and get, I had a commission piece done by Mike Allred. He bought a number of pieces, we got autographs. So it was good from a business standpoint and also the fan aspect as well. Opening reception. My pitch for the opening reception was open bar. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get the evening started. How are you? Welcome to Florida. If you wouldn't mind, please give it up for Bill Cox. Yes, you thought I was Eddie better. Sorry to disappoint everybody, but welcome to OAX, right? This is, uh, this is, this is very special for me. I can tell you that after doing Comic Art Fans for 21 years, and it is our 21st anniversary in about a week, uh, it's surprising to end up being here in front of all of you presenting something like this. But the great thing about both our hobby and I think the approach that uh, we've had with the hobby is like we, we just try to evolve things with what we think the, the hobby and the industry needs. And it was very clear during the pandemic that we needed Comic Art Live as a virtual show for those four years. And that led to what we have today here with OAX. And it's a, it's a true honor because it's, you know, when we put these things on, you know, we think we know what everybody wants, but we, it's not really special until we realize that it was what everybody needed. And when we have people turn out posting artwork and the, you know, and the virtual shows that we do and then having so many people turn out for this show, it's, in, it's incredibly humbling. And all I can say is I, I thank every one of you because without you, there wouldn't be CAF, there wouldn't be OAX, there wouldn't be Comic Art Live or any of the other things that we do. So I appreciate every one of you being here with me today to share in this first experience of OAX in Orlando. So 21 years of CAF. Thank you, everybody. 
that's not going to happen. But uh, I hope everybody enjoys the show. This is it's it's going to be really special this weekend. And please, if if we've never met, I want you to come up and introduce yourself to me. Yeah, thank you. That's I heard that. Uh, because I, I do, I want to meet each and every one of you. I appreciate you being here. Have a wonderful weekend. It feels like a fan event. It is a fan event. It is, it is just something that I've just been absolutely uh, thrilled with so far. And we're only 25 minutes in. I, I like um, I like the guys that put this together. More, most importantly, Bill and Casra, they're they're genuinely interested in in uh, the art form, you know. And Bill, you know, the best thing you know to, when you start a business is, is doing something that you love. And he never planned on growing it bigger or you know it it, it, it didn't even it, it it didn't even start out as a, a it's not a selling site, although people buy and sell all the time, you know, and that's really the best kind of, best way to sell something when you're not trying to. It's probably one of the best things ever created for comic book art collectors. Um, it's just a wonderful environment. Everyone is uh, here to spend money, um, to get original art, to get sketches, to get signatures. I am awestruck by half of the things that I'm seeing because it's, it's all pieces you would never assume that you would ever see in your life. It's all just stuff you've seen on Google or uh, things that have been referenced for years and years and years. Everything has just been wonderful. Love everybody, loved every moment. It's all been one big, beautiful comic book dream. And so, I mean, you know, they, they had an auction like Heroes, right? And it was actually, in my opinion, better than Heroes had been, especially the last couple of years, right? The Heroes auction. That and Megacon was like night and day. Like, like Megacon was your average or how should I say this? Maybe average is not the right word, but Megacon was your your crazy zoo, like Jeff Darrow-looking sp splash cover, double cover, with everybody and their brother from pop culture all crammed into the cover space, mm -hmm. like all at once, like like all at the same time the the you know i guess jumping ahead to it it's like 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 for it, it was weird because i was kind of proud of myself with oax because like oax i flew in thursday right and i i and then i got there you know thursday afternoon i checked into the hotel it and and my floor was like the third floor and the the one bad thing about the location was it seemed like the elevators were always broken but since i was on the third floor i was you know, able to walk down a couple flights of stairs. That was one of the ways I could get my steps in. So I'm mm -hmm. not complaining about it, right? Like I, I, I got to do some walking, even though I was on vacation and I got to, you know, exercise and, and, and all that stuff. So to me, that wasn't even a complaint at all, right? I was able to walk down a couple flights of stairs. The elevator and the registration were, was right there. And then all you had to do was walk a few feet to the left and then you were on the show floor. Like, 
I mean, it was it was super convenient. They had a laundry room to do laundry. I mean, some people were complaining that, like, look, there was a bunch of amenities for you, right? But the problem is, it's a tourist town. I, I was making jokes, and I, I did this stupid thing where on Facebook I said I marked myself safe from Miller's Ale House on one of the nights. And the reason why that was was because most of these people, well, I don't know if it's everybody, but there's, there's certain key people in that group that are like street smart, right? And they quickly figured out like, oh, if you buy food at the bar in the hotel and you buy drinks at the bar in the hotel, even though that's a cool meeting spot and people continued to congregate there and meet there, if you did it the whole weekend, you'd be paying, you know, $13 a beer, whereas you should be paying, you know, whatever it is, like $6 a beer or something. You know what I mean? Like so, something like that's not quite as crazy. And that extended to everything, right? So like, I think the the the, the first Friday, I, I went down and got breakfast with some folks in the breakfast area, but you could either pay like some obscene price for the buffet where it was like over $30 for buffet. Holy shit. Or you could pay like what I did. I was trying to be good that first day because I knew I was going to be bad most of the trip. And I was like, oh, well, give me a fruit cup and a grapefruit juice. You know how much the fruit cup was? It was like 15 bucks for a little shitty cup of fruit. <laughs> like so. So, I mean, you quickly figure out that like there's certain things that you, you know, that you you want to do. And if if if, you know, and and as much as I made fun of it, the, the Miller's Ale House like had bar food that was good but not, you know, bank breaking. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a fair price. So that's why people were always walking over there because as opposed to paying, like, I, and I, you know, I wasn't going to pay $30 for breakfast every day. Yeah. Like, and then, but in, and, and people may call me crazy too, because they were complaining about, there's like a, a I think there was like a burger and pizza joint and a Starbucks all in that same little, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, like th this kind of, you know, outside area where everybody, like where they had the VIP reception and everybody had, you know, the food that was part of that VIP reception and everything, the, the courtyard or what, you know, whatever you're calling it, right? And what I ended up doing every day was I went to Starbucks every day. Now, it wasn't cheap. Like, I probably ended up paying 20 bucks every day for you know, whatever, whatever my amenities were, my, my orange juices and my hot teas and maybe a pastry or a fruit or whatever it was that I got like all three to four of those days. But to me, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to pay $30 for a buffet that I won't use and think is too much money. And I'd rather, if I'm going to spend the money, I'd rather spend the money on something I actually wanted, which was like they they had the the, the cold pressed drinks that I like to drink in the morning, and they had hot tea and green tea and you know whatever it was I wanted. And then I was bad some of the days and got like scones and crumb coffee cake and shit like that. And it's like I'd rather do that and be like I like this shit than go and have like you know shitty fruit for fourteen dollars a fucking cup or what you know what I mean? Like I was like and and I think part of the complaint was that Starbucks had a longer let me let me put it this way the starbucks line in the morning to get coffee had uh, a and it wasn't a very long queue in my opinion but it, it was like at least 20 people queued up every day at like eight in the morning but for me like compared to like disneyland lines and compared to there, there were virtually like no lines at that show you know the the art expo the original art expo oax right like i mean there were a couple times where maybe there'd be one or two people in front of you or something, you know, like at most. But 
most times it was like people are just sketching and hanging out and you just walk up and you're like, oh, hey, dude, like, how you doing and whatever. And you, you have a conversation with them or you get them to sign something or you pick up something or you, you know, I don't know, I've got this page, like, well, would you sign it for me and whatever? And most people were super cool. Like they, you know, some people would charge for like, if you brought them comics and posters and books or something like that. But the majority of the people there were like, oh, you paid for this art page? Like, then the signature is free. You know what I mean? And and the majority of the people were in that camp. Do you know what I mean? Where they weren't, they weren't trying to, you know, charge you money because you wanted them to sign an original art page or something like that. So it was all like super chill, super low key. Like I got to, you know, catch up with, you know, a bunch of people and there were a bunch of people I had never met before that I sort of got to meet for the first time. But like, that was cool. Comparatively, I was really happy with how things went at Megacon, but Megacon uh, started on a Thursday. It had a Thursday preview night. It's one of those large cons. Like I, I, I took one photo where I was trying to tell people how goofy it was, but it's like the, the best thing I did was that I bought the ticket and that miraculously the badge, you know, I said, mail the badge to me. Miraculously, the badge came before I had to board the plane to go, you know, because I, I technically I was leaving like a week early, right? So they could have sent the badge in time for Megacon, but maybe I had already, you know, left on my flight earlier, right? Like before it even gets to me in the mail. But luckily it was perfectly timed. Like I think I got the badge like two or three days, maybe two days before I was going to get on that plane on Thursday. Like I think I got it on like Monday or Tuesday or something in the mail. And because of that, all you have to do is activate the badge online. And then because of that, all you have to do is go into the quote unquote re-entry line or the re-entry section, right? Whereas if you're coming there fresh and you're buying tickets, it's one of those crazy, you know, it's a fan expo thing. You, you have to get in line to get the ticket. You have to get in line to check in. If you were a cosplayer, like I felt bad, you have to register all your bullshit and check in for props and all this. You know, there's there were tons of things like where if you were trying to get into the show, like it could have been a lot more crazier than it was for me. But luckily, like once I figured out, oh, this is the re-entry section, I just walk down there all the time. They scan your badge and you walk in. You you have to get checked every, you know what I mean? Like, like as opposed to say OAX, like nobody's patting you down. You just, you know, you show your badge, you walk in, you're done, right? With this, it's like they have to fucking scan your badge to let you in. They have to fucking scan your badge to let you out. Like, I mean, that's the kind of crazy zoo it was or whatever. Mm -hmm. Thursday, because it was preview night, and, and that was when the least amount of people were there. Like, people are, you know, still at work. They're getting off work. They don't want to bother to come down for just the preview night. I'll probably say I'll never do Megacon again, but if I ever did it again... Like it would have to be something where like, say, say Megacon and OAX were the exact same weekend and they were doing, you know, the Friday night VIP and the Saturday Sunday. If I could just buy a ticket for Thursday, I would consider doing that because Thursday was the least crazy. I got uh, as far as all I really cared about was the comic stuff. I got like 70 percent of that shit done on Thursday. The, the stuff that was a nightmare was everything after that. I mean, per se, and, and I say nightmare loosely, like it wasn't the end of the world. I got everything 
done that I really wanted to get done. But there were there were plenty of people on Thursday. But I mean, it was enough that I could I could bang it all out, you know, and go through, go down the list and stuff. Because OAX, I had some things in mind, but mostly what it was was I was picking up things that were prearranged. So like I had won things at auction. I had I had bought pages from collectors and stuff like that. I I sold those Hembex right to pay for another page. I had I had pre-bought or whatever, right? I went down there, you know, I, I, I exchanged, you know, the Hembex for money. I took the money over to the guy that I I, I arranged the one Madcap page with, you know, and, and so, you know, there, there was a page I picked up from another collector that was like an Aquaman page. They, they almost thought they forgot my cover, my Superman cover from the <laughs> auction house. And luckily, they, they, I guess they remembered it. So like for five minutes there, I was like, oh, this is going to suck. I'm going to have to have them mail it and whatever. But he's like, at first he was like, oh, I forgot it. I forgot it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then five minutes later, he's like, wait, 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 I think I have it. I think I have it. And he had it. And so I was like, well, well, good for me. The thing that sucked was the, the buddy that I had done the deal with for the Aquaman page, they forgot his shit and they legit forgot it. So they're going to have to mail it. You know what I mean? So like some, some of that stuff, you know, could have been a bummer, but luckily it wasn't for me. I, I and, and, you know, I was picking up the, the art for that one friend I mentioned or whatever that I met today. So it's like, I, I had things on my checklist to go do, but as far as maybe buying art for myself, uh, that wasn't, I was like, let me see what happens, right? Like, and and let's just see. The the one thing that happened that was great was there was a collector that I'm friends with. He goes by Wolvie fans because he has a shit ton of, he likes Adam Kubert and has a shit ton of Adam Kubert art. He likes a lot of that 90s, you know, Wolverine type mm. art or whatever. There was a, a giant, I mean, speaking of, of that, like the oh, the difference, right? There, 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 I mean, there, there were things to see at Megacon, but it was like kind of like pay for play novelty bullshit. Like, like people were yelling at me like, why are you taking a picture of Kit? We want your money, you fucking asshole or whatever. And you know, that kind of thing where, where people are yelling at you. If you, if you're, if you're taking pictures where it's a pay for play scenario. So it's like, you know, and that, that thing can get confusing real fast because you've got guys dressed up like this. There's this awesome, I, I think I posted it in one of the discords, but there was this dude who has this wicked Robocop cosplay yeah it looks show, great. right it mm -hmm. was fantastic mm -hmm. and you know i i ran around and took a couple photos of him while he was walking and and you know scott's like oh i'm never going to be able to do this so I, I ran up and grabbed some and i sent him some of the photos and whatever and so he's got this whole video on youtube documenting how he did but it's not like it's not like robocop was yelling at you like you must pay my fee or you go to jail you know like like that kind of thing it was just he was there to to be recognized and to take yeah. photos with people like that was the whole reason why he was there he was a, a an attendee that was also cosplaying whereas you know sometimes they had and, and it also got like weird with the pay for play instances right like some of them had clear signs where it's like and i don't know any of this avatar the last airbender shit but you you might know it they they had a gigantic fucking appa yeah, like, I saw thing, that. Right? That's great. And and so the the point of that was there are these clear signs where it's like, look, please don't take photos like uh, just randomly. Like if you if you want to have your photo with Appa, like you know, go wait on the line, pay the fee, 
like we will take the photo or we will take the photo with your camera for you or whatever. So, I mean, you kind of knew what the rules were, right? Like, mm -hmm. and if you're, if you're waiting for someone else, stand off to the side, like whatever. Right. And so that was super clear. Right. And then meanwhile, you've got like some of these extravagant cosplayers, like with the giant Gundams, the giant Optimus Primes, the the RoboCop guy, like all, all this cool stuff where you can either stop and say, may I take a picture of you or can I take a photo with you or whatever? And everybody's like, uh, you know, as long as you kind of, you know, it, it's the whole thing like, like, you know, cosplay is not consent. Like you just ask and then, uh, you know, I'd say, a hundred percent of the time I've, I asked, everybody said yes. And I either took a photo of them or, you know, whatever you, you tried to do a selfie or some shit or whatever. But when it came to like either celebrities or I'll say celebrity cars, then it got a little more confusing because some people like, you know, I, I, the, the thing I did on, I think it was on, yeah, it was on Friday. I did the, I was like the one celebrity I was going to do was I was like, I'll do the Johnny Young Bosch thing. Right. Mm -hmm. That looked crazy. It was crazy. And and I have considered not doing it, you know, because I was like I was looking and it was like I, I, I thought, oh, maybe I'll try to do it like right when I go in at 10. Right. And so when I finally got there, I think it was like 1030 or 11 or something like that. I'm looking at this line and I'm like, the line's pretty wild. And you knew he had a panel at noon. So you're like, oh, are they going to do this thing where they F you over, like, because he's got a panel and he's got to go and then you're shit out of luck. And so at the time I asked, I was like, are you going to hand out little tickets if we wait in line? Like, and the guy was like, oh, I don't know nothing about that. Baby, baby. You know, <laughs> and like, and you're just like, oh, well, if you don't know shit, then, then I'm not going to waste my time waiting online. However, I tried to be street slick about it. I came back right at noon when everything was wrapping up and I could see they were handing out tickets and I tried to get in line to get the fucking ticket but they're like oh this is capped off a -der -der. and i was like okay mm -hmm. fine i can't i can't i can't be slick and whatever and so i went okay fine but then then when he basically like i think the panel was maybe an hour or something so maybe around like 1 1 30 i saw people were queuing up again and i just tried to get the story straight i'm like you know there's people that have tickets and i was like well how does that work and i think what they did was they they had what they refer to as VIP and then, you know, the standard plea blind, right? And so what I was in was the standard plea blind. But I think the way it worked is if you had one of those tickets from the previous line, you could jump into the VIP line and they would, you know, amalgamate you with the the regular queue or whatever, just like like a VIP person would do or something like that. And that's how they were doing it. And at that point I was like, oh, okay, well, as long as I'm in the right line and I'm not going to piss anybody off, my my thought was I got basically almost all the comic stuff done by then because because I didn't wait in the Johnny Young Bosch line I did everything else that that you know how I said I got 70% of the comic stuff done on Thursday like I'd say I got the other 30% or let me let me say 25% because I I thought of things to do at the last minute on Sunday and did them then right but I I, I got the majority of it all done on Thursday I was gonna say that celebrity car stuff can be confusing because that <laughs> 2019 Heroes Con, you know, me and Tony were wandering around. Right, right, and, and you you took photos, and then you realized, oh, maybe we shouldn't have. But you, you know what? You know what's interesting about that though is, I took a good number of photos of cars, and nobody yelled at me. The only person that yelled at me was the bitch who was doing the kit car. 
and went, I don't think you should be, you shouldn't take, don't take photos of this, sir. And <laughs> I, I, I just, and I did take a photo of it, but then I deleted it because then, I, and I think like the Facebook algorithm, even, you know, because it knew I was at Megacon, tried to like sell me on that, the, you know, they, they had some page or something like, you should like, you know, the, the kit car page. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you, delete and don't send me any more shit like this because the person running your thing is a fucking cunt bitch. And, uh, and I deleted that photo and was like, I'm not going to advertise your shit. I just, I, I was kind of like, you know, it would have been free advertisement for your, for people that were actually interested in paying to go, go take a photo with it. But instead it was like, you know, you know what's funny? And I kind of feel bad because, um, because I, I saw this on the social medias and, you know, yeah, I don't know all this, the specifics. And again, it could look worse than it was, or I didn't know all the details or whatever, but you know how Rob likes um, MASH and he talks the world of Loretta Swit and whatever, and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. Like she was there oh. and all I saw on social media was her yelling at people not to take photos of her. And like, again, it was one of those odd things where it's like people are waiting in line to pay you money to either take a selfie or have something signed or whatever. And in the meantime, they're taking a photo of you maybe from, from far away while they're waiting in line. Now, when I was waiting in line for Johnny Young Bosch, he came back from the panel and he started shaking everybody's hand, kind of like Todd McFarlane did when he came out that one time or whatever. And almost like, you know, giving you it was like you were getting rejuvenated. Like, you're like, oh, man, yeah. this sucks standing in line. And then he comes out and he's like, oh, thanks for waiting, man. Like, good to see you or whatever. And then uh, and then, and then, then you mentally prepare yourself. You're like, holy shit, this is going to take another four hours, but I'm going to do it because he came out and said hi to me, right? And, you know, he couldn't do it with everybody, but, he, I mean, he did it with as many people as he could down that one line or whatever. And it's not like he yelled at me when I took a quick photo right after and said, oh, hey, I got my hand shook by him. Now I'm going to wait in line or whatever, right? Right. But I think in the, the Loretta Swit case, like it's it seemed like, you know, from what I could see from, you know, the, the posts and everything, you know, and of course, you know, I, I get it. It's it's confusing. And also there's some people that are, you know, incredibly stupid or, or inconsiderate. Right. Like that's the difference. The OAX thing. Everybody was like super considerate. And so you would have never run into anything like that. I think everybody tried their best to be considerate of whoever was there, whether they were attendees and guests and whatnot. Whereas I think you know, the Megacon thing being a pop culture con and just masses of fucking people at some point consideration just goes, you know, like, you know, Larry, the guy who got you the, you know, helped yeah. you get the Hellcat thing. Right. Like he, he wrote a little post when he saw me, you know, post the thing about, Oh, you know, Johnny just shook my hand or whatever. And he's like, are you asking for con crud? And it, I, I, <laughs> and I, I just, you know, my, my thing was, look, I'm not going to be a dick about it, but you know, I just kind of wrote back, Hey, look, man, social distance is not an option in this place. Like there's, there, there's no, I mean, if there, if there was anything like that, no one was following it, but there wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you were literally, I mean, Saturday was the worst and you were literally like jam packed, like in a sardine can, like with tons and tons of people, like, and, and it, it, I thought maybe it would ease up on Sunday and it did a little bit, but not by much, you know? So it was like those two days were, were just jam packed full of, of people. And anyway, the, like the, the point is like some 
cars I took photos of, and nobody said fucking squat to me. They or or like the the Doctor Who area with the 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 TARDIS and the Daleks and all that bullshit. There there was a sign up that was the complete opposite, where it was like, "We encourage you to take pictures. We're not mm. charging you for this. Please take pictures." And then when I saw that Star Trek setup with the little light panel, you know, the 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 like whether it's like the transporter or whatever it's supposed to be, like the little you know uh, next generation pad. And I was hanging out with Doctor Bill. I was like, "Oh, can we take a photo in front of this? Is that cool?" And and they were like, "Yeah." And then the chick's like, "Do you want me in your photo?" And I said, "Yeah." Why the you know who cares? Like this is <laughs> Star Trek, right? Like the reason why I was doing it is because he did the Deep Space Nine podcast, and it felt right to me to be taking a photo with him in front of the little you know Star Trek pad or whatever. And I, I said, "This this seems poetically accurate, right?" Like, and I'm like, "Let's do this." And and they weren't like, "Oh, now you got to give us ten bucks." You know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's like it, it, it's all unique and different. And, and some people it's like, oh, they, they, they I guess they want to nickel and dime you or, or or think somehow you're taking advantage of them when you take a photo of them from fucking 30 feet away. You know, like like it's like it's high def or something fantastic or whatever. But yeah, social distancing was not was not an option at Megacon in the least. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple, Garrett. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. It's what's sure to become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. But yeah, that that line for Johnny Young Bosch was the only one I was like, I couldn't. I mean, there used to be times where I did, you know, did more celebrities back in the day, back when they were like, you know, 20 bucks to get an autograph. And, you know, maybe there were five people in line or you know what I mean? And and I think the last thing that broke me was uh, when, when I did that William Shatner Stan Lee thing. And it basically took all day just to do those two. And that was all I did the whole day. Like that, that's when I realized like, oh, this is not my game anymore. Galloping around the cosmos is a game for the young doctor. And honestly, like the, the Johnny Young Bosch thing, I mean, it took like, at least three hours. You know what I mean? Like, like, so it wasn't like, I mean, that, that basically like I, I got the, the little, you know, the, the comic book stuff I, I, I missed from, from the, the, the day, you know, on Thursday, whatever I didn't get done. And then the rest of that day was, was that for the most part. I mean, aside from, you know, little things here or there, like running into people that I knew, you know, hanging out with Darren and Ruth or, or whoever, you know, like th those, those type of things. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, just to like, I'm trying to think, but just to start from, from scratch, like the, the, uh, cause I was talking about Wolvie fans, right? Like his whole thing was he was going to be part of what they called collector's Island. So they had a series of booths. So it's like, you know, Aranga and uh, Jason and Mikhail and everything like they had one of those collector 
you know, booths or whatever. So there, there was a series of guys that was on like six or so tables and some people were sharing tables and stuff. And so Wolvie's fans was, was part of that. And he, I guess his daughter set up like a website for him and everything. And so he had all this cool stuff, you know, all these, you know, pages and things on his website. But the whole deal was it wasn't going to go live until 10 a.m. on the Saturday when the show opened, right? And the page that I was most interested in was from Captain America 349. Like it was the one with Cap with the rocket skis and stuff like that. And the the main reason why I was interested in it was because I, I drew Cap in the rocket skis when I was a little kid or whatever. And I was showing people like the, the picture that I drew or whatever and stuff like that. And that's mainly why I wanted it. But on that Thursday night when I, I came in, a bunch of people were at the bar at the hotel. And, you know, again, I had never met, his name's Rob, but the Wolvie fans, right? I had never met him in person. Like we we talked in some chats and different things, you know, some some messages back and forth and this and that and the other thing. And so we, we'd had some interaction, but I'd never met him face to face. And so I, I came up, I introduced myself. There was another guy there, Jason, that was from some, some other streams that I had seen. And it, th that's kind of weird too, because I recognized him, but he didn't recognize me, I don't think. And so I introduced myself and, and so we're having this conversation and everything. And I guess, you know, Rob's been drinking a little bit or whatever. And so, you know, I kind of say, oh, well, these are some of the pages I was interested in and, and this and that and the other thing. I asked about a burn Superman page and it, I mean, it was a fair price for what it was, but it was like four grand. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to be doing that. And then the other page was that cat page. And so he says to me, uh, I don't remember. I think it was either 850 or 1250, but I'll tell you what, if it's, if it's, if it's 1250, I'll give it to you tomorrow for 850 or on the Saturday or whatever it is. Right. And so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So the, the, when the show opened at 10, I, I rolled over there and I was like, I was like, you remember what we talked about? And he's like, yeah, I remember what we talked about. And and so he gave it to me for the 850. So I was like, mm. score. And so that was the, I guess the one quote unquote, well, that was one of maybe three unplanned purchases. Like the, the, it was not stuff that was prearranged, right? Like that I had. And so that was the first one. The second one was I had asked, I don't know how long ago, but I had asked a long time ago. I asked Jimmy Palmiotti because uh, there, there's this Maxima pinup in a Superman villain secret files that was done by Amanda Connor and inked by Jimmy. And it, it, it was back when they were first going out because you could see in the bricks, like there's a little like heart that says like Amanda plus wow. Jimmy or whatever. And and so it's just, you know, Maxima, like kind of looking angry and whatever by, by this brick wall. And then it's, you know, it's kind of like a secret files, like who's who type profile where there's a bunch of text right up, you know, Maxima's yeah. height, weight, whatever, and it goes into her origin and powers and shit like that. And it's just part of this villain's book. And I had asked about it a long time ago. And I, I was kind of joking about it because because I, you know, I was like, oh, Jimmy fucking lied to me. But no, he but but it was like one of these things where I was I asked and he was like, oh, you know, I, I think he was trying to convey like, oh, I you know, I, I think that was water damaged or he, he was trying to explain, like, I think we'd like a pipe broke or, you know, like, you know, I, I usually say flood, but I'm sure it wasn't like a flood. But, you know, like some something happened where they, they thought they lost some art or they did lose some art because of some kind of, you know, water thing or whatever and some art got lost in that and he's like oh i think that was one of the pages we lost in that in that water damage instance and i said oh that sucks okay and i sort of moved on with my life thinking okay that's water damage like it's 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 gone like don't even think about it i think amanda and jimmy were away either at lunch or whatever but me and and michael mcisaac the guy that was on the 
World of Metropolis podcast. You know, we were hanging out and, and looking at booths together and, and whatever. And so we went up to the Jimmy thing and I'm looking through this box that's like basically, I think, pages that were from 100 to 300 bucks. And, you know, it's just stuff that Jimmy brings with them or whatever. And that's where I was seeing like, oh, cool. There's a bunch of Gargoyles pages. They had like some Solar Man of the Atom. He had like a bunch of stuff where I was like, oh, these are cool. And I'm flipping through them or whatever, you know, seeing if anything stands out to me or whatever. And McIsaac is over looking through the binders, which has, you know, things that are higher than, you know, $300 or whatever. And he's like, Psst dude, come here. And he, he so he, he saw the the thing, right? The the thing. And I looked at it and it was like 750. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, I'll do that. So I asked the guy at the table and he said, and, and I took care of it and paid him and whatever. And he's like, oh, come back. So, you know, Jimmy and Amanda can sign it and whatever. And then that, you know, I, I bought it on the Saturday and then on the Sunday, you know, as part of, you know, extra things that I had to do, I, I went back to their table. I waited in line. Do you, do you uh, I was going to ask, cause th this is part of this story, but are you familiar with a guy named DT Tube on YouTube? No. There there's he's a YouTuber and he he does a lot like where he he'll review statues and be like, oh, this statue's bigger than my wife and whatever. <laughs> like there's 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 like funny videos like that or whatever. And you know, sometimes it's about art and sometimes it's about slab comics or whatever, but it's all this kind of high-end, you know, pop culture ephemera type stuff. And he he has a comic art fans page, you know, a calf page or whatever. He's the guy who bought the Transformers, the movie number one cover that went over a hundred K like oh. he's, he is, uh, and, and so, so uh, he was behind me and the Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti line, he was, he was right behind me, you know, and like I said, you know, it wasn't a huge line. It was like, maybe there were like three of us, you know what I mean? And I was second in line or something stupid. Right. So it wasn't like crazy, but it's like, we're sitting there and, and we're just chatting for a minute and whatever. And, and, and I, I forget how we talked about it, but you know, I kind of brought up, Oh yeah, I've seen your videos and stuff. And I'm like, you're, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm just trying to make all the connections. Like, you know, cause sometimes you like, meet somebody in person and you're like just want to make sure like I think you're this person but I'm not and I'm like okay I know you're the YouTube guy because you've got your camera and you're taking you're taking video of stuff and everything like that and I'm like and 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 I'm like correct me if I'm wrong but you're also the guy that bought the Transformers the movie cover right and he's like yeah and so I was like oh okay cool and I was like so so we talked about that for a little bit and when I walked up and talked to them like it was funny because there was part of me that wondered if it, like and I was just joking about it but like there was part of me that wondered if like maybe Jimmy and Amanda wanted to keep that Maxima thing because it had the, the heart. Amanda Hart Jimmy thing and, and whatever. And they talked about it and they were like, oh, yeah, remember this? Like, uh, you know, this is when we were first dating and all this other stuff. And so they talked about it for a little bit and, you know, some of the inks. And, you know, I kind of explained that I collect Maxima stuff and, and whatever. And so they're like, oh, and then the, so they were like super, you know, I, I they seemed enthusiastic about they're like, oh, that's great that it, it went to your collection. So they, you know, they, they were super nice and sweet and everything. They were, you know, I mean, I, they, they were always nice whenever. I met them at shows and I've met them a couple times now, but they were, you know, they hadn't changed or, you know, it was all very fun and, and nice and everything. And I thanked them and everything. And, and so that was, you know, that was a fun thing to get that signed and whatever. But like th those were the I, th I guess that's what I consider the two unplanned per se. The, the third thing was I, I went to the auction and I won the Bob McLeod. Superman splash from time and time again. Have you ever read that? The, 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 it's, it's like the, it's, it's, uh, 
post-crisis Superman story where he bounces around through time and like he he goes through all these different like he's in like the 1930s he's in the prehistoric era with dinosaurs he ends up going to like different eras of the legion of superheroes in the 30th century so he's with like the the standard legion like pre-crisis ish era and then and then he jumps to like the five year later era where like the moon gets blown up and shit so there, there's all these different eras but in the dinosaur era that's the one where like he's i don't know if you remember but there's the cover where he's in the mouth of the t-rex and he's like prying it open and shit i don't know anyway it's a it's a pretty uh it's a pretty to me it's like it's a good superman story and i think like a lot of superman guys if you said time and time again they go oh yeah i remember that like that's pretty sweet it's from the triangle era it was i think it was about like six issues so it was like action superman it was before man of steel was around so it was like action superman and adventures and then you know rinse repeat and then that was your whole story or whatever but mcleod did the action comics issues and um at the end of the dinosaur one he gets blasted into Camelot. And so the the page was, you know, su- a bearded Superman from behind, like kind of no cape, like, you know, kind of coming to and being like, duh, where am I? And it's, uh, you know, a, the Camelot basically, right? And he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been thrown, you know, forward in time, but still I'm not back in the present or whatever. And that was one of the ones previewed. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool one. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it'd be worth, you know, at least saying I tried to bid on something at the first OAX or whatever, but I ended up winning it. And it, I won it for 750. The pencil price on the back was a thousand. So I guess I got it for a deal. Huh. Uh, okay. So to be honest, like then this might be, uh, you know, more on the Megacon end, but I paid more attention to Bob McLeod's pages at Megacon than I did at OAX. And, and the other thing that I think was good at OAX was that, like I kind of detailed the three things I ended up buying rather than picking up at OAX. And and then I got gifted some stuff too. Like I just posted this image. You know how I went around uh, at the last Heroes and I was giving out people post-its and shit like uh-huh. that. Yeah. So one of the guys I gave a post-it to that last year was uh, a guy named Michael Benham. And he's friends with Larry or whatever. But like that, you know, I, you know, it, everybody's friends with everybody else or whatever, but I, I knew him and I knew uh, like some of his favorite characters are like Sabretooth and Deadpool. So he's got some like really nice stuff from either, you know, some, some classic, you know, Sabretooth stuff. Like I think he's got a page from like the Iron Fist issue with Sabretooth's first appearance. And like, mm. he's got like a nice page from like one of the Deadpool, like a DPS with like uh, the Joe Mad Deadpool miniseries, if you remember that. Like he's got, mm-hmm. a, he's got a lot of really nice stuff. And you know, again, we've chatted and then we've met in person a number of times. He, he was the guy that, um, you know, unfortunately I didn't go, but he was the guy that I think was doing the ax throwing thing or whatever. Like you remember that, like as yeah. part of the equation. So, so yeah, and, and, and we didn't end up going to that. But the, the point, is because I knew he liked Deadpool. The the post that I gave him, you know, had Deadpool on it and everything that I drew. And so I guess, you know, I guess that made an impression or whatever, because because he was like, hey, dude, like when you go to the show, like I've got something for you. And I go, oh, OK. He had done and it wasn't just a little posted. It was kind of like a maybe like a, a nine by 12. Like a, and it, it was really like vibrant, beautiful colored image. It was just like an Optimus Prime 
headshot. And I, I, I have a scan of it and I actually posted it, but this was the first thing I posted. So I'll just show it to you. So he, he gives me this, oh, yeah. this headshot. Yeah. And yeah. so, so, and I was like, Oh, that, you know, I was like, that's super cool, man. Like, and, and, and I, I, I mean, I, I think it's colored awesomely and everything. And like, it's really, really like I said, it's, it's really vibrant and just kind of pops and everything. So I was like, Oh, that's really sweet. So I thanked them for that and everything. So that, you know, again, it's art, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have to pay for it and it was a gift and it's really nice and it'll you know remind me of the first show and everything and stuff like that so i thought that was cool and he was just kind of like oh what could i give derek and he's like oh i'll give him i'll, I'll draw him a transformer you know i'll draw him optimus prime and i'm like oh that's cool you know like like that's fine i know i'm i'm known for that too right so i was like oh that's cool hey everybody i'm paul spataro i don't know if you know me but i'm a regular on back to the bins along with my friends dr bill robinson hello and mr scott gardner hey how's it going Andy's been asking us for a promo for the show for the longest time, and Bill has been writing it for the longest time. Bill, you got that promo written yet? Uh... Okay, so, anyway, what we do is we review three comic books. We try to do it every week. Usually it's a Marvel, a DC, and a Captain Canuck book for Scott. So, tune in every week to Back to the Bins to listen to our show. You can find us at twotruefreaks.com. But yeah, they, they had the little Thor paddle and you could bid on it and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool. And um, I don't know, whatever. I can I can now officially say that I, I have won an auction live and in person. So yay me. But yeah, I, I mean, I was happy with that. You know, it's funny because at the beginning too, like that Thursday, because like the thing that I most wanted to do was to take a photo with the Alrids, you know, with that, you know, surf's up, uh, yeah. Batman and Silver Surfer. Like that was my big, like, that was like the first thing I did, you know, or at least that I, I mean, I sort of was trying to move in that direction. It wasn't exactly the first thing I did when I got in. Like I had to sort of, you know, mention it and find the right timing for it but that was you know a big thing on my agenda or whatever it was funny too because it kind of dovetails into like disney in a weird way but like that thursday night there you know again we ended up going to miller's eventually but the uh, initially a lot of people were at the the hotel bar and dining you know, dining room or whatever and so certain people were already having dinner and either chatting with other collectors or artists or you know reps or whoever, right? And so there were already people, you know, schmoozing and, and you know, maybe they had relationships with people already, you know, so so they're, you know, shooting the breeze with them. I think uh, one of the guys that was there that, you know, I think you remember Rob, you know, Rob, that we went to his uh, place and everything in Heroes, the, the yeah. Cosmic Ghost Rider guy. Uh -huh. So like Jeff Shaw was there. So like, you know, Jeff Shaw, I think, does a bunch of Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff or whatever. So like that's one of those things where, you know, they, they obviously have like, the, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, well, I, I think he was, you know, eager to talk to him. And there's other people that maybe have, you know, relationships with other artists. So they, they're already chatting or they're their reps or whatever. I think it was like me and um, I'm trying to remember, like maybe me and Tyler or whoever, but like Simon is uh, Mike Alred's rep, right? And he was, he's the guy I set up the commission with that went, oh my God, like 
that uh, like why has no one ever thought of this like surfs up batman and surfer is perfect he's gonna love doing this and sure enough he you know thought it was the coolest thing ever and you know did the commission and knocked it out of the park and uh, to this day like that's still my favorite thing i feel like you're infamous for this it's so great yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's my favorite commission, and I don't think anything's going to top it or whatever. So, like, I love the thing. But the thing was, I think I, I I think I got it made in like 2019, like right before the pandemic, and and I don't think there was any, or maybe it was in 2020. I can't even remember at this point. But I feel like it was so long ago, and there were definitely things that would impede, like you know, at that point I had never met them in person. Like like for for this show, I brought them. You know that Silver Surfer 16 that. I like that I put on my list of like top comics for each year I was born like mm-hmm. and I love that issue so like I brought that for them to sign like that's how long it took for me like I had always wanted them to sign that issue but I mean it never happened until now like that was part of my checklist or whatever and so Simon's the one who said oh do you have a calf and I was like what's that you know what I mean like so he's oh, the one okay. who kind of like got me into, you know, posting a lot of my Maxima commissions on the site. And then, you know, you you sort of put all that stuff together. You start piecing together, oh, mm-hmm. here's Simon on a video. This is what he looks like. You know, oh, oh, I'm talking to Simon in this email or I'm talking to Simon on this this chat or whatever. You know what I mean? And so you, you know, and then, and then you know, he, he's been very encouraging. You know, like I, I remember when I got into it, I, I know I found the... Dan Jurgens page on my own, I think. But I think the next page I bought after that was one of those, you know, those early pages from Action 651 that had the, like the Perez layouts and that kind of thing. Like that, I'm pretty sure he was like, he, he, I think he messaged me and was like, hey, have you seen this? And I said, no. And I ended up bidding on it and won it and whatever. So like a lot of things he'll, you know, he'll kind of, you know, be on the lookout or whatever for me and say, oh, hey, have you seen this? Like, check this out and whatever. And and so I'll, you know, sometimes I'll end up going after some of those things or whatever. So he's basically, he's, you know, whether I knew it or not, he's been my friend in this hobby, like since I started the hobby, right? And like, what's funny is, so I think me and Tyler were just talking to him, you know, as a friend, right? Just like, oh, hey, dude, like we get, and I think this was the first show I'd ever met him in person, even though we've had, numerous like you know chats and and all that stuff together right so we're face to face and we're like oh it's so good to see you and all this you know we're just you know talking talking art and whatever we're talking but i think at that point mike and laura alred had just finished coming back from disney and so they were you know kind of exhausted they were going to get something to eat or whatever and so they sit down at one of these tables and then you know simon is the rep he's like oh okay i'm gonna go sit with them and see what they need and hang out and catch up with them or whatever and i think you know it, it's like one of those things where you're not a hundred percent sure of you know what the etiquette is and whatever but i mean we all de- again like i said the entire the the word i'd use to describe oax like in general was consideration right and i think us as attendees who didn't know the Alrids had never met them before, but knew Simon, at least through some chats, our consideration was, oh, we've, we've said hello to our friend, you know, but if our friend now has to put on a different hat and go be a rep and go, you know, sit down and talk to, you know, the, the, the people that he's helping out at the show, like we understand his time is limited, right? So we have that consideration for him. So he's going to go off and talk to them and and you know maybe we're going to go off and do our own thing or whatever but you know what was crazy about it was Alred sitting down and sees Simon coming over 
and he and he he waves to us, not knowing who we are, just that we were talking to Simon. And was like, "Hey, come on down. The more, the merrier. Like, come on, hang out." And it was just like, you know, it was like one of these things where he was just super friendly and cool and didn't care. You know, it wasn't like he cared who we are. Like, he didn't even know that I was the one who commissioned that at right, the right. time. Right. It was just that he just waved us on down and was like, "Oh, you know, uh, can you? Get, you know, I think he said to Laura, can you get me a caramel apple or whatever?" And and like, and then you know, Simon introduced me and and mentioned, oh, this is you know, this is the guy who did the you know search, and he's like, oh, that's so cool, and and you know, that's where I kind of was like laying the groundwork, like, oh, at some point, I'd love to take a foot, like I I basically was like, I brought I brought them with me, you know, I brought the colored and I brought the original, like I brought it with me, I'd love to take a photo with you guys, and they're like, oh yeah, sure, we can do that, you know, and I mentioned it to Simon throughout the course of you know the the weekend or whatever, and he's like, just come back when it looks like it's a you know, a good time or whatever. And, you know, you, you, you can pick up on that and figure it out. Right. And so we, we found a time where, you know, it was easy to do that. And then that was like one of the first photos I posted. And it was just like, you know, that was like one of my major goals. And and I had a bunch of goals, but I mean, that was one of them. And, you know, I, I checked it off the list, you know, pretty early on. And that sort of made my day. But what was funny was Mike Allred was like geeking out over Tron stuff. So we were like talking about Tron, like, huh. For, for the the night and then and then the funny part was and the, the, I'll, I'll I'll just go I'll do a Cisco thing and like jump through all the time streams or whatever and get to the point but like what, what was crazy was the reason why he he had Tron on the brain was they had just come back from Disney and oh. the newest ride was the uh, Tron light cycle ride so he had all that on the brain he had just bought the the new disc you know the the Tron disc from the the new movies like the, there's this disc it it's like electronic and it works like on like you can use it with like bluetooth and all this other stuff and it turns on and makes all these lights and sounds and bullshit you can buy this special fucking backpack that you can hook up the the disc to and whatever so it's like you know basically it's it's you know it's it's touristy you know disney like oh you know i mean quote unquote overpriced uh, high-end toys, right? But it, it, it's like super cool, right? And so he was all excited about that. And that sort of planted the idea in my head, oh, maybe I should go on this Tron ride because for the rest of that weekend, anybody who had gone to Disney, whether it was earlier that weekend or during that weekend, all kept saying, oh, the Tron ride, the Tron ride, the Tron ride. And so it turns out the Tron ride, because it's brand new, it was, there, there was no standing queue, which means... You can't just go up and wait for it in line like there is no line or there is a line, but you, you can't just walk in the line at random. If you bought the lightning pass, which is basically like the VIP, like, oh, you can c cut ahead of people and get into a different line that takes less time. You can't buy the lightning pass for Tron because it's a new ride. You can't use the lightning pass on it. You can use the lightning pass on all these other old rides, but you can't use the lightning pass on the new ride. And then you may be asking, well, how the fuck does one get to ride on the Tron ride? Well, there's the virtual queue. So you have to have the Disney app. You have to sign up for the virtual queue and hope you get into it. Now, the problem is when I looked at the virtual queue early in the morning, which is when everybody was saying you should look at it, it says, you're not a hotel guest. You can't sign up for the virtual queue at eight in the morning. You're a normal plebe. Come back at 1 p.m. and sign mm. up for the virtual queue. So I say, okay, well, I guess it is what it is, right? And so I'm doing Disney 
on Tuesday. I had went to Universal on Monday, and I'm doing Disney on Tuesday because this is my downtime in between OAX and MegaCon. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm doing all this stuff. It's crazy. I met I met a dude I know from the Bay Area. He, he, I, I don't know if I mentioned him before or not. I think I may have, but his name's Amani. He, he often cosplays as like a Morpheus, uh, Mor Morpheus from... Uh, the matrix or whatever. So he looks like Lawrence Fishburne and like the trench coat or whatever. But anyway, he goes to like a lot of shows out here in the East Bay, but he goes to a bunch of cons and cosplays and whatever. And so he was there for Megacon, but we happened to be at the Disney Hollywood studios park at the same day. So I ran into him and we took a photo together and, and was like, Oh, and we we're like, Oh, you're going to be at Megacon. Okay, cool. And I think I did bump into him like one time at Megacon. And given now, given I think we were both there all four days. So, again, going back to was Megacon a zoo? Was Megacon crazy? Like, he was there all four days. I was there all four days. I saw him once at Megacon, and we got to spend more time together running into each other at Disney Hollywood Studios than we did at Megacon per se. Like, what happened was we were both waiting in the line for Ivan Rice. We queued up together and we got to, you know, to have a conversation there. And then once that was done, I don't think I saw him for the duration of Megacon after that. But anyway, I'm going on, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this Star, Star Wars shit, right? And by the time I finish, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get some food and then it'll be right at one o'clock and I'll see if I can, you know, I'm not trying to get my hopes up, but I'm like, I'll see if I can get into this virtual queue. The virtual queue is like a uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. I tried signing up for it right when one o'clock hit. It gave me some error that says, oh, you're not a hotel guest. You still can't do this, blah, 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 blah. Like, and it wouldn't let me do it. And then the next time, once I got out of that little error cycle after the first minute or whatever, then it was like, oh, the virtual queue's all filled up after like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. Uh -huh. So, so it was done for the rest of the day. And there was that part of me because, you know, Mike Alred was like, you know, and every, it wasn't just Mike Alred, but like a bunch of people were like, Oh, Detron, Detron, Detron. And I was like, Oh, you know, I was a little kind of like, Oh, gee whiz, I came all this way and I'm not going to be able to ride this ride. Like that sucks. And when I finally went over to magic kingdom, which again is weird, right? You'd think the Tron ride would be at Hollywood studios, but they try to spread all these rides out so that you're like forced to go to the different parks. Because, like, I didn't go on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. You know why? Because it was at Epcot, and I didn't buy a fucking ticket for Epcot. You know? So it's like, it's like th th those are the things where it's like, you know, tourist trap, like, type thing or whatever. Or, or I guess, you know, if you want to be nice, it's like, oh, I, you know, I would have needed more days and I had to spend more money and whatever, which wasn't, you know, wasn't kind of, you know, I was just, it was, it, I was just killing a Tuesday doing something fun. And I think I did, there's like a pass where you can bounce between a couple parks. So I said, let's do that. And because I wanted to do the at least the Star Wars stuff and at least the Tron stuff, I'll do Magic Kingdom and do the Hollywood Studios. I was doing all this Star Wars stuff. It gets to be one o'clock and I'm like, oh, it completely, um, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, the queue had sold out, right? Where you're like, after like 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh, and I think Amani, the guy I ran into, sort of warned me about that. He's like, oh, I think it's crazy. Like, who knows if you can get into it and all this other stuff. And so I was like, oh, so I was, I was a little crestfallen at that point, but I'm going to fast forward again with my Cisco powers. So I, by the time I get to Magic Kingdom, I'm kind of resigned, like, oh, I'm not going to ride this ride. Like, that sucks. But let me at least get my money's worth and try to ride, you know, 
whatever rides I can in this day and something that I'll like and whatever. And part of the punchline to this is even at Universal Studios, I had sort of decided to myself, like, I'm too old for this roller coaster bullshit, right? Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm fuck, I'm, I'm going to be 47 years old, Justin. Like, I, unless, unless it was like a roller coaster that was like Top Gun where your feet are dangling, because I had this conversation with Omani too, because he knows, because he lives in the Bay Area. And we're like, remember Top Gun? I'm like, that was sweet. And he's like, and then he started bringing up all these roller coasters that were like, death traps like he's like remember the fucking grizzly and we went oh my god remember the grizzly like it, it, we're like we're lucky we didn't die riding on the grizzly it was like a wooden roller coaster and so like we're going through all this you know permutations and he's a really tall guy and i guess like it's funny like you know how there's rules like if you're a little kid you can't ride on a coaster well apparently on some roller coasters there's a rule there's rules if you're too tall like you're not going to fit right in the ride. And he is, he's a really tall dude. So he was explaining to me, like there were a couple rides that he would get turned away from because of how tall he was. And I went, holy shit, that's weird. But anyway, you know, again, I'm a midget, n nothing I need to worry about. But the, the point is, I was just thinking to myself, oh, like the last thing I want to do is ride a roller coaster. You know what the Tron 3D ride or the Tron light cycle ride is? It's a roller coaster where you are, you're not seated, you're actually positioned like you're riding a light cycle in a roller coaster. So you're hmm. face first. Okay. Like, like, basically imagine a roller coaster that instead of it being a cart or a seat or a you know, mm -hmm. I don't know what whatever you want to like. It, it it's just it it's like you're in an Akira. Tron cycle facing that way on the coaster. And by the time I got there and just looked at it and went to the gift shop where Alred got all giddy about his light disc, like that's all I needed. Like I was like, I'm not gonna, I was like, I wasn't gonna, I was like, I felt better because I was like, I was gonna ride in no fucking roller coaster anyway. Like, so I don't know why I got myself, like for a minute, I was like, oh, that's too bad. I can't, I can't ride that ride or whatever. But I, I was like, oh, who cares? Cause like, I was like, dude, you know, and you know what was funny was like that some of those light cycles are set up so that you can prepare yourself for what it's like when you get in it. And I saw these two dudes that must have been like 20 years older than me one of them fat as fuck and they're trying to fit on this fucking light cycle thing and close the lid on them and shit and i just i went to myself oh my god like i'm and, and the one guy he wasn't fat but like he was old and like he didn't get it like he kept trying to like sit up on the light cycle and i'm like dude bro like you you know you're, you're supposed to lie down on it and like he just he just didn't understand like you know, and I was like, anyway, kind of like one of these things where I was like, you know what, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, make up stories about it and say, oh, I went on it. It was so fantastic. Like, I didn't go on it. I know a lot of people went on it and said it was great or it was an experience or whatever. But I had kind of made up my mind by the time I went to Universal, like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to go on the Hulk coaster or I wasn't going to go on, you know, what whatever roller coasters they had. Right. Like I was like, you know what? I. I'm fine. I can look at the roller coaster and go, ooh, ah, but like, I don't need to ride it. Right. And so when I realized that that Tron thing was technically a roller coaster at Disneyland, I was like, oh, well, 
I can just look at it and admire it and go to the 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 little store and admire like the the light disc and they they had like these little Tron frisbees that had the classic disc. They weren't quite as high end or cool, but it was like, you know, oh cool, Tron discs and Tron stuff and whatever. And I was like, you know, I'd like Tron. So it it was like that was that was good enough. Like how, I didn't, yeah. How was the Star Wars section of Disney? Um you know how we fantasized about that? Like uh -huh. and, and I, I will give you 100% props. If you were there, I think my fun would have at least doubled. Like, like I, I think if, if I didn't just go by myself, like, I might have had more fun. But having said that, like, I think by design, so they don't have to pay Lucas too much for royalties or whatever the deal is, like, everything is catered to... Sequels. Disney Disney sequels like there's there's virtually I don't want to say no like 3PO is still in Star Tours and I think R2D2 is the one driving I forget if it's BB-8 or R2D2 but I think R2D2 is still doing some of the driving in Star Tours y you know you know what happened to me I had I had the same moment I had in episode two where I looked at my buddy who fell asleep during the rain sequence you know what my moment was I was like I, I was sitting there and the first thing I did was I went oh let's go to Star Tours and there's this big giant fucking ad at you're you're on the Endor moon and I'm like oh this is cool they're playing the Star Wars music I'm I'm waiting in line on Endor like this is cool like this is I I remember this this is cool and then you go in and 3PO's saying some shit to BB-8 or whoever the fuck it is I forget if it's R2D2 or BB-8 whatever 3PO's there he's saying some horse shit to you hey uh, you have no suspicions to me at all and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm with this, I'm with this, this is cool. I sit down in the ride, and there's some awkward kid felt like talking to like the people in line next to him. And I was just thanking God that he didn't talk to me too long. And he talked to them instead. But he's like, I've been on this ride 40 times and I'm going to go on again or something. And I'm like, what? And then, anyway, so I walk in, I sit down and they, they do the whole routine. You're on a, you're on a, a rebel or I don't know, you're, you're on some ship. But but there's a rebel spy on board, and then they take a photo of some poor girl or guy or whatever. It's like, that's the fucking spy, and this is why the Empire is after you on the Star Tour and whatever. And so that's the whole routine. I get it. And so you're flying around, and it's all this... Um, it's very low key. It's not a roller coaster. Like there's a few minor drops and things that are simulating three dimensional flight and stuff like that. So it's fine. The, the moment I had was at some point Boba Fett is chasing you. And it's uh it's Tamora what's his face? Mm hmm Being like better off dead, eh? I'm chasing you. And I looked and I was like, oh man, it's the Boba Fett who ate too many Twinkies. It's the Boba Fett from the Book of Boba Fett that like killed any resurgence of interest I had in Star Wars. And I was just like, oh man, it's that. It's Boba Fett. And Boba Fett is chasing us. And I just mm -hmm. it it like completely ripped me out of any, like I tried, I tried really, really hard to like immerse myself and be like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yay. Whatever. And there were some other cool moments. I'm not, I'm not going to shit on the whole thing, but like that was the moment where I realized I couldn't completely give myself over to the magic because it just reminded me of too many 
bad things, I guess. What, what about the like life-size falcon that looked cool? The life-size falcon was very cool. It very cool. Very it, it was cool. very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. it, well, speaking of red letter media, it was very cool in that, and and maybe had you been there, we would have just taken photos amongst ourselves, and I would have saved myself fucking eighty dollars or whatever. But like the the way it worked was. I mean, obviously, they're not going to prevent you. Like, no, Loretta Swit is not going to come out and yell at you for taking photos <laughs> in front of the Falcon, right? But. I'm not even in this movie. I'm not at you. Get away from the Falcon. Stop taking photos of the Falcon. So, you know, like, I, <laughs> the first thing I thought of to do was be like, okay, I'm going to do a selfie and say, what a piece of junk. Because I'm sure nobody's thought of it before. But I was like, I'm sure I'm semi-original, at least within my own crowd of, of friends or whatever, right? So I'm like, that was the first thing I thought of to do. And I did it, and I was like, I guess that'll be good enough, right? But since I'm there by myself, I noticed there's this line, and there's a line where it's it's like they take, you know, it's a professional Disney mm -hmm. photographer taking photos of you and stuff. And the way it works is it doesn't, like, they take the photos of you, right? And then it's tied to the Disney account, which you've already, you know, you've signed up for on the app, and you're paying with a credit card for your, your day or more at the park. And the idea is... At the end of your stay or during your stay, right, you can check in on the app and be like, look at my photos. And then when you look at them, they're all watermarked with like, you know, Mickey Mouse's butt or whatever it is on the photo. But you can make out like, oh, this is the photo. I like this photo. I hate this photo, whatever. But the trick is then if you want access to download your photos and the special video and all this other shit, then that costs, you know. $75 in tax and blah, blah, blah. And basically, you know, give us your 80 bucks and Jeez. we'll release your photos. And I figured, well, I came all the way down there. I waited in line for the photos. Like, so in addition to whatever it was, the $220, you know, jump to the two parks, you know, th th this was the money part of it I did not account for. Like I did not, I prepped for all the hotel fees. You know, I had that all covered. I squirreled away a bunch of money, you know, I, and, and I had some cash with me to account for art and all this other stuff, right? The thing that I didn't really take into account was, and I, I, I guess I knew I was going to go to the park, so I probably should have prepped or squirreled away some extra money for that. But I guess I was, I kind of had my head in the clouds and was just like, I'm not, I wasn't 100% committed. I didn't know if I was going to go with people, if I was going to go by myself, you know, like that kind of thing. And ultimately, I erred on the side of like, I think the universal thing, there were people there at the parks when I was there, but I, I just thought, you know, like it, to me, it seemed more like, that was a respite for people like how should i explain it i felt like that was more like a family thing like 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 the guy who put together oax like bill cox like or one of the guys bill cox and kazra sort of put together oax right and and uh, the vibe i got from him on Sunday night when we were all eating dinner and some of us were chatting with him, you know, he's kind of like, Oh, the show's done. Like he felt really good about it. And, you know, and, and felt like job well done. He's like, I'm finally going to like relax now and go with my family to Disney on one of the days. And, or, or I'm sorry, to Disney, to Universal on one of the, you know, on, on Monday or whatever. And so that Monday I decided the same thing because it was within walking distance from the hotel. And I'm like, it only makes sense. Like, I'll, I'll just walk to Universal and, you know, I bought a ticket on the app and figured it all out. And they, they had the same thing, these these queues and shit. Some of them are standing only and some of them are virtual and, you know, all this stuff. Right. And so I figured it all out. But based on that conversation, I just kind of was like, oh, well, you know, 
to me, it seemed like it was his reward or vacation for having put on that show. And I was just like, I'm, you know, I, I mean, I think some people did meet up eventually or whatever, but I was just kind of like, oh, well, and to me, I was like, oh, let him have his, uh, his, his, his reward, his victory lap or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Right. And I was like, oh, he, you know, I'm like, he doesn't need me around for that. Right. And I think my attitude too was, for me to get my quote unquote money's worth out of the park, I'm like, I, I should probably operate on my own time instead of somebody else's time, you know, and just do as many things as I possibly could do in the day. And I, I felt like I accomplished that with Universal. Like, I think I went on like eight rides or nine rides or something like that. And I was like, damn, that comes out to like less than, I, I think it was like less than 25 bucks a ride. And I was like, okay, I did good with that. I think the Disney thing, like, because I had to go back and forth, like the universal parks are all, they're not the same park, but you can walk to the different parks. Like basically you, you once you're at city walk, you can eat at restaurants there. You can, you know, buy stuff if you want, like that's all free. Once you get into the park, you get into universal studios, Florida, and then you can go to adventure Island where like some of the Marvel stuff was, but you can, you can essentially walk between the two. And also what I ended up doing was you take this Hogwarts Express train from Ooh, yeah. from one to the other. And so to me, that was part of the, oh, I'm going to get on a ride, right? And the, the tr basically the way it works is by the time you finish the ride, like you start at one park and you end up at the other, right? So I was like, oh, it's the middle of the day or whatever it is. Like I'm going to take the Hogwarts train from from one park to the other. Now, having said this, and I, I bitched about it because I know I know Chrissy Carlson loves Harry Potter and shit. I like Harry Potter. Uh, you like Harry Potter. You can make fun of me too of this shit. I'm a fucking muggle. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't get like okay the the Hogwarts Express is clearly labeled so I thought you know you know me I like having a plan even though I was winging it right and so my thought was oh I'm in Universal Studios Florida I'm gonna do all the rides I can possibly do by midday and then I was gonna get on the Hogwarts Express take that train over to Adventure Island and then do as much of that as I could by the end of the day but you know what ended up fucking happening I finished Adventure Island and realized I hadn't seen virtually any of the Harry Potter shit. You know why? Because I thought it was the fucking bathroom, dude. Like, there were these people coming in and out of this thing. There's no labels on it because it's fucking Harry Potter horse shit because it's not for the muggles to see, and you're just supposed to fucking wander back there and magically... You're back in Harry Potter fucking land and magically you can go on the fucking rides. But it's like and 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 it was it was super funny because I'm trying to and by the end of the day, it's almost the end of the day. And I'm like, it keeps saying this shit is on the map, but I don't remember walking past any Harry Potter rides. And I'm sitting there and I, finally I go up to the dude and I'm like, where the fuck are these things? And he's like, oh, it's right over there. And I'm like, there's no sign or anything. He's like, yeah, there's no sign. And I was just like. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get it. And I'm like, and then finally, when I walked through the fucking thing, I was like, oh, I get it. I'm a muggle. And 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 it was yep. supposed to be hidden. It's part of the experience and all this other bullshit. <laughs> but I was like, I, I'm like, come on, fucking tourist trap muggle <laughs> bullshit. Come on. I nearly I nearly didn't even do any yeah. of that shit. I didn't I nearly didn't see fucking frou-frou Harry Potter and and a lot of the Harry Potter shit I missed cuz cuz that was that was like the Tron ride where there mm. were like massive weights and massive queues and stuff. Like 
I think if if you were going to really do it, like at minimum, you'd probably need two to three days to do everything. Jeez. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think there's any way a human being could like unless unless you just went like whole hog and and bought like super expensive tickets. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, instead of buying the two hundred dollar tickets, you have to buy like souped up VIP fucking cut cut everybody through the line, you know, like, like $300 tickets or, or, and if you do that over two or three days, it'd be even more than that. Right. Like, so it's like, I, I would imagine you'd have, like, if you were going to do everything and do it in a short amount of time, you'd end up spending like, I don't know, $500, $600. You know what I mean? Like some, something like that, where it's just like, cause, cause I, I can't remember all the, the rides names, but there was like a ride with, um, what's his face. Um, who's the big, uh, the big giant dude with the beard. Oh, Haggard. Haggard. There's there's some Haggard ride or some shit, and that was that queue was insane. Like I, I, it was just one of those things. I knew there was no way in hell I was gonna do it. Or I, there was. Let me put it this way: I was not gonna waste a third of the day waiting to ride the one ride. Do you know what I mean? Like, like so, like a lot of those things, like was was just out of the equation, right? But like I, 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 I did a lot of stuff. I mean, in between, I guess between shows, right? Between OAX and MegaCon. So like that was all. But I mean, to answer your question like to go back to the star wars thing i mean there were some things that were fun you, you know what was interesting about it was in and and i know it's total like psychological buffoonery or whatever but like on the transformers ride and on the rise of resistance ride because the what's the right word because the attend uh, i don't know attendees because I don't know what the right word is the you know the people that are hurting people in line like the, the people guiding you to your ride or whatever I don't I don't even know what you call those people right cast crew cast crew like whatever because the crew and the cast are all dressed up and and the transformers ride they're dressed up in US military uniforms like mm -hmm. these desert storm esque uniforms and because on the rise of the resistance they're all dressed up in imperial or or i guess maybe i i shouldn't say imperial they're dressed first up order. in first order uniforms right. right because they have the military uniform on it's it's hilarious how much more they like as opposed to like a harry potter ride where it's just some jackass like dressed up as a bellhop or some shit you know what i mean like nobody listens to those fucks but because they're first order or because they're u.s military looking even though some of these chicks they had tattoos they didn't look anything like a u.s military person but because they had the uniform like everybody like snapped to and listened to them and i thought it was mm. fucking funny as shit the the rise of the resistance was okay like i it's weird. I feel bad because I know people are like, oh, the spectacle of it. I mean, that's where you walk in the room and you see all the fucking iPhone stormtrooper bros or what. Like they're <laughs> all lined up and there's like a, a an evil uh, astromech like sitting there like beeping at you angrily and, and all this other stuff. And, and 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 they walk you through and they're like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I forget if it's the same shtick or not. I think it's like you've got a oh, I, I guess it's not the same shtick. It's not like there's one spy. It's like you're all considered spies and you're going through processing. Like it's mm -hmm. like step this way, uh, rebel scum, you know, and you're like, oh, ha ha ha. I'm going to step this way. And then I'm in a room with a bunch of goofy bullshit. And then the, the one thing that I didn't realize was I think I kept standing in the front because I didn't want to get like stuck in the back. But in some cases, if you stand in the middle, it's the best because 
then you get to see like the Admiral Akbar bros like like fly you through places because mm. the middle is the best place to sit when you're on these shuttles because you're standing and and the middle is where the view screen is most prominent. Whereas if you stand on the sides, it's like you end up seeing fucking Poe. And Poe's like, yeah, body bros, like, like uh, aim the cannons and blah, 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 blah. Hang in there, dudes, or whatever. You know, I don't know. He says some dumb shit or whatever. And, and like nine numb or some assholes like, yeah, 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 or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> I would have rather... I would have rather been in the middle to see the Admiral Akbar bro be like, "Whoa, uh, we will get you out of here as soon as possible." Like, uh, we're sorry you got processed by these first order fucks, and we'll get you to—I uh, don't know whatever fucking planet the resistance. Is. We, we will get you to the resistance, and you can join us to kick ass or what—you know, whatever the fuck it is, right? You you keep going through all these different rooms, and then eventually you're on like a single little. It's not a shuttle. It's like it, it's actually like a little car, you know, processing car. It's like BB-8 or somebody hijacked the or, or they reprogrammed the 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 Imperial Astromech or some shit. And now it's working for you. But you're like pretending you're prisoners. But in reality, you're escaping to the resistance. So you're like you're 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 scrolling through all these dudes and it's spinning you around and shit. But it's all sequel. You know, it's like Kylo Ren. There's a little animatronic Kylo Ren that's trying to like either choke you or force blow you out the fucking airlock or whatever. But luckily some fucking um, I'm probably mixing my metaphors, but some uh proton torpedoes or photon torpedoes or some shit hit and then kylo ren's the animatronics like or whatever you know i don't know I'm, I'm i'm probably making it sound like ass and it's really not but i wasn't i couldn't fully immerse myself in the magic of it it was just a bunch of sequel horse shit that i don't care about you know what i mean like where it's like it's like the ride was fun i appreciate the spectacle of it but it's kind of like the transformers thing at universal like I've never seen any of those movies. I recognized Optimus and Megatron. You're apparently riding, I forget what the dude's name is. I think he was made up for the ride. Evac, report in. Your bravery saved the planet. Well done, freedom fighters. Way to improvise, team. Thanks for meeting the challenge. Let's head on back to base. You can ride with Evac anytime. But you're riding in some blue car that's kind of like a, a, a smokescreen, bumblebee, hot rod-like dude. I think his name was like XL or some weird name or whatever. But, you know, he's just like, you know, Roger Dodger Optimus, I'll get all these fucking recruits to the... To the main floor, wherever the fuck you're supposed to be going, you know? And so you you pile up in this thing, and again, you know, minor drops, simulating, like, massive falls, but you're not actually falling, like, from a roller coaster. And, you know, Megatron, and I think the Fallen, and Prime fight, and, and Bumblebee tries to help you, and a bunch of different assholes who I couldn't recognize come out and try to fuck you up or whatever. But... The whole time I was riding the ride, I was thinking, how much cooler would this be if it looked like that Transformers Devastation video game where everything was cell shaded and it looked like the fucking cartoon? Then I would have been like able to like be like a little kid and immerse myself and be a pig in shit and be like, this is so fucking cool. Whereas 
because it was all the movie stuff, it was it was sort of easier for me to be like, oh, look, there's the projector. And even though I'm not supposed to turn my head, like I'm turning my head and looking at the gears and seeing how they like sort of fool you into thinking this is three dimensional and stuff. So I'm like, I'm sort of paying attention to the, the magic behind the curtain the whole time, I guess, you know, like that's. Hmm. But again, I will give you mega props because I think I think if you're there with friends like, you know, I'd, I'd say I'd probably have more fun. But I, I still probably would have yucked it up with you about how prequely this shit is. I would have turned to you and been like, oh, man, it's fucking Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I know I, I, I would have at least voiced that. I would have been like, Boba Fett, where? I went to this, it was like this weird theatrical thing. It wasn't quite a ride where you like you watch the Muppets in 3D. And that was kind of fun. Like, like the way they immerse you in it there was kind of more clever. It's like you put on these 3D glasses, you're essentially watching a Muppets movie in 3D, but then like shit would happen where like you'd see like bubbles on the screen and they drop bubbles from the ceiling. You know what I mean? Like real bubbles. So like okay. they, would, they would do like extra. And, and that was true of most of the 3D stuff. Like when, when explosions happened in the Transformers ride, like they'd actually like fire off the, these like... Squibs it, it, or it, something? It's like it's like being uh, like I, I know this might not have any meaning for you, but it's the only thing I can think of. When you're in a hot air balloon, you're super close to the furnace that lifts you up in the air. And when they pull on the 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 lever to like elevate it, like there's an intense flame that's like you know a foot away from you, so you feel the heat from the flame and it's the same thing they have occasional things where say in the thing where you know i don't know megatron or somebody like you know fires a, a missile at you or something and there's an explosion they you know obviously it's not in your face you're not going to burn to death it's far enough away where it doesn't hurt anybody but they let off this intense heat from the flame and you're like it's supposed to be like oh my god i i've now felt what it's like to be, i mean it's bullshit right but it's like <laughs> i've now felt what it's like to be in an explosion because you feel this heat from the little you know it, it, it's those kind of immersive things or like if you if you're Autobot guy like falls into the water, you know, they'll they'll squirt some fucking water your way or some, you know what I mean? Like it's like shit like that that happens where they try to immerse you in the, you know, the the three-dimensional aspect of it and everything. I mean, the I'm I'm trying to think, but the you, you know what was the coolest thing was cuz I was uh, I was asking Scott Gardner cuz I was going to meet him at MegaCon. I was going to meet him and Bill Robinson and so I had been messaging them, you know, and everything. And so they let me know they were going to be at Megacon on Saturday, but because Scott works for Disney and because he's, you know, he's a local, right? I kind of said, look, I've done, you know, this, this is, I, I've done a couple of these things, a couple of these rides or whatever. Like I went on the Buster's ride, like I went on Fast and the Furious, right? What? Which was like, there's a yeah, ride for that. There's a ride. You go, you go on a fucking party bus. And then, and then, and then, as you look around the party bus, there's all this like 3D like manipulated footage of like Vin Diesel and all these fucking doofuses doing like the most insane fucking stunts and bullshit to like protect you from you know like it's like it's the same thing as the the fucking Star Tours except for it's like oh dude bro the evil so and so mercenary whatever bad guy like 
uh, is after somebody on your party bus. And it's this dipshit that we've just taken a photo of, you know, and it's like, it's okay, bro, we're family, you know, and they're going to like, you know, fuck up the guys and guide the party bus so that it gets to fucking the rock and the FBI and everything's fucking okay and whatever. But like, hey, I mean, most of it's stupid bullshit, but I laughed at it. You know, I was like, it was fun and and, and dumb. And it, you know, I don't know, it, it didn't take forever to wait for it or whatever. And, and it was like, you know, like I said, I was like trying to get my, my money's worth out of it. And honestly, I'm not as much of a nerd about Fast and the Furious as I am about the other stuff. So it's like, it's a little easier just to be like, oh, look, there's some nice cars in the, while you're waiting in line. And I think that one was where the cast had the most fun. Like, cause they, there's like pre-recorded video of all the the movie stars like the guys that are actually in the movies including the rock and vin diesel and and the rest of these guys whose names i don't remember right but then there's actual cast members that are a part of Vin Diesel's crew, you know, that are guiding you to the different rooms and the buses and all that other stuff. And and they're making fun of the whole family thing because it's like they're at first they're like, oh, yeah, we're family. And then and then and then, uh, you know, when when it comes time, they're like, OK, it's time for all you assholes to pack in the bus and somebody's after you. And he's like, well, I guess you're not family, you know, like and, and they're just cracking jokes as they you know, it's, it's all, you know, it's probably somewhat scripted, but also kind of improv on the fly. So it's like they were were pretty funny and I was laughing at them like they did a good job you know as far as you know being cool cast members or whatever but I, I had asked Scott Gardner like what what am I missing like what's a really cool ride you know what the best fucking ride in the thing was was what he suggested he's like you have to go on the cat in the hat ride and what? I was like the cat in the hat ride there's like a whole Dr. Seuss land with like a bunch of different rides huh. like like Dr. Seuss shit and I would have never fucking sought that. I, I didn't even know it fucking existed. Like, yeah, I would have either. never sought it out on my own. But there's a fucking, uh, there's a specific Dr. Seuss land with all these rides and a restaurant and all this bullshit. And he said, go on the cat in the hat ride. There was virtually, like, no one in line for it. Like, it was it was always like, oh, it's a five-minute wait time. Like, like nobody was in line for it. There was never, as opposed to, like, say, uh, what's his face, Haggard? As opposed to the Harry Potter shit, it's like, there's a 90-minute wait for this. There's a fucking two-and-a-half-hour wait for this. Like, like that was the times for the Harry Potter shit all day long. But this cat in the hat thing, five minutes, right? I get in, I sit down. You know what it's like? It's like a little tunnel of love that tells you the entire story of the book Cat in the Hat with all these animatronics. So it's like the cat in the hat pops out and he's an animatronic and then it spins you around and then you see the fucking goldfish and it spins you around and then the goldfish comes out of the fucking thing. It spins you around and thing one and thing two is there and, you know, it does all this cool stuff, but it, it it's not... It's for like little little kids, like where it's it, it spins you around, but it's not it's not intense, right? It's like it's more like tunnel of love, like slowly spinning you to see the story and whatever. But the reason why I liked it the most is like talk about like why I fall in love with certain comic book movies or whatever, like totally faithful to the source, like the Cat in the Hat looks like the fucking cat in the hat. Like, thing one and thing two look like they came straight out of the goddamn Dr. Seuss book. The goldfish is fucking on model. Like, it's not like the goldfish has pink hair and it's fucking, you know, got uh, uh, shoulder pads and is all fucking bulked out. And, what, and you're like, that's the goldfish? It's like, everything's on model. And I was just like, this was the best thing ever and I never would have known to... Uh, to look it up on my own or whatever. So. Mm.
I, I feel like I'm going to miss a bunch of stuff, but like, I mean, Megacon was crazy. Like, I mean, there were so many people like the, 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 the greatest thing about it though, was for me, like the, the, I, I feel like everything lined up very well. Like, like the, 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 the page of art I was most interested from buying from Wolvie fans at OAX, I was able to get, I was, I was surprised at how much Maxima art there was at that show. Like I bought that one Jimmy Pomiati, Amanda Connor page but there was a dude who had the page from jla avengers where it's like all the atlantean people and maxima in it that was um 7500 and i was like there's no way i'm not yeah. i'm not spending that for a tiny little maxima or whatever mm -hmm. so i was like that that was a you know i asked and that's what it was the the remember when i did the podcast with ryan daly and we asked about you know i i know he's like you can't use the the Busima page with all the three siren women that are naked, but like, what would be your Silver Surfer page from Judgment Day? That page was there, and I asked about it, and it was 65k, and I went, oh, thanks, and then uh, <laughs> and then kept going, right? But um, but 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 I I saw it in person. I got to take a photo of it and whatever. Mm. Like it was, there was some fantastic, like you know that Ron Friends poster where it's old and new of Spider-Man, and it's got like the black costume on one side and the original costume, and it's got like like the old villains, like the Green Goblin, and then the new villains, like the Hobgoblin, like that poster. The original art was there for that, and I think that was like over 100K or something. So there was... Um, which which one had the Flash of Two Worlds? Because I saw that, and I was like, oh my god. Uh, that was uh, Metropolis Collectibles, uh, and that's Comic Connect. That, that's who I picked up that Doug Monkey uh, Superman cover from, the, the guy mm. that was like, oh, my God, I forgot it. And then he remembered he didn't forget it. Like, th they had some of their stuff on display. And so some of that stuff, I think, is technically for sale, but, like, you know. Well, you know, I'd have to be an Arabian Saudi oil sheep or some shit to buy. <laughs> yeah. like, like, but but so I think some of that stuff technically was for sale, but most of it I think was treated like, you know, again, museum pieces. Like, uh -huh. like there, and it was weird because, uh, well, I don't know if it's weird. It's just it's just interesting to see things from because there's there's a lot of videos on YouTube now. There was a big contingent of guys that were only into Marvel card art. Like that was their focus, and so the they buy cards and yeah, stuff? the trading cards. Okay, they they buy sketch cards, they buy originals from the that get made into sketch cards, and mm -hmm. that's the main focus of their hobby. What is up, everybody? Spidey here, and as always, I hope you're having a marvelous day. Welcome to my recap of OAX 2024, the original art. Expo. So the surprise of the event for me and maybe to a lot of people was the fact that I won this original art drawing by Uranga and I cannot pronounce his last name, but I'm going to have him on the channel and you'll be able, able to hear him pronounce it himself. But just what a sweet dude who created an amazing piece, this OAX piece that he submitted for the auction to raise money for a good cause. And I bought it. I'm really excited to have it. It's just so clean. I'm a sucker for pen and ink. I hate to admit it, but it's just true. And plus it says LAX, so that really just connects, you know, that piece to my memory there. And I can't wait to get it framed and on the wall. And to introduce you all to the channel, if you don't know him already, what an amazing artist and an amazing dude. Very happy to have that piece of the X-Men, the OAX men. I watched a couple videos after the fact, and it was it, it was a surreal experience because I went to the show, right? But 
their perspective on the show. Like they had like a stream and a, a live stream and, and they, you know, I was, I was at the museum. I, I walked through and looked at all the card art, but like they, they had panels with guys and had interviews and, and had their own little get togethers and, and stuff where they, instead of it being art portfolios with like 11 by 17 or bigger art, like they had a bunch of guys with like sketch card portfolios and, and all this other stuff. It's so weird. Like, you know, I guess, I guess it's kind of like, you know, Megacon. Like if you go for the celebrity autographs and you go for comic stuff, you have two completely different show experiences. Yeah. And I feel like, like watching that video or some of the videos for like, there was a dude named Spidey Hits and like he was at the auction and oh, th this will be a fun thing to share, which was fantastic for him, by the way. I think Aranga had a piece in the auction and it was, it was a, a bunch of the nineties X-Men, but then they're standing under the letters OAX, you know, like trying to, the piece was supposed to be of, you know, to, to be of the show, right? To be representative of the show as well. So it had this OAX logo that all the X-Men are, you know, standing around and everything. And it's this really cool, like sort of vertical DPS thing or whatever. And the guy that ended up winning it was this guy on YouTube called Spidey Hits. And it sold for uh, 2500 And so like it was, and, and I, I think, I mean, I, you know, I don't think I'm talking out of turn or anything, but that auction record or whatever, whatever you want to call it, like, like, you know, some people are like, what was the, the standout of the show or what was the surprise hit of the show? I think that what, I mean, there were things that went for more money, but to me, I think that was the one where maybe, you know, I think if you would ask somebody before the auction, do you think that piece is going to make 2500 and and be like this thing that everybody's cheering about when the final hammer hits and the dude who bought it is super happy with it? I, you know, Aranga was really humble and shy about it. Like he was running out of the room and all that, you know, like nervous about it or whatever. But ultimately, at the end of it, it was it was a great final hammer. Like and, and I was cracking, you know, I was cracking jokes in our little chat because I was like, doing the uh the tracksuit mafia i was like bro your commissions triple in value bro. <laughs> I, like if you have commission from aranga triple in value bro <laughs> you know like like because it was like it was like super awesome and everybody was like super happy for him and stuff like that and that was like one of those things where even if i wasn't bidding on anything or didn't win anything like that was that was like a super super cool moment in the in the show and i guess you know just bringing it back to the whole like that that whole card art aspect of it like it wasn't anything i I was super keyed in on but it was interesting to see the show from like a completely different vantage point like a completely different perspective because for me it was like i went i had agendas where i knew i was going to pick up stuff from specific people i knew there were going to be certain dealers there i knew there were going to be certain artists there like i got a bunch of stuff signed whether it was original pages like i went there, there's some footage out there of me i don't know if it's stuff that the comic art fans has or it was somebody else taking video of it but there's some footage out there of me where i'm totally nerding it up with dan jurgens over maxima's different costumes <laughs> like like we, were, we i was just i was getting into it i was asking him about you know if he still had any originals and it's weird because that that's something that was weird and contradictory because i've heard from him and he directly told me he's like oh i don't really sell my original art but yet there was another dude there that bought a page from him directly of uh, the Doomsday Wars. But I wonder, I mean, maybe I should ask that guy if I'm, I, I feel like I'm better friends with him or whatever. Because that, that was interesting, too, because like there were so many people there. There were 
new people I met and was introduced to for the first time and maybe had, you know, dinner, lunch, whatever with and, and, and hung out at bars and, and that kind of thing. And there were people that I had met at the previous shows that I'm good friends with and still, you know, spent a lot of time with and caught up with and everything like that. But there were plenty of people that I know by reputation or, or know their face from videos and things that I've seen, but did not technically interact with because it seemed like, you know, th there there were certain aspects of, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but like there, there were aspects of, oh, people had their cliques or their their homeboys or what, you know, whatever it was where like you knew people. And if, if, if people knew you and could kind of bridge the gap, like there was some crossover with that but there there were like this guy i'm talking about i commented on some of his videos i've seen some of his videos and he even mentioned like later he mentioned something where he went to this comic store that had this weird speakeasy in the back where it was like a bar and i went huh and i was like well i'm still here i can go you know i can go do that for myself like the other thing that i really didn't account for was just how much ride sharing i was going to be doing like between the minivans between the disney parks and then like the the Wednesday night, like my, Wednesday was my transition. I moved from the Double Tree to the Rosen Inn because the Rosen was much closer to Megacon. So I had planned that. Not only did I have to take an Uber for that, but I had to take Ubers for minivans. And I ended up taking Ubers to all these different comic stores. Because again, Scott Gardner and Bill Robinson being locals, I was like, oh, well, what what stores do you recommend? Like, what would you go to? What would you tell me to go to as a comic store? And so they recommended some stores. They didn't recommend this guy and monster store the gods and monster store was cool as a novelty like i went in i took a bunch of photos i saw the speakeasy bar i did not buy anything at the speakeasy bar i sure as fuck was not going to buy anything from the store because it was like they had loose shitty marvel legends for like above retail do you know what i mean like where, where you're just like you, you know all the stuff in that store was I mean, they, they had some cool stuff, but it was all stupid overpriced. Like, it was a tourist trap. And you know what I ended up spending too much money on because I went there was not the comics. It was it was in this little hidden sort of shopping center. And then within the shopping center, there was like a hidden indoor part of that shopping center. So you go inside, you see the comic store, you see the speakeasy. But when you come out of the comic store, there's a couple other shops there. And so I'm walking around and I see this thing that says hidden sushi. And I go, I like sushi. Sushi. Like, maybe I'll just eat here since I've already spent all the money to, you know, ride share out here. And then it turned out it was one of these, like, scammy restaurant things where it's like, it wasn't really sushi. It was like Brazilian fusion sushi, right? Mm -hmm. Which I was like, oh, so it's not really sushi. And then it's one of these scammy things where they're like, oh, you can have an all-you-can-eat buffet for only $40. And I know you're already going to bulk at the price for that, but that's not the catch. The catch is you can do an all-you-can-eat for 40 or you can do an a la carte and just pick some things from the menu and then pay for it, right? The trick is if you do the all-you-can-eat for $40, but you buy more than you can eat, they charge you $175 for everything you don't eat. What? That's that's the scam. <laughs> and so, oh so, so of course, I pick the a la carte, and I'm just like, okay, give me some appetizers. And then I think I had like one main course, and that came out to like a little over 40 bucks. And I could finish it all, and there wasn't going to be any 
like surreptitious like charges or weird shit. It was just, I paid the money for it and then I got the fuck out. But even that, like to a degree was like, oh, everything in this town is a tourist trap. You know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna overspend because you're in a vacation town type thing. Right. But the stuff that like Scott and Bill recommended, they recommended a place called the Living Dead Comics, which was cool because even though I went there in the middle of the night, they were still open till about eight o'clock. It was it was late, but they stayed open late. I found an extra copy of Adventures of Superman Annual Three for Brian Hitch to sign because I, you know, I don't know, I'm weird. Like the the stuff on my spinner rack, I don't want anybody to sign it. Like, I just want it to be on the spinner rack and be, I don't know, pure or something. But I bought another copy of that at that store because I, I was like, oh, I can get Brian Hitch to sign that because I, I didn't bring a copy of that for him to sign, which I did. So that was that was certainly a worthwhile trip. And then I ended up buying like another issue of Transformers and I bought one at the con. Man, are they overpriced now i saw some of those pictures like, i was like holy shit like, like i i just used that one issue eight as a uh-huh. you know it's a like hey i'm not crazy i'm not lying to you about the vast disparity of pricing and that all of it is overpriced i get that like issues 70 to 80 were underprinted like mm-hmm. i get that and i i get that even when from like maybe 60 to to 70 and and then to 80 like i get that those are like the the lesser they're, they're, unfortunately they're lesser known even though they're the best issues of the marvel run and i get yeah. that they're printed less so that the back issues are worth more like that i get right and and i ended up buying issue 61 because i i didn't have a physical copy of that at megacon and the reason why was because I, I did get that page from overseas or whatever. And like, so so that was super cool. It was rolled. I was a little bummed that that happened, but I, I flattened it out and put it on some books and whatever. I think it'll be fine. I, I talked to the guy on eBay a little bit because he used global shipping and global shipping sucks. And it never showed that it arrived to me. So he was freaking out going, oh, did you ever get the package? And I went, I, I was like, I uh, to me, it was partly because I was on vacation, but partly because I wanted him to like sweat it out a little bit. But, you know, eventually <laughs> after a couple days, I finally was like, hey, look, I received the package. It's fine. You know, again, I was a little bummed that, you know, it was rolled, but I flattened it out. Like, I think everything's fine. And then I had pre-written something kind of nice and I mostly copy pasted it where I was like, look, I think it's just a cultural thing, bro. But I was disappointed when Jeff Sr. sent me something rolled as well. And I tried to frame it as, look, you wouldn't roll your fucking comic books you're selling people, would you? You know, and and uh, I'm like, you know, look, I'll just be upfront with you. U.S. expectation, or at least in in my comic bro community, like the, the expectation is either masonite with with plastic to protect it from rain and wet shit. Like, and and if not masonite, at least some really firm fucking cardboard with top loaders or so, you know something like that keeps it flat. But you know, yes, mm-hmm. if you fucking stabbed it with a knife. There's nothing that would save it. But we're thinking of like it's going through the mail. If you if you drop it in snow, is a tube going to protect it from the water damage? No. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're thinking of. Right. And so I, I basically explained that nicely to him. I said, look, as far as what you're offering, like if you have more of these pages, like I'm, I'm in it for, you know, the the, the content 
I'm a repeat buyer for, for what you're selling. But I said, if you're tubing it to me, I'm not a repeat buyer. And, you know, he, he came back with the, you know, oh, well, if I have anything more, I'll let you know. And I, I won't send it in a tube and this and that and the other thing. So I said, okay, thank you for the thoughtful response. And if I ever hear from him again, great. If I never hear from him again, hey, I got a page from Transformers 61, Jeff Sr., didn't expect to ever have one. Super happy with it. You know, done deal. But anyway, because of that, though I bought an I bought Transformers 20 at the Living Dead store, and I bought 61 at MegaCon Direct because there there I I went through and looked at everybody's Transformers shit. All of it was overpriced. Yeah. Did you see any like Hickman Ultimate Spider-Man no. for sale? You, you know you know what was funny? I I kept like what speaking of Universal, like there's a comic shop in Universal. It's mm. only Marvel shit, but there's a right. comic store, right? And y you know what's funny is, and I I, I, I did not, uh, you know, I was talking about letting Bill Cox have his own day at Universal and not wanting to impede mm -hmm. on that. You know who else was there and was in the comic store? And I looked and I I, I think I tried to silently nod to them or whatever, but like I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't obnoxious or whatever. I didn't even make my presence known. Really, Paolo Rivera was there with his kids, like on mm. vacation, and they were looking through the store and going, "Oh, look, there's the the cover I did," or "Oh, look, Dad, there's the you know, you know, because his dad was with them and all this other stuff." And they were they were just on vacation, just having a good time, and nobody but me would have recognized him. You know what I mean? Like as a as a quote unquote celebrity or whatever, right? But the reason why I mentioned that is I did have in the back of my head what you were saying, you know, like like oh. Do any of these stores or do any of these, this universal place, like, you know, maybe it went under the radar and there's a whole stack of them just, sit, you know, that, that was my, I was like, yeah. are there any of these there? Like, like, can I, can I recoup the cost of my universal and Disney trips <laughs> with, with a, 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 a dozen copies of, of ultimate Spider-Man number one? Like that, uh. that's honestly what I was thinking. And, and I literally did look and I took photos and shit and look back just in case I missed. I'm like, do I see it? And do zero like fucking a hundred percent nobody had that shit nobody like like i did not see like not even like like not even like overpriced shit like not i don't remember seeing that for like 30 bucks or 50 bucks or you know whatever the going thing is for that i i didn't see that at all at any of the places i went to they just didn't fucking have it so yeah so so a hundred percent like they they did not have that at all that auction was was great for Aranga. so like and and that was i mean honestly that was the the major highlight of it i thought oh and 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 then at oax they had a period from like 2 to 3 30 where anybody who had a little dot by their name was a participating artist and they would do a free sketch for you now what's interesting is i guess this wasn't intended but in your swag bag for the card collector guys those card guys i told you about there was a little oax card that you could get somebody to do a sketch on. Now, I took that as like, I'm supposed to go up to somebody with this sketch card and get a free sketch from them. But honestly, they would have sketched something on whatever you handed them or whatever they had, right? Remember the um, the the JLGL, like uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, when I got on his little uh, uh, raffle to get the oh, sketch? Yeah the Maxima sketch and how Darren and Ruth are like, oh, you're so lucky. Like you, mm -hmm. you should get a lottery ticket. We enter this every year and we never win it and all this other stuff. And we, we stopped entering it because we never win it and you win it on the first try and everything. So because of that, I had that on the brain and it was like, look, I, I tried, like, I think at some point Jose was taking like 
head sketch commissions for like 75 bucks. And I was trying to be like, oh, hey, can I can I get on whatever list there is or whatever? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was miscommunication or what, but I, I had asked about it on Saturday and then it was like, come back later. And then when I came back on Saturday, it's like, oh, he's all booked. And then and then on Sunday, it was like, oh, he's booked. And then and then it was like, oh, OK, well, let me try for the sketch card thing. And then that was fine. I got in line for that. And, you know, I mean, I would have been happy to pay 150 bucks for two little head sketches, but I ended up getting like the free thing of uh, like Green Arrow on a sketch card. And that was for Darren. And then um, I ran over to another booth and uh, one of the guys had a Ramona Fraden Black Canary, but it's like one of those funny ones. Like for some reason, she always draws like Power Girl and Black Canary with like pistols for whatever reason. It kind of cracks me up. But so it was one of those. And I, I bought that as like a quote unquote backup, you know, in case I had nothing, you know, to, to show for the, the Jose Luis Garcia Lopez thing. But luckily I had both. So I, I gave that to Darren and Ruth at the, um, when, when I finally saw them at Megacon, they took a train in and, and they ended up getting in a little late, but they, they were, I think they were finally there on Saturday, on Friday. I forget. Like they, I, I think maybe Saturday. Oh, and then I don't know if you remember or not, but um, I, I feel much more solidified because I, I felt I felt bad at first because I only recognized his screen name. But uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but from the, the Fire and Water Discord, like Captain Entropy, like yes. he was going to be at Megacon. And I knew we had met before. He was at, remember when we all went to the weird, it was like some kind of taco, taco. Korean uh, fusion. I think so. The the one where where like some people ordered with the shit with the app and other people didn't and and some people were waiting because they didn't use. Oh the no, app. that was like the Buffalo Wild Wings place. Oh okay, Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay, I'm a hundred. Like to me, I was like he was definitely there, but. You know, I, I, I was like when when I was texting him and, and talking to him on the Discord, I'm like, I was like, forgive me, man, because I know we've met, but I, I don't remember like your real life name, even though mm -hmm. we've talked like I all I remember is Captain Entropy, you know. And so he told me and he's like, oh, OK, my real name's this and that and the other thing. Right. And and I was like, oh, OK, so I didn't feel so bad or whatever, but he was going to be at Megacon. And so, you know, at some point we ran into him and his wife and like, and, and then it was like me and Ruth and Darren and him and his wife and we talked and everything. And we, we constantly, you know, ran into each other and, and, and had good interactions at the show and everything. And it was, it was nice because I mean, I, I, I couldn't do everything, but you know, I did go out to dinner with Ruth and Darren one night. They invited me to brunch, but I ended up deciding to sleep in that day or whatever. But I still ran into all of them later and got to chat, you know, saw them around the show and that kind of thing. But w one of the things he said to me, I, I, you know, I don't know, I guess, you know, I, it, was, it wasn't like I was, it, it's funny to say, but it's not like I was trying to do anything on purpose. I was just being me, right? But he introduced me to his wife and I, I'm pretty sure that's the first time we've ever, or I've ever met his wife. Life, right. And and so he's like, oh, you really, you know, Callie said that you made her feel really included, you know, and 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 so I was like, I didn't even, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, it's nothing I thought of. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, again, it was just me being me. But I 
I just was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I don't know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, cause, cause she, she expressed some, like, I know she wasn't like super into comics, but she, it sounded like she was into aliens. And, you know, I, I started mentioning how me and Frank were on the aliens podcast and then Captain Entropy just did an episode. And so I was trying to like talk about those things. Cause I knew she had some interest in it. And then the other thing I mentioned to her was I was like, I know, you know, some of Frank's stuff at least is not safe for work. And she had mentioned, you know, things that were, you know, maybe safe for work, like something that she could show kids and not, you know, and I, I said, well, I said, look, I can't account for the, the contents of the aliens movies themselves, you know, but I mentioned that one guy, Alien Theory or whatever, because sometimes I watch his stuff and I'm like, if you like aliens, you you probably find something, you know, a video or two that you like about that, that you could share with somebody that's not going to be, you know, too explicit or whatever. And so, like, you know, there were other like common, you know, common interests or whatever that you could, you know, hold a conversation about. That was cool. Maybe it's a voice. I will soon know. Can you home in on it? We all hear that language. I really think we should worry about the hearing now. All right, well, I found the quadrant. God. All I want to know is what is, what is it? Just... Doesn't sound like any radio signal. Huh? Dark Horse presents aliens. I don't understand this content. All we know is that the xenomorph may be involved. Excuse me, sir. A, a what? What exactly are we dealing with here? Comic book adaptations of 20th Century Fox Intellectual Property. How many different ways do you want me to tell the same story? I got into trouble. My ship, there was an accident. We found an alien creature. It was very dangerous. Spoilers. A creature that gestates inside a living human host. These are your words. And has concentrated acid for blood. That's right. We sat down there on company orders to get this thing, which destroyed my crew and your expensive ship. When they first heard about this thing, it was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. We don't have a lot of time, okay? Oh, God, what are we listening to? Idiot! Hey, what, is anybody else got a better idea? How long would it take you to do that? 20 minutes to an hour. About two hours. More like two or three with that. We have been here for three and a half hours. I read your deposition, and it's great. If you just stick to that, I think we'll be fine. Now, I really hate to point this out, but it might be better off without oxygen. Well, whatever the hell it is, we got to catch it. Look, man, I only need to know one thing, where they are. Did IQs just drop sharply? We homed in on its beacon. This has been the Road Spine Podcast. We have it on disc, so you better look at it. Okay, put that on the screen for me. Now move it, people. Why don't you just check out the Dark Horse Presence Aliens Podcast? Because I don't have to. Do you mind? They think we're... we're crud. That could have been better. Are you finished? You met Rogue, right? I did. I did. That yeah, that was that was the final. He, he spent my last night in um, Orlando with me, pretty much. Like that mm. was pretty cool. I mean, we went back to Miller's again. Everybody will give me shit because I was making fun of Miller's, but we went back to Miller's because I I knew where it was. There was a Miller's right across the street from the Rosen Inn too, and and I knew the food was good, and and so we 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 got food. We hung out there, and then um, we ended up going back to my room just for a little bit because I wanted to drop. Because like basically, I had all my stuff from Mega. Con, and I walked directly to um, to the Millers right after I decided to leave Megacon 
you know, finally for the end of the day, right? So I had said I had said goodbye to Captain Entropy. I said goodbye to Ruth and Darren and and everything on that Sunday. I I made sure I got everything I wanted to do done on because you know at OAX I had a bunch of people. I brought more than I needed. I didn't go visit everybody, but you know the things that were important. Like I brought some of those Unity and Solar hardcover books and stuff. So I had Leighton sign those. I brought that uh, Last Days of Lex Luthor thing for Kevin Nolan to sign at OAX so that Brian Hitch could sign it at Megacon. So so like I had a bunch of things that, you know, I tried to get signed. And then that last Sunday, like I started thinking of other things. So like I went, I went down the floor and I, it was overpriced, like, but I figured I'm only there once and I've never met Stephen Platt before. Right. Mm. And so I was like, the thing I remember the most, and you know, it's it's not really a spinner rack issue, but I just remember owning that last issue of Moon Knight with him like dead on the 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 cover, like lying down and all you know busted up and stuff like that. And I was like, that's if I was like, if I was gonna, I mean, other than maybe a few issues of profit, I was like, that's the thing that stood out to me the most of of his body of work, right? That or at least means the most to me, right? Like nostalgically, and I, he had some prints there, but they were like prints of like. The, the cover with Spider-Man on it or the prints of the first issue of Moon Knight he ever did. And guess what? Those books were also overpriced even back then. I didn't own any of those like back then. The <laughs> only one, by the time I got hip to the wizard craze that was Stephen Platt, the only one I could buy off the stands for like, you know, whatever it was, a dollar or a dollar 25 was issue 60. But, you know, by then the, the series was over. You talk about, you know, coming into something late, right? So I was like, this is badass. And now... The gone. series is over. And I'm like, oh, okay. But anyway, that's why that issue stood out to me. So I found a copy of it on the floor. And then I ran over. I The, the guy that uh, reps Stephen Platt is uh, Quan, the same guy I bought the Cyclops cover from, Lenel. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So, so even early Thursday, I, I, he was one of the first guys I saw and just said, oh, hey, what's up? Like on that Thursday, my biggest agenda was I was walking over there in my Transformers jacket. I'm like, I have the RC cover. I'm going to go find Santa Fung at Carnivore Comics booth. Like that, that's the thing that was nuts. Like the, the app has a map to absolutely nothing. Like <laughs> what? I, I don't know how to, like, let me put it this way. It sounds way. like some kind of, like, weird DuckTales thing that you have to decipher to get to the gold. I, I mean, it, it, it is like that because, <laughs> because okay, let me put it this way. The app has Uncle Scrooge on the app, right? Okay. You click on Uncle Scrooge. Does it tell you Uncle Scrooge where is Uncle Scrooge is, is on booth 2A7? No. It tells you Uncle Scrooge is doing a panel in room such and such. Okay. But it doesn't tell you what booth Where on the floor is at. And furthermore, <laughs> it doesn't really like ultimately at cons, it doesn't really matter because even if even if it said to you, Uncle Scrooge is at booth 2A and you look at the map, if you're on the actual show floor looking for 2A, guess what? That's covered up by Uncle Scrooge's banner and Uncle Scrooge's curtains and drapings and bullshit. There's no number anywhere for you to see just visually right oh. so what i did and it paid off in the long run i thought it was kind of a waste of time for the most part but i i joined the megacon discord mm -hmm. and in the megacon discord there was a like a comics alley or you know whatever the hell it was called right and at some point some dude who was in the know was like dude check this out here's 
the dudes' names, and here's their booths. Because that's all you fucking really needed, right? Mm -hmm. And you could kind of guesstimate. Like, once you were on the show floor and you looked at the map, if you knew that they were at A2, you could kind of go, oh, I see. A2 is near the ice cream stand, and if I walk over the ice cream stand and kind of wander around, I'll find where this is, right? And and it was the same thing with Santa Fung. Like, I was like, oh, I, I guess Carnivore Comics is somewhere in aisle 500, like, and 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 then Carnivore Comics was like 50, you know, 7, or, you know what I mean? Like, and you could kind of, like figure it out as you got closer. And so I had the jacket on. It was the first thing I did. I took a photo with him and was like, this was the most important thing because I brought it all this way and whatever. And then as I was going down, the way they had Artist Alley, it was weird. It was like a horseshoe. I mean, technically Artist Alley was a certain block of booths, but the interior, the cream filling of the horseshoe, if you will, was all the amateur folks. And so the horseshoe around that we're all the professionals, right? Mm. And so as I'm walking down the left leg of the horseshoe, I see uh, Stephen Platt's not there yet, but Quan's there. And so I just say, hey, dude, what's up? And he remembered me and everything. And I'm like, I should hope he remembered me, but he remembered me. <laughs> and he, no, he's a super nice guy. He totally remembered me. And, and you know, we shot the shit for a little bit. And I was like, oh, Stephen's going to be here. Oh, that's cool. And all this other stuff. I, I said, oh, I'll try to be back. You know, maybe I'll get something signed like a print or whatever. I didn't know if I was going to find comics or not. But I said, oh, you know, I've never met him before. I'd love to just, you know, say hi or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, man, come back. Like this will be cool and whatever. And we talked a little bit because I guess he wasn't at OAX. And um, he had said that, um, I don't know if I'm revealing too much with this or not, but he he had mentioned that he, he wanted to go to OAX, but in the long run, he was glad he didn't because I guess what ended up happening was kind of like what you were telling me, like, and it happens to all of us, right? But his, I guess his mom ended up going to the hospital that weekend. And so he knew if he had signed up for it, he wouldn't have gone. He would have, you know, gone with his pulled mom out. hospital, yeah. right? And he would have right. pulled out. So in the long run, he's happy that it worked out that way. But he's like, oh, for sure, like next year, that looked really cool. Like I, sh you know, we, you know, he'll he'll go to it or whatever. Like that, that was the the sort of down low or the scuttlebutt. Like that OAX had seemed like. Uh, it had good feedback from everybody. I mean, at bare minimum, like all the artists made out like gangbusters. Like the the, uh, uh, the big story was, I mean, I know some people got a couple pages from Gerard or whatever, like, you know, the, the Cerebus background guy or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it's like he had a bunch of apparently like really affordable, like, you know, $200 pieces that he just, you know, original stuff he made, not published, but just originals of like Cerebus and whoever, mm -hmm. like, you know, just a bunch of his work, cool stuff with cool backgrounds and all this stuff that was supposed to be like affordable for collectors. And I know a couple of my buddies got some of them before this happened, but apparently at some point, some super high roller just came up and said, how much for everything? Mm. And 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 it was like, you know, whatever it turned out to be, like fucking fifty thousand dollars or whatever it was, and he bought it all. Uh, I mean, as far as I you know, I, I don't know. I can't speak for dealers or anything. I mean, some dealers said they had a great show and they're gonna do it instead of San Diego. Some guys said they had a great show, and then I've heard through some scuttlebutt that they sold like one piece and it was barely anything. So I don't know. I mean, some of it might be hyperbole, some of it might not be, you know, but it sounded like most people that were artists had a, a fantastic show as far as, you know, 
having a good time, making money, like, you know, basically the whole thing, right? That was well, like one of those good things that happened. Let me ask you this, like, you know me, I, I, I am the poors, I have no original art, but if I were to go with you to OAX, would there be enough there for me to do, like, give shit signed stuff, or would I yeah, just be, like, I, bored, I think, and I'm like, no, no, oh, I'm no, poor, no, no, I can't no. afford shit? No, I, I think, I think the biggest hurdle for you would be the cost of entrance. Mm. Like, I mean, it, I think my early bird pricing was 275 for the VIP thing just okay. to get in the front door. And I don't think the two-day thing is going to be that different. I think for regular people who just showed up, like it was either like 300 to get in or that might... But again, the VIP thing was an open... Well, I guess that's not an advantage to either of us these days, right? But the, the VIP thing had an open bar, like, and, and the food at, at the dinner that night was part of the cost of admission. Like, so there, there were, there were perks to what, what you were doing, you know? And then again, if you wanted to, like some people made out like bandits with, I mean, I wasn't too keen on it, but some people made out like bandits with this free sketch thing from two to three 30. Like I saw people with like 20 fucking sketch cards. You know what I mean? Like some people mm. just got in line and was like, you know, draw me a, you know, I, you, dude, you could walk around. Like if, if all you did was that, that, uh, Hellcat, yeah, like make me a Hellcat sketch card and you walked around to a bunch of dudes, I bet you like you could have gotten at least fucking 10 to 20 of them mm. to do something for you for, for free. Right. Or at least as, as, as the, the cost of admission. And on top of that, like, I think there were affordable, like, like basically what you paid for that Hellcat sketch, right. There were things in that range and beneath that range, if you wanted them. Do you know what I mean? Like, like where you could have gotten some remark of Hellcat from fucking Sean Gordon Murphy for like, I think a hundred bucks or something crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like it was possible. I don't know okay. if there was like a cap on his list. Like apparently he had to leave early. Like he wasn't there on Sunday for reals, like really, but he was there all day Saturday. And apparently like there were like, I, I kind of walked over but like i don't know like like that part of it was interesting because there was that part of me that felt like if i wasn't patronizing people like maybe i shouldn't shoot the shit with them and and maybe that was just me being overly courteous or whatever I, I don't know and then and then there was also that part of me that like you know how i get towards end of cons where i'm like oh i brought this extra stuff like do i want this guy to sign this thing and i just went eh nah like that's mm -hmm. fine like i either have that guy's signature on something else like i don't need to double or triple down on something and so there were a lot of things like that where i was like oh i have ken lashley's signature like i don't need to go pester him for a signature you know what i mean it's not that important i don't need this this new 52 blackhawks print signed it's not anything that like I'm in love with. It was just something I brought to maybe strike up conversation. But I, I you know, so in some cases I was just like, it's not that important to me. But having said that, I mean, you know, depending on what you feel about the cost of signatures, I think, I think for comics and, and posters and things like that, they were anywhere from $5 to more of an average of like 10 to 25 or something, you know, from any given person depending on what it was so you know i i did a few of those and and like i said for the the original art in most cases people were like oh you brought a page it's free or whatever in most cases i i would say that was um 
you know, I mean, as far as like what you're asking, like, I, you know, I mean, it was kind of like what I was trying to tell Frank, like, if you like stuff where there's virtually no line and like, you know how you felt when you went and talked to show and you talked to Jay Lee, I, I think there's like a hundred percent opportunity for mm. you to do that frequently, more easily and, and in much greater, there's a much larger chance for you to replicate those experiences that you had at Heroes, but on on a, a massive scale, like without, like basically, like think of it this way: there were no Hickman lines, there were no Walt Simonson lines, there were no, you know, Roy like, Thomas lines. like Roy Thomas lines. There was there was none of that, like at all. Like it was it, and and the potential is even if people like that show up, because it's, I mean, in this case, this was an early show. At max, there were, I don't know, maybe like 500 or so attendees and maybe 80 or so artists, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of making up the numbers, but I, I think that's fairly accurate, right? And so, like, I, I think there were things. And again, the museum thing, there's no charge for that. You could walk through. And you, you know how, how we went through and spent all that time at the Marvel Museum and stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it's it was as massive, but you could spend as much time like i i did that as an afterthought and very quickly but you could conceivably spend a lot of time with it some of it was part of like in other words they had a special thing with like adam kubert where people paid a package fee to get a sketch from him and also sit down and like he he i guess took them on a tour of the museum pages that were on display you know mm. and talked about them and everything so there were things like that. And I think the going rate for that was like around $400. So again, just giving you numbers, like if you, if, if you're like, that's too rich for my blood or whatever, like, so you know what you're getting into, but th there's no reason why you couldn't come up to, and say hi to Adam Kubert. And maybe you end up getting charged, you know, 10 or 20 bucks for a signature on a comic or something, or even just strike up a conversation with them or something and say, I love this book or I love whatever. Right. And, and that seemed to be the general atmosphere and vibe. And, and as far as that goes, and I, I think there, there were, if affordable is $200 or less, like there were affordable options and even free options with that you know hour and a half sketch thing that i mentioned where if if that's if that's all you can handle is the price of admission and just jumping around and getting some free stuff and getting you know five or six books signed you know or whatever like i mean you could certainly spend worse you know you could you could you could go to shows and have worse times you know what I mean? Like, or spend all your day in a line for like one thing or something, you know what I mean? So there's, I think there's worse ways to spend your con time, but I don't know how much, again, like, I don't know how much crossover there's going to be. Like, I, I think people don't know what it is exactly. Just like people don't know what original art is sometimes, you know what I mean? There's that, there's that weird communication gap to where it's like, I think to me, I feel like somebody like Dr. Ange would have a good time at this show. Like, even though maybe it's not completely catered to his price range. You know what I mean? But like what I could see happening is Dr. Ange goes to the show. He's got some agenda because he's never met half the artists before. He gets them to sign all the books he wants. He gets to have conversations with them. And then in the background, whether he pays a couple people for some pre-done things or he just goes around and does the free stuff, he could bang out like tons of Supergirl sketches. You know what I mean? Like, like, 
I think somebody like Dr. Ange would make out like a bandit at OAX, even though they might not, you know, know that they should go to it. You know what I mean? But like, that's, I'd say, I mean, that's kind of my answer to you. Like, I I think I want to be encouraging of it and say the answer is yes. Like for whatever budget you can go to this show and meet and talk to people in a comfortable environment. I think they're talking about, you know, as the show grows, like they'll have to to keep in the black, right? They're gonna have to balance the scales of the intimacy a little bit, you know, get it to like 700 people or a thousand people, not just 500 people or whatever. But again, some people were kind of of the opinion, like I would pay more for the ticket if the numbers, if it was as intimate. So that's something that they'll have to decide for themselves. But I would imagine one way or the other, if it's going to continue to grow, like it, there there would have to be more attendees, right, for it to be lucrative. If the price of admission doesn't scare you off, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, I would say the price of admission and the other thing you have to take into account is the price of fucking Florida, dude. Like that's, I mean, that's part of it, right? Like you you have to be ready to be in a tourist place that is super expensive. Have you checked out quadmproductions.com lately? Quadmproductions.com is your direct access hookup to order Enigma the comic book series and download the Quadm podcast. Check the appearances page for upcoming events and contact us with questions or comments. Don't be the only lonely soul who's missing out on all the fun. Visit us today at quadmproductions.com. That's quadmproductions.com. Megacon, you're saying never again or Thursday only, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, so I, I talked to Quan, and then my other big agendas were Brian Hitch and, and Grummet, because I had brought pages for them. Tom didn't have a bunch of people by his table. He had some pages from certain things and then and then his wife wasn't quite there yet. So I, I didn't think to take a photo of him at the time. And th- I guess the thing that was nice, what was nice about OAX was it was two days essentially and it was really quick and you didn't have time to second guess yourself. And in terms of spending money, it made me feel like I had, I felt like I did good. Like I didn't overdo it at OAX. Like I picked out two things that meant a lot to me. I won a piece at auction and it was fun just regardless of the piece, whether it was the most fantastic piece in the world or not. It was fun as an experience just to say, hey, I won a live auction. Like how cool is that? And so I I took all that away and went, oh, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to be here for another week, so I can't spend all my money. And I was like, I, I need to have money for Disney and Universal, and who knows what I'll find at Megacon, right? And I at least need to have a little working money for that. If not, you know, at bare minimum, if I'm going to get autographs from people and somebody wants to charge me money, I at least have to have that much if if even if i bought zero if i found zero original art pages so in the back of my mind by the time i finished with oax i was like oh you're doing damn good sir like you bought some stuff you really loved and you, you didn't break the bank like you didn't spend all your money all at the one show like good job self you know what i mean like i was you know i was being self-congratulatory but again i was just kind of like oh well you know that's it, it just you know i don't know i i i i felt like i didn't overdo it right by the time i spent all the money on the ride shares and all the parks i had put all that on credit card so i wasn't 
I wasn't banging my cash reserves, but I knew I was going to have a, a bigger bill than what mm -hmm. I had accounted for because I accounted for all the hotel fees and all that other stuff. But I knew it was going to be a little bigger than I was expecting. I put I put the auction win on a credit card too, the the 750 that I won for that. You know, I think there was some fee or something, so it probably ended up being like $800 or something or whatever. But I was like, I put that on the credit card too because it just seemed like it would make everybody's lives easier. But maybe not. I, maybe I could have just paid in cash and been done with it. But I just was like, oh, I'll put it on the credit card just in case I need the cash later. But selling your handbags and your toys at those local shows helped out too, right? Yes, yes, that as well too. The, the handbag paid for a page. I had a buildup of cash in addition to the cash I brought with me from those shows. So that I would say not counting the auction win, the, the money I made at the toy shows paid for the other two pages The that, that came out to like, what, 1600 or something? Like, I'd say I'd say a lot of the money I made at those toy shows paid for those pages. Right. OK. And I still had money I took out of my bank account. But. The first day of Megacon, Tom Grummet didn't charge for any autographs. Like, he was super nice about that. I kind of felt bad. I wish I had spent some kind of money on him, but I feel like I just got autographs and talked to him and stuff and took a photo. But, I mean, I've paid for his commissions in the past, so I don't feel, like, totally guilty. I was like, oh, I, I did say, when's the next time you're going to open up one of those? Because I'm probably going to ask you for more crazy Transformers DC team-ups or whatever. And he kind of chuckled and laughed. And he's like, that's he's like that's fine with me. You know, like, like, whatever you want. Silvestri's line was, at least on the Thursday, it was like one of those things where I'm like, I better get in this line now because it's going to be worse the longer the weekend goes. Yeah. And so I was glad I did that then and got it out of the way. Like, it, it, again, it was more like it was a 20, 20 little girl Starbucks line than a, you know, than a Johnny Young bot. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I better wait this out now. I did get really pissed at one point. Okay. Um, so Ghost Machine is there, right? And most of the people, they either have signs up that say, oh, Ghost Machine is signing from this time to that time. They'll be here at four. They'll be here at 11. They'll be here at whatever. So most of the artists have that, like, I'm like, oh, they're all going to be back at four or they're all going to be around at, you know, I don't know, 530 or, you know, I don't know, when, whenever it was. And I think that Thursday night they were doing that special thing where people paid, like, I want to say like 300, 400, I forget, like a, a lot of money to go out to dinner with all of them. And then they would give you like a pre-done sketch of one of the ghost machine characters and sign like up to 10 items or whatever and, and, and stuff like that. I have to say, like I've learned from past cons, like I'm glad I had no interest in signing up for any of that stuff. I, it was interesting. Ivan Rice supposedly was charging like i think maybe ten dollars an autograph but when i got up there he was like oh no this is free like i'm i'm gonna sign these for you mm. and so he, he he signed my absolute edition and he signed my aquaman print i brought way more stuff than that but i think like imani had said he got charged for his signatures so i just took it as like goodwill or whatever whatever the deal was right and didn't 
press, you know, I didn't go back and try to get more. I just got the two I got and figured, yeah, I brought more than I needed, but I, I, I got the things that I wanted signed the most, which was the new 52 Aquaman cover print. And then the, the absolute, which I loved all the way over, you know, super heavy. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get that signed by people no matter what. I had a really nice conversation with Francis Manipal. And it's funny, it wasn't even about his art or anything. Like I brought the cover to the new 52 Flash number one, and he signed that for me. And I think I did his that Friday morning because I, I didn't catch him at the end of the day on Thursday. I don't know if you've ever seen, but he has his own YouTube channel. But his videos are not, they have a lot of production value. Like, mm. like there, there, there's time lapse, there's edits, like he, he puts a lot of work into the videos and he basically was telling me, well, it's really an excuse to play with all these cool toys, like my time lapse <laughs> camera, this and that, and the other thing, like, like he, he has fun doing it. And that's why he, he, he's, he's well aware that putting more work into the videos doesn't get him more clicks or more views or more likes or anything like that. He just like, likes doing it. He just likes doing it. And so we had that conversation. I mentioned to him, I said, some of my videos are a little more in-depth too and I'm well aware he's like oh really and he's like well you should just kind of like the Jim Shooter thing like I don't know if he's gonna respond to this or even see this eventually or whatever but he was like oh you should like you know he's like dude write something in my in in the comments about this and I'll, I'll check out your videos or whatever and because we talked about that for a little bit I say oh yeah do this chronological thing this history of comics on film thing and I'm aware it takes a long time I haven't made a video in like two years or whatever but you know because it takes a long time but anyway I told him oh yeah I'll mess you know, like basically I'll write something in your comments or whatever. And so I found like his most recent video on ghost machine, like when they announced it back in October and, and I, you know, I basically just said, Hey, remember, we, you know, I, I was kind of like, I, I loved having that conversation with you about your videos at Megacon, you know, and, and, you know, if you want check out my videos, you know, you can find most of them in YouTube, but if not, you can find them on my blog spot, the ones that you know, or, you know, I kind of explained to them, like some of them are copyright claims and all this bullshit. So I have them housed somewhere else. And so, yeah, I mean, that I had a lot of fun with. I'll be honest with you, day four, five and six, the, the rest of the weekend, honestly, flew by like a blur. The response was overwhelmingly positive and extremely humbling to see so many people embrace these new ideas and these new characters that we're going to be introducing into the, I guess, lexicon of the comic book tapestry. I feel like I'm mixing two analogies there in one. What makes Ghost Machine different is that this is a company that is creator-owned and creator-run. The buildup of the company is us. There's no one above us, but there's also no one below us. We're all running on an even ground. And that is a very liberating feeling. This allows us to cheer for each other's work because we are literally we literally have vested interest in each other's success and when you have an environment like that it's less about competition and it's more about collaboration and when a company focuses on collaboration that's where innovation begins there are certain inflection points in one's career when you feel that something big and special is about to happen and I feel like this is where it begins. 
Brian Hitch was great. Like, uh, I mean, again, I, I don't know if I'll ever buy original art from him overseas again. But you know what I found <laughs> out was since he was in Florida, apparently he brought a ton of shit to give to Bill Cox. And then Bill Cox is going to have some kind of show where he, you know, either I don't know if it's going to be him auctioning it off or it's going to be flat prices or whatever. But mm. apparently Bill Cox is going to, you know, have one of his calf shows where he's going to sell some hitch art, too. But thankfully, I mean, I have the pages of the Maxima annual from him. I want he doesn't have any more of those. Right. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure what of his he has. The other thing, too, is him and Nolan haven't finished like i guess nolan kevin nolan still has a bunch more pages to ink of that last days of lex luther and again that's why the second and third issues are going to take effing forever to come out or whatever mm -hmm. so they're not done yet but when they're done apparently they're going to split up the pages and what's funny is i didn't really mention to brian hitch that i wanted pages from it but i did say how much i love the book and all this stuff we had a fun conversation about it you know and i said i said man this dps is fantastic like i love this and you know i, I got to talk to him about it and everything in addition to and i'm like hey i'm the dude who bought the 22 page you know like i'm that guy and he's like you're the guy you know and stuff so like that was all kind of fun to like you know meet him face to face and all that kind of stuff and we took a photo and the, the guy took a photo of us that was at the table it was real nice and stuff and so he signed whatever so they they charge right for for autographs and stuff so i i paid whatever the fee was right but i had done like the groundwork of like oh how much does this guy cost how much does this guy cost like a tomasi was the the, the cheapest of the entire Ghost Machine crew. I had met Tomasi before and gotten him to sign some stuff, but I had him sign my Superman. It was, uh, I think it's number nine. Yeah, I think it's like the Superman nine. You know, it's the one with the the losers where they 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 go to the same like Darwin. Oh, the dinosaur. Coast, the dinosaur island. Yeah, and, that's and good. like. And like, it's a two part story, but then mm -hmm. the second part of it, number nine, I put is like, that's, I, you know, I told him, I try to tell people the story in a quick way, but I said, you know how they do the favorite movie for every year you were born shtick? Well, I did it for comics and this was my favorite of like 2015, or this was my favorite of 2017, or this was my favorite of, you know, whatever year it was like yours was the book. And that's why I brought it to you. And that's why I'm getting it signed. And he said, thank you. And whatever. He's such a nice guy. Cause he must get asked this question like a billion times. And I was relieved with the answer. Let me put it that way. But I was like, so what do you, you know, I go, I apologize if this is, you know, a sore point or whatever, but, and, you know, since you're here and I haven't seen you since, you know, whenever the last con was, and this wasn't a thing back then. I, and I, I was trying to approach it carefully because I didn't know what the answer was going to be, but I was like, I was like, how do you feel about, you know, what they ended up doing with John? And he's like, oh, I hated it. He's like, they ruined it. He's like, he's <laughs> like, and I was like, and then I, I could breathe and I was like, oh, thank God. Like, like <laughs> we're, we, we, I'm like, I'm like seven of nine. I'm like, we are of one, you know, like, <laughs> fine. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to offend him. I'm not going to piss him off. I don't have to tiptoe around eggshells or whatever. And he was just like, he was like, you could tell 
like it was almost like you know remember when shooter had those moments and you could tell there was like the pain yeah. from the buyout and everything uh-huh. like it was almost the same where he said you know dc asked us to make an all ages all friendly character and and we we came up with john and we did the super sons and then they fucking pissed it all away you know what i mean like and and it was you could just see like the pain of it all, you know? And I, I was just like, I felt so fucking bad because I said, oh man, like, I, you know, and I, I I don't know. I, I, I don't even remember what I said, but it was just like one of those things where you're, you, you want to be like, I love that character too. And, and, um, I, and almost like, I don't think I said this, but you're almost like, I'm sorry that that went that way. You know what I mean? Like, Anyway, you know, he was really nice. And again, his signature, I think, was the cheapest. It was like five bucks per. So I had him sign. I had him sign that comic and I had him sign the Absolute Edition because he wrote, you know, some of the Green Lantern Corps issues of that Sinestro Corps War thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, for sure, anybody who's at this motherfucking thing, they're signing the Absolute, (laughs) right? No matter what, come hell or high water. And this is going to come back to bite me in the ass later. So so I had you know, Ivan Rice signed it. I had Peter Tomasi sign it. And I think that covers most of the ghost machine people that I had either never met or wanted to meet like that. I, you know, I mean, there were other people there, but like J- Jason Favak was there, like, but I didn't have anything for him to sign. I wasn't going to go traipsing through the bins to get like some overpriced three jokers or I don't know what, what I would have had him sign or whatever, but I didn't have anything. So I, you know, that, was easily skipped because his his level of popularity was more like Sylvester too. So the longer you put it off, the longer it would have taken to get something done. And, you know, he wasn't always at his table, just like everybody else wasn't always at his table. Okay, so fucking Jeff Johns. Hmm. So Jeff Johns is there as part of the ghost machine thing. Mm -hmm. I have the absolute edition. One of the other earliest things I did and I, I hope I made his day. I think I made his day. This is where I overdid it. I'm going to take a dovetail before I get pissed off and keep on the positive trail. Pascal Ferry was there. You know, I love Pascal Ferry's Superman shit. And like, he was there. I brought all 12 of the pages I own for him to sign. He was there with 4C Comics. So those are the the guys that I'm friends with, like Ken and Bacon and Annika and all those guys like so so Forcey was there Annika couldn't come but like Bacon and and Ken were there and they knew I was coming and I I kind of was like okay I got 12 of these like what what do you you know and I wasn't trying to be pushy I knew I you know they need to make some money they need to be like oh we're repping this guy or at least hosting this guy at the show and they need to take in some money and all that so I wasn't going to be like oh I need all these signatures for free but I go tell you know what's the rate tell me what it is pay it and i know it's a lot of pages but i just i brought them all here so i might as well get them to sign them and so they tell me what you know i think it was like ten dollars per so i give him like 120 bucks and i'm like okay cool and so he signs them all but he keeps he's like you have this many like you have this many pages like you you could tell he's like you have this many pages of mine like you must really <laughs> like my like you must really like my work you know and and I and I told him I said look dude of you know and it's with the caveat right but but I I still think it's pretty decent praise I'm like of this era I was like you were my favorite superman artist you know like so yes I have I have a ton of your pages and whatever he brought a bunch of pages from different stuff he had pages from that heroes for hire run he had pages from some of the more recent stuff. Stuff. He had covers, but he had a bunch of pages from 
that Superman run, and I was definitely eyeing them. But they had flew in from Spain, so they were super tired. I, I was worried about them the next day because I guess – see, some of this is – you know, I'm not quite getting into what a zoo megacon is, but this kind of expands on that. Like it was, it was a zoo because the, the first day – and I don't know when this stopped. I don't know if it ever stopped. They were treating the guests, at least the comic guests, like attendees. Like in terms of security, in terms of when they could come and leave, like like it, it was effed up because you got the impression like as an attendee at Megacon, like once you got in, it behooved you to stay right. until you were ready to leave because otherwise going in and out was going to be a pain in the ass because you'd have to go through the security over and over and over again. Right. And like, every time like Carol's Con, we just walk in and out. You can't do right. That. Right. Like OAX, you walk in and you walk out and you can't. I mean, I was making jokes like there there was stuff like, oh, you know, I I forget what it was, but but I made the joke where I was like, oh, you mean this lovely concrete floor like that? That was totally different from the carpeted floors at OAX or whatever. You know, I was just cracking jokes about the the disparities between it all. But they had flown in like, I mean, I don't know whatever the you know, I don't know if it was just as long as me or not. Like, but I mean, at at minimum six, eight hours. I don't know how long it is to fly from Spain, but probably just as long as it was for me to fly from California at minimum. Right. So they had been on this really long flight. They had just just gotten in. They had just sat down. He signed all these pages. He did a couple things and, and he, he could tell I was interested. So they were going to stick around and wait for me to decide to buy a page or something like that. But luckily for me or unluckily for me, I don't know, however you want to look at it. At, at that point, they were like, oh, look, he's, they're tired. He's going to go home. And, and at one point, the guy's like, I think his rep was like, it'll still be there tomorrow. And I'm like, OK, cool. I'll, I'll see you guys, whatever. You know, and, and uh, you know, I touched base with them. Um, with bacon and Ken or whatever. But then I find out later that night, once I get through with all my stuff, because that was, you know, that was one of the earliest, again, I think the third or second thing on my agenda was getting Pascal to sign all those pages. I find out later from Ken, well, they're like you, right? They're from Spain, but they have no cell phone, right? So Ken's the one on his cell phone ordering them a ride share to the hotel, right? And then the ride share's like, I don't see anybody here. I got to go. And then at that point, he's like, I don't know where these dudes are. They're lost in the middle of fucking or you know what I mean? They're in Orlando. <laughs> they have no cell phone. I don't know if they know how to get to the hotel or not. And when I got there the next morning, you know, I got there right at 10 because I'm trying to make the most of my time and bang out as much as I could on Friday. Nobody's at the table. And I'm like, oh, shit, I hope everything's OK or whatever. <laughs> Luckily, everything was fine. Like, I guess they found their way to the hotel like it was hunky dory. And eventually everybody was at the table. And I, you know, I touched base with them almost every day and just, you know, said hello or whatever. Did you get you know, from him? From Pascal Ferry. I, I, but see, this is the, at OAX, it was quick. It was two days. I bought exactly, you know, I I felt, you know, I didn't overdo it. I felt proud of myself. I bought all five pages that he had of Superman stuff that was there. So, and I did all that on Sunday, like, you know, at the, basically at the end of the show, I almost, (laughs) here's, here's another funny story and shows that I'm, I'm a weak willed softy or whatever. I almost bought a Thor cover because 
He did a variant cover. I don't know if you remember it or not, because there's 50 billion variant covers, so I don't blame you if you don't. He did a variant cover for the Unworthy Thor, and it had Jane, like, smacking uh, Unworthy Thor in the face or whatever. It was fairly reasonably priced. I think it was because Thor's face had a patch on it, and there was, like, a little corner cut out on the top, and I guess that's where the price was. And a lot of the background was done digitally, but Mm. it was... It was pen and ink, and it was a cover, and it was Thor and Jane. And in my the back of my mind, I was like, I, the two things in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I don't have anything with Thor on it, and I don't have anything with Jane on it. There's probably not a lot of non-digital Jane out there because mm, it's all yeah. modern shit. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, maybe this is the time to pounce. I saw it that Friday and asked about it again on Saturday. I was like. That was how much, and and this is published, and 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 then I looked it up, and sure enough, it was a published variant cover. And then my second thought in the back of my mind is, why has Annika not bought this? Like she must know it exists. Like like why hasn't she bought this yet? And then it was funny because then then when I started sniffing around serious, and I was like, I was like, Bacon, how much is this? And I said, uh, I might be buy to buy that. And and then and then it turned into, uh, well. Annika's kind of interested in the cover, but she hasn't bought it yet. And then I was like, I was like, oh, if she's in, and I was like, look, I'll, I was like, if she wants it, like, then it's hers. Like, I'm not gonna, but, but at that point he was still kind of encouraging me. Cause I don't know if she had fully, like, I don't know if she paid for it by then yet or not. And so, so he didn't want to lose me either. Cause I was thinking about it. So, so he was like, oh, she's had plenty of time. Like, like, <laughs> you, you know, if she wanted it, she should have bought it by now. Like you could still buy it. And I was like, okay, well, I, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll look on the floor and if I can find, if I can find the variant cover from one of these doof heads on the floor with comics, like maybe I'll come back and buy it. And so I, I gave myself that out where I was like, if I buy it, there's a reason why I'm buying it. And if I don't buy it, then I'm a good guy and I let Annika have it or what, you know what I mean? Like I was just, I was covering all the bases and giving myself an out. And so that's what I said. And he's like, okay, no problem. We'll be here all weekend or whatever. And so I did look around for the variant cover. Nobody had it. Like, like everybody's like, oh, no, we don't have that. Oh, no, we don't have that. Or, you know, it was like, uh, no, we don't have that. Or some people were kind of worse where they're like, we might have it. I think it's over there in the box. And then you flip out and it's none of them are the unworthy Thor. It's all the mighty Thor or some other horse shit, you know, and you're like, whatever. So nobody had it. And then I get a PM from Monica and she's like, thanks for letting me have the cover. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, cool. It belongs to you. And, 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 and I was like, I'm fine with that, you know? And, and yeah. so w- what was funny was when I, when I came back to the table one day to, and it was, uh, I think, uh, oh, oh, I think it was the day I, I forget. But anyway, I came back to the table one last day and he's like, oh, you know, Annika bought the cut. And I'm like, I know she PM me. Like I, I know, you know, like, and, and, and so, so, oh, that's what it was. Cause I was doing a, fa- the guy that drew me the Optimus Prime at OAX that gifted me that Optimus Prime thing. He had asked me because uh, Miko Swain was at OAX and at Megacon. And at Megacon, I forget what the the, the comic group was, but, you know, it's one of these guys that do all those, exclu- you know, like Carnivore did for Santa Fung, where all they sell is just exclusive variants or whatever. And mm-hmm. so he did a variant of Wolverine 41 that has Wolverine and Sabretooth going at it. And so, you know, 
like I said, one of his favorite characters is Sabretooth. So he messaged me and said, hey, can you do me a favor? Like if, if they have the variant cover for that, can you get that and get it signed for me or whatever? And at first I didn't quite understand that it was like, I thought maybe it was like that unworthy Thor thing where I'd have to ask stupid dealers and be like, oh, do you have this? And they'd be like, no, we don't have it. And so I said, I'll try and, and see if it's there. And then what I realized was, you know, it's one of these things where they have, you know, I don't know if they have hundreds, but they had a bunch of them, you know, basically the the entire booth is dedicated to those variant covers, right? So I bought it early that morning and then hung out until Miko showed up at the table to sign it and I got it signed. And then when I took care of all that, he's like, oh, you know, swing it by 4C because they're going to ship me some art so they can just ship the comic with that. And I go, oh, perfect, right? So then that's when I gave Bacon the, I said, I've got something for you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I've been, you know, I've been filled in on this. And so I gave him the comic, but then that's when he was like, oh, Annika bought the, you know, and I was like, hey, if I, I was like, if I I could uh, encourage her to, you know, get off her ass and buy it, like, so be it, whatever. But but I, I was, there was that moment where I was like, you know, I don't have anything with Jane on it. And I do like Jane. And I was like, uh, maybe, you know, like, I mean, I had just spent, a, honestly, I had spent like a shit ton of money on those Superman pages. So there was that part of me that's like, if I did that, then it would have really been overdoing it. But I still think I overdid it by the time I finished <laughs> with um with Megacon basically. Cause I, 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 it, most of them, like the, the, the pages I want the most are from the ending battle, which mm-hmm. he didn't have any of. And then the other page that I want really bad that I saw up for sale once, but I think got sold. And I, I don't know where it is, is I have pages from the sequence where Superman snaps that Zod's neck, but I, I don't have all of them in sequence. Like they're basically the page where he like grabs him from behind before he snaps the neck. I don't have it. And I wish I had that and I should have bought it at the time, but I didn't own the other pages at the time. So I wasn't that concerned about it. But now that I own the pages surrounding it, I'm like, fuck, I should have bought that other page because I want it. And, and that's issue 805 of Action Comics. He did have pages from 803 and 804 leading up to it so i bought a few pages like that's when zod pretends to be superman and he's like draped in the american flag and he fools lex Luthor and stuff and and then there was another page from 804 where superman's in his um his like prison jumpsuit or whatever and he's leading the charge to the the planet the prison planet with all the bad guys and the blackhawk planes are behind him and stuff and he's about to go you know, kick Zod's ass or whatever. So, and that was a nice splash. And so I I got that. And then the other pages were mostly from later issues that have, this character's only in four issues of Action Comics. And I have some from the first appearance or the first two issues of appearance. It was a, they they were kind of like anime villains for Superman, but the guy's name is called Gunshin and the woman's name is, uh, I might be pronouncing it wrong because it's supposed to be like Japanese, but it was like Biako, And like they were friends with Superman. And that was, again, back when they were trying to like sort of have a synergy with Smallville because they had these like flashbacks when Clark met them in Japan when he was young and they were all good bros and buddies and stuff. But they didn't quite understand why Superman wouldn't kill. And and they were more like they were good guys but they were more like vengeful good guys where they'd like lop off the criminal's head or hands or whatever right and so at some point this bad guy KOs Clark in the past and uh Biaku 
does like acupuncture or some shit and helps heal them and all this other stuff. And so they have this past history and stuff. But then in the present day, the bad guy comes back, Superman fights him, but doesn't kill him. And because of that, the bad guy ends up killing the woman's husband. So Gunshin dies and then Biako's the only one left. So now Biako's like her toes stubbed and she wants Superman dead, even though they have all this history. So I've always loved those guys, even though they had a short appearance. And he had pages where she's fighting Natasha Irons as Steel in mm. the suit and mm-hmm. where she's fighting um, Sorel, like the the future, like the Trunks version of Supergirl. You know, do you know the Supergirl? The, no. it's, it's it, she has dark hair and has a blue cape, a black leotard, and a red S. She is technically a future daughter of Clark and Lois, and her name is Cyril, like with the C I R L, like like the Kryptonian name. Does she wear a mask? No. Okay, I'm thinking of someone else. Then. No, no, no mask. It's not like Superwoman or any other, like no man. That's that, that must be what I was thinking of. Yeah, th- this is this is very modern. Like, um, <laughs> you, you might, I mean, I don't know if you remember the Superman Batman run, but like she was Supergirl during some of that where there, I think there was like Ed McGuinness covers with her on it too or something. Mm-hmm. But so there was a page with her and 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 so basically I ended up buying like like you know, instead of just picking one I like the best, I just anything that was Superman that he brought there. I was like, he brought them from Spain. They were all less than five hundred dollars. You know what I mean? So I was just like, you know what? I'm I bought them all. And then because of that, I was I was kind of on the fence about the Sorel page. And, and he was like, Oh, I will, you know, he, basically he gave that to me at a, at a discount because I bought them all. I, I feel weird like saying this, but I, I feel like I made his day or made his show. Like, like he was super happy. And I was like, can we take a photo with one of them? He's like, yeah, great. Like, but he was just like, you know, again, he was thrilled that I had brought him 12 pages of the sign. And then he was freaked out that I bought five more. Of course his, his rep now is like, Oh, you come to website like, you know, like like <laughs> I, I, here's my card like we have more like whatever. You know, but you know what's funny is one, I probably bought from him once or twice before. But the other thing is, and I didn't want to get into this cuz I know there's some language barrier and stuff, but also part of me wanted to be like I've been to your website, bro. Pages I own are still for sale on your website. Like your website is not up to date. I don't know if the prices are right. I don't know if you have the pages or not. And if you and and the pages I bought were not on the website. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, dude, tell you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, tell me what the fuck you actually have, so that maybe I can pick out my favorites instead of just fucking buying them all. Do you know what I mean? But you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll revisit that. Like way later down the road or whatever but but again that was that was super cool okay activate your red lantern ring and tell me why you got pissed off sorry so i had done i had done the canvassing Mm -hmm. i knew you know manipole was supposed to be ten dollars uh rice was supposed to be ten dollars brian hitch was 20 but I knew that up, you know what I mean? I knew all, or no, yeah. Brian Hitch was 10. Anyway, I knew that all up front. I spent a lot on Brian Hitch because I brought like four pages and two books for him to sign, right? So I, you know, that I spent like 60 bucks on or whatever, mm-hmm. but they, they, you know, it was all fairly reasonable, five, 10, whatever, right? But through the grapevine, 
and because I kept trying to talk to people ahead, like, how much is this guy? How much is this guy? Like, just have a frame of reference so I'm not mad when I know the price and I mentally deal with it. And again, of those 12 Pasquale Ferry pages, five of them were from Ending Battle. Five of them were from Superman 186 that Jeff Johns wrote. In an ideal world, I would have had Jeff Johns sign all of those pages and the um, Absolute Edition. I get wind of the price. The price is $30 a signature. Okay. So I go, okay, I'm not going to get him to sign all five pages. I'm going to mm-hmm. pick my favorite one that has Superman with Neutron on it. The rest of them, it's fine. Like, he doesn't need to sign all of them. And I love this fucking Absolute Edition all the way here. Like, I'm not not having him sign it. I'm mentally preparing myself. I'm like, it's $60. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. This is overpriced. You know, Gardner was mentioned messaging me the whole time. He's like, he's like, I want to tell that guy what a twatty is or whatever, you know, and that was before this, had, any of this was mentioned, like, but he did ask me a lot about like, oh, what, what prices are people charging for signatures? And based on what I told him, you know, he then made up his mind, like, I'm going to bring this book. I'm not going to bring this book. I'm going to go see this person. I'm not, you know, because every, like you said, like everybody's got a budget, right? Like not, everybody's not made of money, right? Like you, you, you have to, you know, decide, right? Like, oh, what's the most important to me? Or if you're like, you know, to him, $30 for a signature is outrageous, right? So there's no way he was going to pay that ever in a million years, right? For sure, like Scott was like, no way in hell am I paying, you know, he was not going to pay $30 for Jeff John's signature, right? And I've mentally now prepared myself. I'm like, okay, it's only the two things. I'm going to pay $60. Like, okay, that's fine. So I get in this uh, Silvestri sized line, the, the 20, the 20 Starbucks girls line. It's, <laughs> it's long, but not, you know, untenable or whatever. So I get in it. I pull out the one page. I, I I put it in the absolute edition so I could hold on to it in line so I have it ready to go or whatever. I get up to the girl that's either taking credit cards or taking cash or whatever, and they say, that'll be $66. And I say, what? And they say, that'll be $66. And I say, I say, honey, I'm not paying with a credit card. I'm going to pay you with cash. I, I heard it was 30 a signature, so I'll give you $60. And she says, no, it's it's $66. And I say, so each signature is $33? And she said, yeah. And at that point, I didn't really get pissed off, and I was mad. And then I immediately felt bad about it because she's like, I just work here like this, mm-hmm. I don't make up these rules. Like I didn't make up the prices or whatever. And I'm like, I catch myself and I say, I'm sorry. Like this has nothing to do with you. Like, and I, I, I almost, you know, I, I, I was super pissed. And then I put on like this night, I, I felt bad about it because I shouldn't have blown up at the girl at all, but I did for like maybe a minute. And then I caught myself and was like, you're right. Like this, this has not, you know, like this is stupid. And so I, and then I, I gave her the, I think I put it on the credit card at that point. Cause I was like, fuck it. It's $66, no matter what, like, you know, who cares? I just want to get done with this and not be pissed off. Unfortunately, that kind of color you know it's like i walked up to him he was like neurons my favorite character from superman and that's so cool that you have this page and i got him to sign the absolute and and i did tell him i said look ending battle is my favorite i think it's like the hush before 
hush was ever made. And and then, you know, kind of it was, thanks so much. I don't want to hold up anybody in line and, and, and went on my way. I was, you know, maybe not noticeably perturbed, but I was perturbed and it kind of, one, mm. it kind of ruined that whole thing. Like I didn't, I, I, I think I would have tried to say a different things or a little bit more. Maybe I wouldn't have been in a ru- as much of a rush because I didn't know how much I could maintain my facade of right. not being pissed off or whatever. And then at that point, I think that's when Scott asked me more about, can you canvas? Can you get more autograph prices for me? Like, can you tell me who's here? And I said, absolutely. Because basically at that point, I was like, oh, I think it was only 11. I knew Johnny Young Bosch wasn't back from his thing. And I was like, uh, I'll go and, you know, either t- I, I either took photos of what people said they were charging for autographs or I just asked them or whatever. And I said to him, I was like, oh, this is good because I need I need something to distract me to like cool off and not mm-hmm. pissed off. But I was I I was I was super fucking pissed off. And later when I talked to Bacon about it, it, it started to make sense because he, he explained to me like the reason why it is, is. All of those guys with Ghost Machine go through, I guess, for lack of a better term, an agent. It's like called comic speak or comic fuckery or, you know, I forget what the name is, but it's something like if you look at all their banners, it's like, oh, brought to you by, you know, comic douchebags or whatever they are. Right. And because they have an agent, whatever they're charging for autographs, the agent takes 10 percent. So what's happening is every $10 autograph that Hitch does, whatever it comes out to be, the 10%, right? The the $1 or whatever from the 10 bucks. But because Johns is doing $30 a signature, instead of him losing the $3 to the agent, he just adds it. <laughs> they're adding the $3 because he doesn't want to take the cut. And so, and I, I don't know if that pisses me off more or what, but... The, the whole thing just was full of fuckery. And I was just like, you know, I, I think what I wanted to tell him that I forgot about because I was so pissed off was I wanted to bring up like, oh, you bought a bunch of Legion comics from me from eBay way back in the day. And I know some of those Legion comics are in your DC bound editions over at the Burbank place. I wanted to say something like that. Him go, oh, yeah, I remember that and whatever, because he literally did buy my Legion comic collection from eBay. And I know he used that for those, you know, those bound editions that they have at Burbank or whatever. But anyway, I, that totally slipped my mind and I was so pissed. I didn't even think to talk about it. I I was pissed at the girl for a minute and caught myself. And then maybe I was pissed for an hour and then I forgot about it. And the rest of it was just me. You know, I waited in line for Johnny. Johnny was cool. When I went to, what is it? Living Dead Comics, right? And then I went to this Gods and Monsters thing the one night, but then the next day that I had free time before Megacon started the Thursday night, you know, the pre-show, I, I had the morning all to myself with nothing to do. And so the other store they mentioned was this store called Blackbird Comics. And again, it was a long ride share. So that was an additional expense, right? That I hadn't accounted for, but I'm like, I'm all the way out here and they recommended it. And what it is, is it's like a, um, I tagged Clinton Robinson because he does the Coffee and Comics podcast. It literally is a comic store and a coffee shop. Like literally like half of it is you can get breakfast shit. I got like a hot tea and like jam and toast or some shit when I finished and I sat there and just hung out. It was like the most fantastic thing ever. And maybe I'm just colored because I, I was thinking to myself, oh, I don't have physical copies of 
those Our Worlds at War covers that I bought recently. You know, the one with Doomsday's arm and Superman's arm, and then the one I just picked up at this show where it's like Superman standing over the, the broken statue of Darkseid on Apocalypse. Like, those are the covers I bought, and I, I've long since did not have physical copies of those. And when I went through their bins, I, I found both of them for $2.99 a piece. And I was like, you know, that's reasonable, right? Yeah. And so so I bought those. I And then uh, the most unreasonable thing was I bought a brand new comic. Why? Because I remembered Art Germ was going to be at Megaton. Ooh, and I, like I, already had, I already had a new 52 print which was Captain Adam, because he did one of the covers for Captain Adam number one. But I was like, you know what? I, I like that magic cover from that. What What is it? The the last days of X, the fall, fall, fall yeah, of X's or what, whatever the fuck that's called. Like, like, I didn't really care about the interior of it, but I was like, I was like, oh, that magic cover is really sweet. Let me buy that. So at least, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be at the show or not. And I just said, oh, it's here. Might as well get it. And that was like a $6 comic. So, you know, all in all, I ended up spending like, I don't know, $14, you know, with tax or whatever. It was like 14 bucks. And then I paid for the, you know, the, the tea and the jam and whatever. And I just sat there, charged my phone, hung out. I mean, if I had, I don't know. It was funny. Like maybe I wouldn't go there every day and I'm overrating it because it was just a fun vacation thing. But like it was a super cool store. Like it was super chill. And and like I, I was super glad I went there. But because of that, I guess that ties it back to Megacon where I was like, I got Art Germ to sign both of those. So that was something fun to do. And I think Bacon got on the Art Germ list. So he has a really nice rogue profile sketch, I think, from him. So I was like, oh, that's super cool, dude. Like, Was, so. was his line really long? Um you know, you know what, it, you know what it was. It was like uh, you had to find the right timing. So, so mm. I think I, I saw him early on, and he had a line that, like, because uh, you know how I said they were on the the horseshoe thing. So he was on the the basic end of the horseshoe loop, and he had a line that wrapped around back of the horseshoe. That was at the time really long. But when I finally came back at the end of the night, it was like. There were two people in front and I just jumped on and it took like five minutes and I was done. And it was just like fantastic. I didn't have yeah. to wait in like a super long line. I, I timed it perfectly. Like like sometimes you had to be on the nose like that and figure out what was going down. In a city where corruption rules the streets, only one man can stop the serial killer known as the Blood Bandit. James Kurt, a former police officer turned private investigator, must race against the clock to stop the madman before he achieves his ultimate diabolical goal. When JK's brother Alex is thought killed in the line of duty and mysteriously returns with no memory of his past life, the stakes are raised even higher. Enigma, the comic book series from Quadam Productions, written and illustrated by TJ Damon, with colors and effects by Jason Vickers. Enigma, order your copy at quadamproductions.com today i didn't buy anything from him he didn't have any original art there he had a ton of prints i met him at a bunch of other cons i just wanted to touch base with him dan Kana was there you know the, the transformers artist guy yeah so I, I i shot the breeze with him for a little bit and he said he might have some art if he goes to to tf con in burbank i mean i don't know we just kind of caught up and stuff we we had a kind of awkward conversation about like art is skybound like 
purposely not targeting the guys that worked at IDW to do all their variant covers. And it kind of feels that way, like, because I, I think he either tried to reach out or he doesn't quite know who to reach out to, or they don't care to reach out to him. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it, it seems like every time you see these Skybound variant covers, it's from somebody that's quote unquote fresh blood, right? And so that's kind of what it seemed like. There was a moment where there it was like us kind of lamenting that, where it's like, oh, that sucks. Like, what? You know, I mean, they, they could ask you to do one fucking, I mean, they've got fucking 200 of them, right? Like, it, it's not going to kill their brand if they use a couple guys that have drawn transformers covers before right but anyway i i thought that was kind of i don't know if if that's you know i don't know it certainly appears that way i can't you know right i can't confirm or deny but if it is that seems kind of fucked up to me but um love them or hate them everybody's got something to say about john byrne he ruined the x-man when he left that john byrne he's a sexist pig the only thing bigger than John Byrne's ego is... Oh, wait, there isn't anything bigger than John Byrne's ego. John Byrne, oh, he, he just draws the greatest butt on Superman. It looks so good. John Byrne is the greatest artist I've ever seen. Wait, who is he? John Byrne's 1986 Man of Steel series gave us the core reimagining of Superman that is still with us today. Third Degree Burn, a podcast about all things John Byrne. The good, the bad, and the legendary. Join Tim Elliott and Brian Hughes as they look over the nearly five decades body of work of one of the most influential comic book creators in the last 50 years. Third Degree Burn can be found at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes. I got a question though, I just am curious. Why? Doesn't Green Lantern have any junk? This may be of interest to you. Thanks to Tim Elliott of Third Degree Burn. Like, I got to meet him in person face-to-face for the first time. He does, like, a John Byrne podcast over on the two true freaks network he was the guy that was in the same room as me remember when i went to that one boston fan expo and i went into the burn thing and i asked him about the effigy and i was like man burn's a fucking asshole he was the guy in the room with me where we never really got to connect but he recorded the whole show and released it on his podcast whereas i just kind of verbalized it to you guys or whatever and so i ran into him early on and he was actually like staying with scott gardner you know during during the course of that megacon weekend or whatever so we got to hang out again because scott was really i mean i you know really nice like like he invited me back to his home at the end of the day on saturday like i got to hang out with him and bill and bill's son and scott's son and everything and we got to just talk shit about comics and you know it's funny because you know we podcasted once or twice but you know not all the time or whatever so i mean he knows me but he didn't know me really well so i mean i felt very honored and grateful that he you know invited me in his home and all this stuff and i got to go like i've seen photos of it but it's it's cool to go into his little you know movie theater room that has all his posters and shit and so it's like super fun like you know he's totally you know 
old school comic guy. It was fun to like share. And I brought my portfolios and I shared my art with them and stuff like that. And it was super, super fun. But Tim hooked me up because he knew it was a weird convergence of things. But Matt Barron, I had brought a Punisher page from the annual he wrote. I had brought a promo poster from the Punisher run, and I brought Punisher number one because he wrote that. I brought those three things specifically for Matt Barron to sign. Matt Barron was at the table for the Ripaverse, and oh. it seemed like, you know what was funny about that was it seemed like every motherfucker was at the, or was scheduled to be at the table for the Ripperverse because those, those sisters who I don't know their names were signing there. Mike Barron was signing there at certain times. The, the reason why Tim was there was because I guess him and Scott and those guys, like they loved the critical drinker. The critical drinker was there at some point, like signing shit. Star Wars theory was there at some point signing shit. Like, mm along with i guess eric july and all those you know basically there were uh, i i go through all these exaggerations to say they gave those i don't know if it's what they sprung for i mean i imagine it's the money you put into it whatever they paid for it must have been the smallest motherfucking booth in the entire convention like you could have at best you could have fit two thin cute girls comfortably in that booth mm. and that's it so for all like I, I don't think all you know seven or eight of those dudes were in the booth at the same time i think it was they constantly kept rotating people out of the booth but i thought that was like hilarious because i mean the booth was tiny as fuck and then they kept saying oh they oh, they underestimated us because we have these big lines but i'm like dude you have a booth that's like the fucking you know it's the size of a fucking toilet room. Like, mm -hmm. like it's not, it's not, I mean, exhibitors had bigger booths than you, you know, like I don't, you know, I don't know, but wh whatever the case may be, I don't know if there's some kind of stigma or whatever, and they, you know, hid them away or whatever, but like their, their booth was super tiny for what it was. So I don't know if they didn't spring enough money for a real booth or if, if there were, you know, there was some kind of politics behind it or whatever, but they had, Basically, if enough big birds in cosplay stood in front of it, you would have never seen the fucking booth. Like, but since I was on the hunt for it, because I told you that Megacon Discord, like, dude mapped out and said, oh, this guy's at this table, this guy's at this table, this guy, this is where the Ripperverse is, and this is where Matt Barron will be. So that was something I had on my cell phone that I, I transferred over and, and had on my little list where I was like, I'm at some point, I need to get something from Mike Barron. And what was interesting was Mike Barron was supposed to be there at from 11 to 1. And when I went there at 11, he wasn't there. And then by 11.15, people were like, oh, he's not coming or not permanently, you know, it's like basically it, it was conveyed like, oh, he's, he's running late. His plane hasn't even shown up yet. And I'm like, oh, so he's not going to be here until later. And, and then they're like, yeah, he probably won't be here till a, you know, a couple hours later. So I said, so this, this schedule you have printed up that says he's going to be here from 11 to one and three to five is now null and void. And they said, you know, come back at three basically. And I went, oh, Okay. And what was crazy was after getting in line at maybe like, you know, a little before like 1231 o'clock when Johnny Young Bosch was coming from his panel, I was in the very, like, it was one of those zigzag lines that I love so much. And, and when I was in the last leg, like the very last zig of the zigzag line, Tim Elliott's like, Hey dude, 
Mike Barron's here. And I go, great. I'm in the last leg of the line. Thanks for, you know, hooking, you know, basically thanks for telling me because when I get done there, I'm going to go straight over to Mike Barron's thing. And it was, it was near perfect. Like by the time I finished the last leg of that line or whatever, it was like a little after three o'clock he was there. And then it, it took like, you know, five seconds. Like I, I went up and, you know, I, I was, how, how much is this? It's $10 per, here you go. He signed all three things. I took some photos of him signing it. Cause you know, again, I was kind of flying solo. So I didn't feel like taking a selfie or whatever the fuck. I just was like, I, I got a few pictures of him and then that was a done deal. And so like all that stuff was, was super sweet. And then, like I said, after the fact on Sunday, I, you know, the, with OAX, I didn't have time to second guess and go, mm, I really want this. I should come back and buy it. Because there were there were things at OAX I saw that I didn't buy, and and not because they were 65k either. Like like there was. Let let me go through the list. These these were all the things that conceivably weren't too much money, but I let go or I didn't. I felt proud of myself for exerting restraint. When I went to Jose's table, Fred, you know, Jose's friend that helps him out at the show, the guy, you know, it's okay, Jose, you can do Maxima. She's a DC character. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. So Fr Fred's there and he's got his own binder of, of stuff of art for sale. And one of the pages was from Jonah Hex 2. And it was a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez page. And I was, I was like, that's a cool, I mean, there wasn't too much action on it, but it at least had Jonah Hex. And I've been, you know, that's something that I wanted to cross off my list to get a nice Jonah Hex page. And getting a Jose page, like a published page, was something that was on my list too. And so I considered it, it was like a thousand bucks. And so it was like one of those things where I was like, hmm, you know, and, and again, in my mind, I'm just going to tell you, I exerted restraint. I did not buy it, but I was... I was very tempted and I saw somebody did buy it later. So I'm not, you know, again, you know, I have good taste, like, like people buy shit that I want that I don't buy. Right. Like, so, so somebody else bought that and, and, you know, they, they were still paid and everything, but that was something that I saw that I liked the guy that had the JLA Avengers page for 7,500. He had, he had a nice DC comics presents page by Jose that had Superman and flash on it, but they were kind of tiny. It wasn't like the end all be all page. It was like Superman was like saving people with a fucking spatula or something, a giant spatula he made out of some shit or whatever. And Flash was zipping around, but they were kind of tiny. So I wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those. Yeah, I don't know. Look, when I saw that page in Alex Saviak's book at Megacon, that was unplanned. The, the Web of Spider-Man page that had Silver Sable on it. Like I've been looking for a Silver Sable page. Ever since I got in the hobby, you know I like Silver Sable, right? And the minute I saw that page, I was like, fuck, Spinner Act book from Web of Spider-Man 3 that was like my Bible for fucking Spider-Man comics forever. Like, whenever I get pissed off about Spider-Man stuff on TV and film, the reason why is because fucking Web of Spider-Man Annual 3 told me this, and this is my Bible, and this is God, and anything that diverges from that, I get fucking pissed off about. So that book was like super important to me on my top 10 list of spider-man comics and that spinner rack comic and had silver sable on it and had joy mercado who was like the hottest fucking daily bugle reporter that's ever fucking been done and so i'm like oh my god you have this and i was like i was like i probably can't afford this but what do you want for this and he's like 500 bucks and i'm like sold and he's like, what did you think it was going to be? And I'm like, well, you know, like a lot of these dealers, and I guess it makes sense now, we call them triplers, like had like a Peter Parker page for like 
you know, 1500. So in my mind, I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm like, I guess it makes sense because you're charging me a fair price. And the guy charging me the triple price is the tripler, right? I, I, I dovetailed into that to say like that. I knew it was like love at first sight, but the Jose pages were nice, but they were not love at first sight. So I, again, I exercised restraint and did not partake in that. Uh, some pages that some dealers had the, the same, I, it was the same booth that had the uh the 65k silver surfer page so again probably overpriced pages probably why i passed but i was tempted there was a mike mignola dracula the francis ford coppola dracula page where like keanu reeves is getting uh accosted shall we say by the the three vampire women and i was like ooh, that's that's nice. Like, yeah. uh, of course, it was like, I think it was like 2600 or something crazy. It was something like that. Or maybe it was even higher. But I was just like, but that was one of those things where it made me stop for a minute. And that was like, that was probably like love at first sight. But like, this is probably too much. You know what I mean? Like, I, basically, this is like, I'm not going to have money to go to Disneyland and all this other shit if I do that. And then the other page that I liked, but uh, I could talk myself out of was I really like there's a there's an issue of Green Lantern. I think it's like 146. I could be off, though. Maybe it's a different issue number. Green Lantern Volume 2 Issue 164 Green Lantern the Barbarian. But like there's an issue of Green Lantern where he's basically Conan the Barbarian, but he gets called Haljor the Barbarian. And he's in this fictional like fantasy sword and sorcery land. And he's got like a Green Lantern generated sword and armor and all this other stuff. So Hal doesn't quite look like Hal. But the reason why it's my favorite story is who conjured up this world, but the Mitzelplik of Hal Jordan Green Lantern, Merweirden, is the guy responsible for it. So like, I just like that story because he's he's Hal's Mitzelplik, and I think it's a fun story. They had like the title page from that, and that was around the same price as that Mignola thing. So again, too much to spend without not going to, you know, basically I would have had no budget for Megacon and no budget for Disney and all this other stuff that I did. So again, exercised some restraint. But again, by the time I went to Megacon and I saw the Saviak page and the Pascal Ferry pages, I, you know, I overdid it. I went to town and just, you know, I was like, and and what's funny is, and I'm not, I'm not blaming her like at all, but it's funny because they, they, they crack jokes about it because, because Ruth was like, you know, you're on vacation and what do you work for than to spend money at times like this? And, and, and me and Darren are both laughing because we're like, oh, she's, she's a great enabler, isn't she? Like she convinced, you know what I mean? Like she, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, Ruth, I'm like, Ruth talked me into it. Like I'll buy, you know, I'll buy all the pages, you know, like Ruth, Ruth convinced me, like you twisted my arm. And again, I, 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 and, and I say that with a, you know, uh, again, uh, it, it's not blame. It's actually like appreciation for like, ah, you know what? She's right. Like you only live once and this is vacation. And what? Wh why else are you here other than to do those things? Bathroom story. That's just, it's just that's just the, what happens. That's her. <laughs> she rates conventions by the bathrooms. That's why New York Con has what you don't like. New York. Oh, 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 then. Amanda, OAX2 will be way better than the first one. Wow. Well, the yeah. first one was pretty good. It's, it you. had roomy, clean, nice, quiet bathrooms that were you could get to. In you didn't like, have to hover? You didn't have to hover? You could there. get to it in, in like 
There were a no lines in the ladies' room. That's the important minutes, part. And it was great. But yeah. 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 The men's bathroom's like wearing roller skates. It's a little different. Yeah. I, I went into the men's room and Bob Layton was there giving me towels and asking oh. me to the <laughs> Bob Layton in the bathroom. Blown on. I'm like, Bob, can you be out there? And he's like, Bob Layton in the bathroom. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh. <laughs> oh shoot! You're getting constipated thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, everyone, I'm so I'm so glad that we had this conversation this evening. I've glad so we had this conversation. All of you. <laughs> Paul's late and number one Marvel fan reminds me of that. Yeah, there he is. Ah, uh, boy. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're. Uh, we're we're already planning OAX 2025, but uh, so. I think we effectively gotten ourselves uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice. There'll be a lot more to talk about next year. I know that. Everyone, line at Jimmy's has a roll of toilet tissue for Amanda. <laughs> exactly. So so really, the four of you are you no no bullshitting. You want to come back next year? Oh, oh God, really? yes. If you tell me the date. I'll block it off. Absolutely. We are really? we are there. We are yep. there. I've had more people ask me, hey, can you see if you can get me in next year? And I'm just like, you know, money talks and bullshit walks. You know how that goes. I mean, uh, well, then here's our first four announced guests for OAX 2025. There you go. Yes. Yeah. 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 We know the dates, right. we can put them in. in 24 the to, can we say it, Bill? Sure. Yeah, we definitely. January 24 to 26. Oh, uh, okay. Right there. And you guys, I see, hey I see everyone out there Hi. writing that down. 24 to 26. 24 January. to 26. Put it. Book see? it. Got it. 24. Oh, wait. 24 to 26. Yep. Got it. Yep. It's in. Okay. Oh, you know, you know what you might be interested in, too, is because I, I, I talked about how OAX was like super considerate. And, and you have a frame of reference for this, too, because Kazra, who, who was, you know, basically helping build show run the whole thing, like he's a local, you know, to Orlando. Right. And so. At one point, I hit him up and was like, "Hey, is it cool if I send you a care package for myself?" Like I did, I did the thing with <laughs> you because yeah. I knew I, I knew I was, I'm going to be there for like almost two weeks, right? And so I was like, "I'm going to just mail myself some shit, right?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, that's totally cool and everything." And he even messaged me when he got it. He's like, "It's pretty banged up," and I just said, "Look, nothing in there is like fragile." I said, "As long as it's not it's not leaking liquid, it's fine." Like however it looks, right? But um. What was funny was that Thursday night, I was like, I mean, we're kind of making jokes about it, but it was like, oh, uh, Derek's stalking me or whatever. And it's like, you know, because I, I wanted my box, right? And then he gave it to me that Friday morning. But, you know, I'm like, if if Kazra ends up listening to this, I'm like, the only reason why I was stalking you is like, I'm like my toothpaste and my fucking mouthwash and all that shit to get ready. The, you know, like, that's why I came I came downstairs and was like, I hadn't taken a shower yet or anything. I just put on like a, a sweatshirt and was like, oh, I, re I registered. And I was like, oh, do you have my box? And he's like, oh, get Derek's box from behind the thing or whatever. I I, I took the box and I gave, you know, I gave Bill the, because I had brought like that Brett Booth Cyclops drawing. And then the, remember those uh, little heroes uh, coaster drawings that I showed you that one day? Like that was for all his family and stuff. And so I gave Bill all that. And then I made like Kosra's thing is like he gets commissions of MODOK 
And so mm -hmm. like I, I did a uh, modam like for because, you know, they were selling these couples tickets. So like people can bring their wives with them to this vacation or whatever. Like they, they had a discount or whatever if you bought like a couples ticket. And then there were a couple smart asses that were like, can I, you know, basically like it'd be like, can you and me do a couples ticket and save money? And like, I, but, you know, it's supposed to be for like, you know, girlfriends and, and, and wives and partners and you know what have you right it's not it's not supposed to be for buddies but you know anyway but the point is I made this thing where you know I I, I did a drawing of modam and said you know for couples right like that the you know the modam is going to be modox plus one or whatever at the show or something like that so I, I did that for him as a thank you but I I was like if if Kazra ends up listening to this for any reason that that, that was the main reason why I was stalking you that Thursday night because I was like oh I need my fucking box because it's got like my toothpaste and my my Listerine and stuff I need that I was like desperate for at the time but anyway I I got it Friday morning and then it was great like because I used all I mean I used it all the way up through MegaCon and everything like uh, I mean I you know I used let me put it this way I used more of it than I did when I when there was a bunch of that stuff we had to throw away at the end of Heroes Gone like I used way more of it because I was I was in Florida longer so that worked out and then that night we went to Miller's and I met his girlfriend and what was funny was because we, we were we were seated next to each other at the table we got at the outdoor part of Miller's that first night so we were talking and you know I I didn't you know I I didn't know her well or any of the backstory or anything so I didn't really know so I was asking and I was kind of like like because I didn't know and I was just like oh like do you hate comic cons like are you just here as a supportive girlfriend or whatever and it turned out like she was just as into comics and art like she was a huge x-men fan and apparently like she's the reason why the, some of those magic pages are in his collection like because she loves magic too right and so we had this long conversation about magic and all this other stuff and so that was again that was kind of like super cool because you 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 didn't so sometimes you didn't expect to be having conversations with people about comics and art and then surprisingly you're like oh holy shit like she she knows as much about this miniseries as i do do you know what i mean like like that kind of thing so it was like super cool right and kazra had listened to that podcast and said he liked it and so he's like oh yeah it's great like you, you should listen to it sometime or whatever and i was like oh that's cool like thank you but that you know that that part of it too is why i i say like consideration for the guests consideration for the attendees you know what i mean like like no nobody from fucking megacon is gonna you know, handle a personal care package for you. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's silly, but I can't give higher praise than that. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, it's just all these personal touches, you know, that made everybody's life easier. And it wasn't just me. Like, I, he did that individualized personalized service for like a lot of people you know like people had certain food needs or eating you know what i mean like whether it's it was like religious or or dietary or whatever you know what i mean like there there was a lot of stuff a lot of consideration put into that so i can't i mean if, if this is supposed to be i mean i don't know that this was supposed to be designed to be a big pitch for that but again I think you would enjoy going. And I think somebody like Dr. Ange would have a ball going to it. And and again, if if I'm going to sell it, it it's just going to be like, it, it's super convenient, super personalized. I, I To me, I would use, you know, it's it's considerate of everyone involved, you know, so that's, that's how I would frame it. On behalf of Universal Studios Hollywood, 
we welcome you to the grand opening of the brand new Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, the most powerful unlicensed nuclear facility of its kind. Ladies and gentlemen, will you join me? Five, four, three, two, one. It looked like you, one of those places you were at Springfield, you know, like Simpsons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a whole Simpsons land in Universal Studios, Florida. Did you so get a Krusty Burger or anything? I did get a Krusty Burger. It was it like twenty dollars? Like, it it was it was more than that, and it tasted like shit. But oh I God. can now say that I got a Krusty Burger. You, you know what's funny? I had a conversation with a buddy of mine that I used to work at the casino with, you know, that still lives in L.A. And he was saying, he's like, oh, you know, the Krusty Burgers taste pretty good at Universal in L.A. And he's like, they don't taste that good. And I said, look, I don't know if I'm biased or what, but honestly, like to me, you know what it tasted like? It tasted like. Have you ever had those like high school soy burgers that are those pre-lunch burgers that somebody gave to you at like high school or something? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, honestly, that's that's what it tastes. You know what I mean? It was. Mm. And and man, I, I tell you what, like, I mean, they had a number of restaurants where it's like Cletus's Chicken Shack and fucking Numb Nuts's Pizza Thing. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not super Simpsons fan, but they had. They had different restaurants where you could get a flaming mo, you could, you know, you could do all this shit. But the the reason why the line was as long as it was, and the the long basically some people could jump ahead and order their food before you because they'd be like, Oh, I just want the chicken or I just want the pizza or you know, basically I'm just here for food. It doesn't matter if it's the crusty burger or not. But I'm like, I'm here. I might as well. That was part of my my ride experience or whatever. I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to get a goddamn fucking crusty burger. If it kills me, I don't care how long the line wait is. Like I might as well do it while I'm here. I did it. I'm happy. I did it. I took it into Moe's bar and tavern and ate the crusty burger at fucking Moe's. So I'm happy with that. However, when I made my Facebook post, I, I don't remember my exact words, but I said, man, the longest line in the entire, well, I didn't go on what's his nuts is Harry Potter ride, right? For me, the longest line was not for the ride. The longest line and wait in Universal was for the fucking Krusty Burger. <laughs> and the Krusty Burger tasted like fucking shit. Mm. Like, no, I'm I'm not kidding. Like, like I, I would not feed my, you know, my my worst enemy, the fucking Krusty Burger. You know what I mean? Like I that 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 was it was almost like one of those things where I knew I was being bad with certain things, but I almost felt like did I just give myself a mini heartburn just by you know what I mean? Like like it wasn't even like that it was like I'm being bad, but at least this tastes good. It was like I'm being bad, this doesn't taste good, and I think I've I might have given myself a minor case of heartburn over it. And I was just like, wow, that sucked. But the land itself was fun. I mean, they had a little comic book guy store. They oh. and and uh, McIsaac went the day before I did because I went on Monday because I was staying, and he ended up spending a lot of Sunday at Universal instead of doing the show because I guess he wanted to do that because he had maybe sold what he wanted to sell and bought what he wanted to buy and whatever. Like, I think he was good. Right. So he ended up going to Universal most of that Sunday. And he told me he went to um, who, who, who who's the Bumblebee guy. That's his name. Oh, Bumblebee guy. Pretty much. So, so 
So he went to Bumblebee Guy's taco stand because that <laughs> does not have a long line. But I assumed the tacos were acceptable, right? Like so. So he told me, "Oh, it wasn't a long wait." But I went to Bumblebee, and to me, I think I got stubborn about it. Like I, I was being the God rest my mother's soul, but I was being, you know, the stubborn Polak about it. I was like, "I'm gonna wait in this fucking line and get this fucking crusty burger," and then I did it, and it kind of fucking sucked. <laughs> but now I can say, like, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt. I know what it's like to eat a fucking crusty burger. So I have the experience, but, you know, was it great? No, but I have it now. The ride was, again, a 3D thing where, like, Maggie gets irradiated and turns into a giant kaiju. And you're, like, you're you're riding around in, I forget if it's, like, a plane or some shit, but you're riding over Springfield and stuff. So, like, and all this stuff, again, interactive happens, like, you know, moves you around. Maggie grabs you and throws you around and shit like mm. that. I mean, it was, I mean, if, if you're a Uber Simpsons fan, like, like, see, I, I think this is, this is part of the distinction. I, I'm not an Uber Simpsons fan, but I will go on record as saying the Simpsons stuff is as faithful to the source material that is the, the the show as the cat in the hat was. I just, I have more of a personalized connection to cat in the hat than I do to Simpsons. So maybe it's unfair to say that cat in the hat is the only accurate thing in the whole, I mean, Simpsons is accurate as shit. Like, it's just, you know, I wasn't like super duper connected to it. You know, you know what I had fun doing that I didn't expect to have fun doing and almost didn't do because for a minute it's like the ride was broken and, and I left the line and wasn't sure if I was even to come back. They have like this men in black thing where you sit in a little, it's not a roller coaster thing, but it's kind of a roller coaster thing, but it's more like a spinny thing than a roller coaster but sort of a, you know, it's like, it's like a baby ass roller coaster thing or whatever, but you sit in this thing and then you have a gun and your whole thing is they spin you around and all these aliens come out and then you're supposed to shoot the aliens and then they rank your MIB score. So like you get, you know, whatever the, the, you know, I, I think like the average was like 70 K points or something. And I think I got like 67 K points or something. And then one dude next to me got like, hundred K points. But then there was some drunk dipshit in front of our car. And he was like freaking out. Cause I think he got like 20 K or, you know, he got some shitty ranking and he's like, mm -hmm. man, it was so hard. I'm like, yeah. Cause you're fucking blitzed out of your mind at fucking <laughs> universal. Cause you couldn't shoot straight. Uh, that's something that surprised me. Cause I didn't expect to have fun on it, but I, I honestly like, did like I, I just thought it was fun like I and I don't know that it was like I don't know that the aliens were anything I recognized from any of the goddamn movies like it's not like they had recordings of Tommy Lee Jones or Will Smith you know bitch slapping Chris Rock or whatever <laughs> like they, they, there wasn't anything really like that like whereas the Fast and the Furious stuff they had the actual stars in the video footage with the Simpsons it was the actual voice actors you know in the clips oh there was a um there, I didn't go on it, but there was kind of like a merry-go-round sort of thing or a, a teacup. I don't, I don't know how you explain it, but it was of um, uh, wh what's his name, uh, uh, Krotos, Kronar, Kro, 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 the, the one-eyed alien dudes that. Oh, Kang and Kodos. Kang and Kodos. They had a Kodos thing where you know Kodos is the center of the ride of like say a merry-go-round or a teacups or whatever. But then you know you get in the little 
thing and it raises you or whatever. And, you know, it, again, it's for kids. I didn't I didn't get on it, but I took photos of it and thought it was really nice. Again, you're, there's no way you're missing that it's Kodos. It looks like, you know, it's not like Kodos has a pink wig on and, mm-hmm. you know all that shit, right? It's like, you, 100%, you know, it's fucking Kodos. But like, they had the mystery machine there, which was interesting. Like, I mean, it played music and weird shit, like out of the speaker. I mean, there were things I passed on. And then there were things I went back to because McIsaac told me that the Minions ride was good. And so I went on the Minions ride. And like, I mean, he was not wrong, right? Like, I mean, it was fun. But again, I don't, I don't think I ever saw what I mean. The movie's called Minions, right? Like I don't, I don't think I've ever I've never, seen. I've never seen them either. So yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen the movie. So again, maybe it's unfair. Like I'm sure it's super accurate to the movie, but again, I had very little. You know, like that, like there were a lot of things, a lot of rides at Universal and Disney where I was like Grandpa Simpson, and I'm like, I had an onion on my belt at the time when I saw the Conan, uh, the Miami Vice, you know, fucking sideshow or whatever. You know, and and now when you go there, it's it's shit that's totally, you know, I'm like the Fast and the Furiouses and the, you know, the the Harry Potters and the, you know, whatevers, you know. Hey, don't the, they have the, like a Indiana Jones thing at Disney? They do have an Indiana Jones. Did thing. you do I, that, or was I, it? I did not have time to do it. Oh. Like, like I, I mean, the Disney, Disney. Like, I felt like I spent the majority of my time doing the Star Wars thing, and I, I did all the rides in the morning, and then our buddy Majilf was like, "Make sure you go back in the night and see it all lit up." So what I ended up doing was I finished all the Star Wars rides. I did the that Muppets 3D thing. I feel like I didn't get a lot done. And then I was concerned because I was like, oh, I haven't even hopped to the Magic Kingdom yet. And I only have one day. So I took the minivan over to the Magic Kingdom. I did Tomorrowland. I did a bunch of rides there. And then I walked over to see the Tron light cycle coaster or whatever the fuck it is and went, oh, I'm not butthurt that I didn't get to go on that because it's a roller coaster and it's just fine to see it. And then I I walked and saw like they were doing some kind of stage show thing of, uh, you know, Mickey and Minnie and Donald and all these guys come out and do a dance number. And so I looked at that for maybe five minutes and then I, I kept moving. You know what I really, really liked that I got to do was the Pirates of the Caribbean. Hmm. Like that was fun. I mean, I've probably done it in the past, but it wasn't it wasn't with like the movie sheen and the Johnny Depp sheen. And I I swear to God, like for three seconds, I was like, holy shit, Johnny Depp came to see us like (laughs) like like for 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 like three, like for a millisecond. It was like because because that animatronic looks so fucking much like him and and for the some of the brief moments you see it if you just see it out of the corner of your eye you're like holy fuck johnny depp is here (laughs) and then and then you know instantly it kind of goes away where you're like oh oh that's an animatronic but like for like for like a split second you're like holy fuck it's johnny depp bro and then i was like (laughs) oh wait no because you know what it is you go you go from a nanosecond where you're like holy shit it's johnny depp and then the next nanosecond, you're like, oh, holy shit, it's a dude who looks just like Johnny Depp, but is a great fucking cast member. Wow, he looks just like Johnny Depp. And then the, the third second, you're like, oh, wait, that's animatronic. Like, so it's like, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I blew through all those things in like three <laughs> seconds, but it was, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Like, like that was, that was a, to me, that was wh whatever time I spent waiting on that line, which it was probably sizable, but it was, I, I had a lot of fun. It was worth it. You know what was weird? And, and I don't know. I mean, you know, this could be all apocryphal. I could be proven wrong. But one of the other things that Scott mentioned besides Cat in the Hat was there's a Spider-Man 3D ride. Hello? This is Jonah Jameson. Roger. Over. Is this thing on? Listen, Scoop. Crime reports are coming in from all over the city, and I'm starting to get worried. Did you see that? The spider signal! Was Spider-Man nearby? Trouble can't be far away. And you know what trouble means. Headlines! National coverage! So don't screw this up! I mean, uh, good luck. Man, you shouldn't be out here. Doc Ock on the loose. This could be the most dangerous night of my life. And yours. Be careful. Nice shades. Was that Spider-Man? That no good and red leotard. And maybe I should look this up on YouTube sometime to confirm or deny my crazy suspicions, but the 3D ride looks like it was created around the same time as the Fox Kids animated Spider-Man series, because there are animatics where it's like Jay Jonah and he looks like Jay Jonah from the Fox show and, you know, those kind of character designs. And Dr. Octopus has the kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger looking Fox Kids outfit in the animatics. But when you actually go on the ride, it's like they somehow swapped it out for Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2 with the trench coat. Hmm. I kind of suspected, I was like, oh, I wonder if originally this looked like the cartoon and then they changed it somewhere down the line. And then the other thing that I can't prove or not, and I, I think Scott's son works at Universal, so he was saying that he didn't think this was the case. So I may be wrong, but... Of the, I guess, quote unquote, Sinister Six that's attacking you, like when you're in the Daily Bugle car or whatever it is, and Spider-Man's like protecting you as you, I don't know, do a job for J. Jonah or some shit or whatever it is, you encounter Electro, you encounter Hy Hydro-Man. So like part of the interactive thing is like when Hydro-Man beats you up, like there's splashes of water on you and shit, you know, so it's like that's part of the, the 3D experience or whatever. The... Green Goblin comes at you or whatever. Or no, 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 no. It's a Hobgoblin that comes at you. Uh, among all those other guys, like I think Mysterio and Doc Ock and all these guys, it's Scream of all people, like for the symbiote, like the, you know, the female symbiote of what? those rainbow colored symbiotes. Like for some reason, okay. Scream is in the 3D ride. And I was like, that's got to be like, I said, man. Originally, I bet you that was Venom, but then because of weird right shit with Sony or something, I bet you they had to take Venom out of the ride. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, when when I asked Scott's son, his name's Logan, because he's like, oh, Logan works there, and he's like, Logan, was 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 things changed for this ride? And and I, for the the. I mean, I guess he, he didn't know for sure or whatever, but he, he said, I don't think so. And but I don't know, maybe I'll look up old like maybe people have old video from like the ride was what the ride was like, maybe in the 90s or something like that. Derek was right about the change in Doc Ock's costume. 
but it looks like Scream was in the ride from the beginning. I was like, Scream? Like, that, like I mean, that seems like super obscura, right? Yeah. And I was like, why is Scream in this ride? But she was, and I was like, did they just replace Venom? With, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it does all the same stuff. It, you know, slashes at your at your 3D car or whatever, but instead of it being Scream slashing, it's Venom or vice versa or whatever. But again, that was fun. Oh, you know what you might've liked? Now I'm flipping through my photos. There was an entire comic strip land and I only took a couple select photos of like, they had a thing where like the Phantom was on one of the storefronts. They had this great Popeye statue. They had some Prince Valiant stuff. Some people were asking me about Flash Gordon and I don't remember seeing any, but I think it was cause like, you know, Betty Boop, you know, there was like a cast person dressed up as Betty Boop that had like one of these masks that made them look like Betty Boop. So like that was fun. And, you know, yeah, all the Marvel stuff, you know, all the Kubert art and stuff that was on the walls, the comic store, you know, and, and yeah, I was in front of the Hulk coaster, but I didn't go on it. Oh, at Universal, I went on this like, I, I don't, it was like some kind of fake steamboat ride or something. I, I you know, but, it, it, you know, it was... It was something to do like that line wasn't as long as like, you know, other Harry Potter stuff or whatever. The Star Wars stuff. I don't know. The land speeder made me a little giddy seeing a live land speeder like that was fun. But yeah, to Tomorrowland, I did a bunch of rides there. And then and then when it got late at night, then I went back to look at all the Star Wars stuff again lit up because that's what Majilf told me to do. Oh, and there's like a Toy Story section, and I went past there. I didn't go on the ride, maybe because I'm a chicken shit or whatever, but like there's like a Twilight Zone Tower of Terra, and like uh, apparently some people said it's like their favorite ride in the whole place, but I guess I, I went in the, the gift room like that you come out afterwards and stuff, and I don't quite know what it has to do with the Twilight Zone. It's supposed to be creepy and stuff, like you're going in a hotel, and then like you get in an elevator, and then I guess it's supposed to like you know drop you from a height or like something or other. And I was just like, and and I asked the dude, I'm like, like how I was like, is this like a roller coaster like what the fuck is this and he's like well basically go you go up really high and you get dropped from really high and i'm like you know i've done that before in my life and i'm like it, it, i i think it was the same like they have a doctor doom ride that's like the same thing where it's like doom's tower of terror and it like you know it takes you up really high in the sky and then it like plummets you and i'm like it's kind of like roller coaster shit. I'm like, I'm too old for that shit. I've done it before. I'm not, you know, to me, I'm like, I'm not a chicken shit. I've done it before. I just, I just, there's no enjoyment for me in doing it now. You know, like I know it's just, and I'm like, after that crusty burger, I was like, I'm not going to risk freaking out or, or doing something like that or whatever. Yeah. That Blackbird comics was cool. I went in some of these anime stores, but those were kind of more tourist trappy things where it was like overpriced stickers and bullshit or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that Robocop cosplay was like one of the best, but I found like a common writer, you know, I found a bunch of cool stuff. Oh, do you want to ask me about the, the Gundam base? Oh like, yeah. What all was it just like model kits and stuff for sale or like what exactly was it? Mostly like they, they had some, some, previews of like some of the what the hell is the new Gundam show called again I can't even remember that oh uh Witch for Mercury Witch for Mercury thank you sorry I was going blank on that they had some figure arts on display of Witch for Mercury I don't think you could buy them but they were in the display booth but the way it worked was whatever was on display on the interior of the store they supposedly had for sale 
on these bottom shelves underneath it. But the problem is for, for being aligned to spend your money, that Gundam base, like there, there was no way I was going to do it on Thursday because I had more important things to do. So conceivably, maybe Thursday would have been the, the lowest line, but that was not my priority. My priority was getting all the signatures, like, you know, taking care of comic book business as much as I possibly could. So I wasn't even, I walked past it, but I wasn't even considering it. Friday, line was nuts. Saturday, the entire Megacon was nuts. So there was no fucking way in hell like like I was going to be able to do it. I just said, fuck this. Like, honestly, Saturday was spend the day with Scott and Bill from Back to the Bins. Like, that's what Saturday was and F everything else. Like, and that's what I did. And I had a good time doing it. Okay, Bill, are we ready? Sure, Paul. Oh, wait, be right back. I need my Avengers omnibus. Uh, where did I put that thing? Well, Bill looks for that. Let me tell you about our new endeavor. Two True Freaks has grown, and Back to the Bins is growing with it. I, Paul Spataro, along with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner. Just say his name three times in an email, and he'll appear in your show. Hey, how's it going? Ah, sorry, sorry. I forgot I had a Scott Gardner life model decoy in here. Be right there. Ow! Ow, who put Cap Shield there? <laughs> anyway... We're looking to showcase various characters, storylines, issues, or whatever strikes our fancy from the world of the Avengers. Hey, Ben, move that funny-looking hammer, would you? It's it's on that book, and I can't move it. Sure thing, Dad. Where do you want it? Uh, over there somewhere. No! no! Watch out for the repulsor! No! Don't tell your mother. We like to call it Avengers Spotlight. I thought it was going to be called Old Avengers Never Die. They just get reassembled and sent to another Earth. What? Too wordy? Who knows what we'll cover and who might stop by. So join us for the Avengers Spotlight, where we'll look at Earth's greatest heroes and some of comics' greatest stories, such as the Korvac Saga, Acts of Vengeance, the Kree-Skrull War, and, oh, for the love of Christ, who the hell put the Celestial Madonna Saga on this list? Huh. I found a use for that life model decoy after all. Okay, found it. We ready? <sighs> hey, wait a minute. This is the book of the Vashanti. <sighs> Forget it. See you soon, everybody. My favorite Avengers are D-Man and Green Lantern. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. But when Sunday rolled around, I was like, maybe Sunday will be lighter. And there was that in that part of me that when I saw there was a line, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. I don't want to wait in another fucking line. But then I thought about it and I went, this is the lowest the line's been since I've been here that I've ever seen it. So I'm like, you know what? It's early enough in the morning. I really don't have anything better to do per se. Like, fuck it. I'll stand in the line. And so I stood in the line. It really didn't take that long, maybe 20 minutes at that point. And I was like, Gundam base, I am inside you. I started taking photos and shit. The problem is, by the time it was Sunday, if I wanted a memento or evidence of something that was small enough to fit in my suitcase, like a little Haro or a little, you know, uh, not model, like a little chibi, you know, thing, all those were sold out. Like they were all gone. All the little kitschy things, they were all gone. 
the majority of stuff were models. And I think the whole thing is supposed to be like an experience. Like you wait in line to get in, you buy the model kit, and then you go outside to the front where they have the tables and you build the model there at Gundam Base. Like I think that's supposed to be the entire experience. But you know me, right? Like I don't build models. I don't fucking give a shit about models. I took a bunch of photos because I figured people would be into it. The pre-built, you know, stuff that was behind the glass cases. At most, the things that interested me was I was like, oh, cool, Gundam figure arts. There's figure arts from Witch to Mercury. I was like, oh, those are cool looking. And then, oh, and then the little it's... horror model kits, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And they had, they had extraneous stuff. Like they had, if I had seen maybe even a tiny little Pokemon model that I could have grabbed that was tiny enough to fit in my suitcase, I might have just to say I was at Gundam base and I built a model there, I might have tried to do like a little Digimon or Pokemon thing or something. But like I said, all the little shit was sold out. They had these weird little figures. I don't know what they were, but it was like, uh, I don't know if you keyed in on this photo, but it was like Ron Baral and Haman were like little tiny, almost like Microman sized figures. I don't know if you saw those or not. No. Like, like there was that. I think, I think it was supposed to be from Doan's Island or something. Cause I think maybe there were like Xeon looking guys too. And there were things like that, but most of the stuff that was there, I felt like one was too big to fit in the suitcase home or was space I did not want to devote to my suitcase. And they were models mostly. So again, um, you know, you guys might, you know, like you and Mike, I bet, would have had a blast doing it. Again, I think you'd have to take into consideration like, oh, at some point, if I spend money on this, I'm going to have to bring the model home with me or carry it around the show or some shit. And that was my main, you know, if it was a Haro that was tiny, like I might have done it just to say I did it. But there was no way. So I, you know, I walked around, I took photos, I had a good time. And then when it came time to exit the Gundam base, you know, I fucking exited the Gundam base and called it a day. Listen, Dad, are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? It almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's my armor array. My idol has to run day. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Amaro Ray Mobile Suit In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy. Now playing on Thanospodcast.blogspot.com. I I can't believe how like how crazy, you know, like that, that's the thing. It's like Krispy Kreme and shit that like just baffles me. Like there's a line for you to spend your money. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I get it and I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like some of that stuff. You're like, holy shit, that's insane. Like you, you have to wait in the line to spend your money. You know, like. Did, did you see the Kira and Lacus figure arts on display? Uh, not that I recall. I, I'd have to go through and look through those photos because like I, those... 
I took photos of everything, so but I don't remember Kira and I remember the Witch from Mercury people, but I don't they remember. they just went up for pre-order, so I, I kind of wondered if they mm-hmm. had them on display to like jazz you up and get you excited. I I feel like they didn't, but you know mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe I maybe I'm blocking Kira and Lacus out because I have uh, I have post-traumatic stress or something, you know, <laughs> with Gundam fucking C. Uh, here, let me look at it. No, these two are it's it's just. It's just redhead and her, her, her home slice, the the <laughs> princess that everybody's trying to marry. That those two figure arts were in the. But this is just dedicated to the witch from Mercury. So there's only witch from Mercury models and figure arts in that case. I don't remember seeing any other figure arts. I mean, Seed Freedom just came out, you know, in January. So I thought maybe they'd have some like Seed Freedom stuff too. I think they had some seed stuff, but it was they, – they were all model kits, I think. They were all uh, master grade. I'm flipping through it. Yeah, they're all master grade model kits. They had some stuff from Iron-Blooded Orphans. They had some classic stuff. See, this thing, they had like a these little microman looking like a Sela and a Char and a Rombarol and – oh, oh. This this is what I was remembering from Dolan's Island. They have the dude with the fucking goat, <laughs> and, and he's a little microman figure. Like, mm-hmm. see, if, if if it was just the dude and the goat, like I might have just been like, oh, I'll buy the dude and the goat. But that was that was sold out. Or like mm-hmm. they have these little I don't know what these are. It's like it's like Amaro's a a koala a panda. What? I don't know. <laughs> like like these little cutesy chibi. They're not model kits. I don't think. I think they're just like little PVC non-articulated cute things. And like, I think like Matilda's like a, an owl or so. I mean, I don't know, dude, I can't, I don't know what these are. Like they're, they're just cutesy little personified animals with Federation outfits and shit. I don't know what those are. They had a real life, uh, they didn't have the Amaro helmet, but they had the real life uh, Char normal suit helmet. Mm -hmm. They had a nice Lala Bishojo model thing that was not, not a model kit, but you know what I mean, like a nice statue thing or whatever. They had stuff from Unicorn. They had stuff from Digimon. They had, like, Digimon models and Pokemon models. Sazabis, like, yeah. So they had stuff from Wing. There there was stuff, but not not new seed figure arts or whatever. And, and of course, I, I know, I think you saw this and laughed at it. Fucking Unicorn Poo. Like, what? What? <laughs> Like, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You know what was funny about that? That was right next to the Gundam base to tell you how crowded that was. I didn't notice that until Sunday. Like, there were so many fucking locust swarms of people over that fudge place or whatever it is. Like, that had all those bars of, you know, whatever, confectionaries or whatever the fuck you call it. I literally didn't see that until four days into the show. Because there were just so many people. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth.
hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. And, and again, I, you know, I, I didn't know until much later that Ruth and Darren were going to be at the show to help out Mike Grell. So like that was, again, you know, all happy accidents and stuff. But, you know, I had reached out to Scott and Bill early on. Oh, Ruth and Darren introduced me to a dude. It's funny. He was at OAX, but I, I didn't know his work very well. So it wasn't someone I said hi to or patronized. His name's Joe Dragunas. He had a really nice print of uh, Wing Zero, ironically enough, or I guess transitioning or whatever. But like they, Ruth and Darren were friends with him and knew him from other shows and stuff. And they came by and stopped and said hi to him. And I was with them. And then they said, oh, you know, Derek was at OAX. Like you guys should, you know exchange, you know, like you should show each other your portfolios and stuff like that. And so that Sunday, like after I did the Gundam base thing, I I, I went and you know, handed him my portfolio and he showed me his and he had a bunch of great cool stuff in his portfolio, like all kinds of cool like art and stuff. And And so I was like, oh, this is super cool. Anyway, he was a really nice guy. And just, you know, shot the breeze with me and everything and was really friendly. And and it was almost like, I, I mean, I know he was there as a professional and he is a professional, but it was one of those things where it was like, oh, I'm just meeting like another art bro, you know, like another collector. And we're just having fun, you know, uh, you know, swapping stories and talking about stuff. And that was super cool. You know, in between uh, people yelling at me for taking pictures of Kit, you know, <laughs> Try, trying not to get canceled, but Kim Possible was cute. And by the way, I know you're giving me shit about not taking more photos. Uh, the, the two things I'll say is this. The first day I really wanted to take a photo, there was this girl who had OG banging ass Goblin Queen cosplay. Mm. But it turned out she was one of those like yeah. pay for play, you know, like you have to pay me to take my photo, whether you're in the photo or not. And I was like, I'm not paying you 20 bucks to take your fucking photo. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I'm not going to be one of those guys that like goes like 20 meters away and tries to, you know, crop a photo and get away with it either. I was just like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not paying for it. You know, I, I would have loved to show you. And like, I, I know my buddy, Jason, the Ambrosio who came on to do the, the podcast one time, like he loves Goblin Queen too. So that was the main reason why I was taking photos of most stuff was like, oh, I have friends who like these characters. Like I'm going to take photos of them because I know, you know, I know Scott Wingo loves spider punk. I'm taking a photo of it. I know Annika loves Jane Thor, you know, I'm taking a photo of it. And I know other people that like Kim Possible so, and again, the, the girl who, who, who did it, like I, you know, again, you, you asked first and I did, and she said it was fine. And then, you know, she gave me a big smile. I took the photo and I thought she looked great. Mm -hmm. I did you a favor by not taking a photo of the other two <laughs> possibles that were there. Trust me, I did you a motherfucking favor, okay? So I'm just saying, you you should be thanking me, not chastising me, because I did you a motherfucking favor. Oh, I, I saw the chick with the wings, and I immediately, like, flashed back to your story about mm -hmm. the wings. I was like, you are my fucking con nemesis. You know what was crazy was <laughs> after that, I kept taking more photos because I'm like, these fuck. I felt like I felt like Daniel on uh, Planet of Junk, you know, and they 
Dare to be stupid. Wear long wings in a fucking crowded Escon. Dare to be stupid. You know, like, I was just like, come on, man. Like, are you fucking nuts? Are you kidding me? And speaking of, like, TJ loves art the clown from the terrifier movies so every time i see an art the clown now i don't care if it's a chick dressed as art the clown or if it's a dude or if it's whoever dressed as art the clown a little kid you know uh it could be somebody's dog dressed up as art the clown <laughs> i'm gonna take fucking photos of art the clown because i know tj loves that fucking shit so i'm i'm taking photos of that you know the robocop fighting optimus prime was sweet. Mm -hmm. like i'm glad i did it the one time i'm glad i can now say i've been to a megacon uh, unless it was the exact same weekend or I just could pull off doing just the Thursday show or something because somebody super unique and special that I would never see again in a million years because they're flying in from fucking Japan or Timbuktu or Spain. You know, that that's something I probably didn't take advantage of. There were a lot of Japanese creators there. I don't know if you know, there was a dude, they call him Godtail. Like, I don't know if no. you're familiar with that guy, but... No. Like, if you look him up, like, he, he does a bunch of, like, manga-ish stuff or whatever. And, like, you know, I think, again, kind of like I'm too old for roller coasters. Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't want to do commissions and be chasing people down. And, like, I had no prearranged stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like, I didn't want to deal with that at all. If I didn't have those hangups, like, I might have patronized some of those guys, like like an art germ or a god tail or like there there were, you know, it was it was super duper awkward. I forget who the guy was, but there there was a dude who actually did manga. I don't I don't recognize the manga. I couldn't tell you who it was or what it was, and I didn't make a point to write it down. So I'm never gonna fucking remember. But there was a genuine manga artist there. He had you know, ironically, I don't think very many manga artists sell their pages, but I think he was like at a booth with people that were selling cells, like anime cells. Hmm. And and I know he was doing commissions and he might have had, I don't know if they were like over detailed artist prints or something, but he had something so like some things that I thought might have been original for sale, but I'm not, you know, I'm not expert enough. You know, I couldn't tell you with 100% authority if that was the case or not, but this guy was there, and it was one of these young, awkward, con-goer individual guy, like, like, Mr. Lando, were you friends with Lobot, you know, like in <laughs> real life? Did you play poker? You're, I don't know if you remember the story I told you from a million years ago, but there was there was a dude who asked Billy D. Williams if he was still friends with fucking Lobot. And <laughs> Billy D. Williams was like, I don't really know the man. We did the work together and I never saw him after that day. And it's like the guy was crestfallen because <laughs> he, he had built up this image that yeah, him yeah. and Lobot were the best of buddies or some shit when he asked that question or whatever. <laughs> and and this kid was like this. It was like, he was like, can you, uh, can you, can, and, and, and the, the thing that was crazy was he was socially awkward, socially awkward dude speaking English to the the mm -hmm. the guy at the table that spoke English and Japanese that was his friend or his handler or whatever mm -hmm. doing the translating. Like like if I walked up, I would have to be like, hi, sir, um, I would love a, you know, a Maxima sketch. Here's my, you know, here's my reference. And he'd turn to him and go, oh, sensei, you know, you know. Uh, 
you know, Kambamwa, like what, what, whatever, you know, he'd have to go into his routine and say, uh, you know, Maxima des and what, you know, whatever, like, <laughs> and, and then he'd be, oh, so, so, and, and fucking draw it or do whatever. Right. Cause he's, it's, it's going through uh, a second party. Right. And so the socially awkward kid is like, thinks he's doing like a YouTube interview, even though he's not on camera and is like, is like, what is your favorite color? And then the, the guy's like, oh, do, 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 desu sensei, uh, color desu, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And and the guy's like, oh, uh, he likes blue, you know, or whatever. And and it's like he must have asked him like nine fucking awkward questions. And the worst thing, I almost pulled out my phone and like pulled up an image of fucking Lord of the Rings because I couldn't I almost couldn't take it anymore because he was like, do you like Lord of the Rings? <laughs> What's your favorite Lord of the Rings movie? And and the dude that was translating couldn't understand what he was saying. And he's like, what did you, uh, he was trying to figure out Lord of Lord of Rings. Like, what are you, you know, what he didn't know what he was saying. And this woman from behind is finally like, oh, he's talking about the Lord of the Rings films. And then he could translate. And then. And then the answer was so anticlimactic because the guy, this awkward guy was asking it like so intently, like like it was going to be like the holy grail when he found out the answer. And the, the Japanese manga artist was just like, oh, yes, I like Lord of the Rings movies. They are good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it was just like he couldn't even like he's like, what's your favorite? You know, and he couldn't even tell him. He's like, I like them. They are good. You know, it was like it was like you reviewing something, you right. know, like it's just I like, like it. I liked it, you know, and it was like hilarious. It was like, it was like, give me a five paragraph dissertation on why this was good. And you're like, I liked it, you know, and, but then through all that, like, awkward translation or whatever. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts. That whole, that whole fucking show. This be some spread. Gambit not gonna be playing solitaire tonight. Gambit, what are you doing over here? Talking to yourself in the third person. And what's all this food? Oh, Professor, Gambit have plans tonight. Once Cher shows up, Gambit gonna wine and dine her. Then we gonna listen to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Fan Holes? I'll not have my school turned into a den of debauchery and science fiction trivia. No, Gambit. You'll just have to perform your obscene mating rituals elsewhere. Uh-oh. Sound like the professor getting a little cranky. Gambit think it's time for you to go to bed. What? What are you... Ow! Unhand me at once! Unhand me, you swamp-fed ignoramus! Ah! Relax, Mona me. Gambit just gonna tuck you in real nice. Ah, X-Men, emergency help! Ah! Curse you, fan holes! Hey, don't mess with the fan holes! Weekly content on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fanholespodcast.blogspot.com I'm <laughs>
cookies from That damn song is stuck in my head now. Thanks a lot, Pete Holmes. My mind! I, you know, again, I feel like I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't say enough nice things about OAX. And Bill and Cosrick did a great job. You know, Scott Gardner and Bill Robinson were like super nice to me and and made my day. I know, I know they're like, they, they kept joking because they were like, oh, I hope you're not disappointed. I don't know. Maybe they felt like they had something to live up to or whatever. And that wasn't that. Like, like I was just like, dude, I mean, I don't know if they understood or not, or maybe they did by the end of the the, the night or whatever, but it was just like, I, I, you know, it's like us. I don't, I don't feel like I, I have a lot of friends that I can share whatever it is, comics, podcasting, you know, mm-hmm. art, whatever with, you know, if it was up to me, we'd all have transporters and could hang out with each other all the time, anytime, but that's not reality. So if I get a chance to do it, you know, again, it was that conversation we had when we were going to Heroes. Like, if we can do this one time, let's do it while we can, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, right? And it's like, that's my attitude about all of it. And it's just like, I'm so happy. If this is the only time ever I get to hang out with them in person, at least I can say, I did it. You know what I mean? And and if if we only hang out occasionally, virtually on a podcast for the rest of our lives, at least... I had that one time where I could be like, hey, this was this was fantastic hanging out and they made me feel at home. I bet uh, Snoopy was glad when you came back after two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was barking his ass off. (laughs) Usually does. But I mean, I don't know. Snoopy's funny. Like like sometimes he'll do that if you're gone for two hours, too. It's it's (laughs) funny. It's like he could be gone for two weeks and two hours, but it's still like, oh, my God, it was a lifetime. And he doesn't know the difference. But yeah, he was he was happy. I mean, you know, my dad was saying he was like sad because, you know, it's like he's used to me coming home at certain times. So he'd he'd be like, wait, why is he not home yet? Like, when is he (laughs) when is he really coming back? Like, it's been like days and it still hasn't happened, you know, type thing. So but yeah, he was he was happy. My boss was like he had like a shit ton of Girl Scout cookies. And I'm like, I don't want any of your Girl Scout cookies. I don't want to eat them. (laughs) <laughs> and uh but he's like oh give some to snoopy so he gave me this thing and i break off a piece of this peanut butter cookie and at first snoopy's being a snob he sniffs it and doesn't want to eat it i'm like i gotta eat it too and so i ate a little nibble of it and then and then all of a sudden he's like oh what's that and then he starts eating them you know but it was like i had to do that once or twice to get him to eat the fucking cookie and i'm just like what the fuck's the matter with you dog any other dog would give their left fucking paw to get the shit you get and and you make these weird he's such a weird fucking dog
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.